Coming to you from the Troy Lee Design Saloon in Corona, California, it's the Whiskey Throttle Show, bringing you the legends and leaders of our sport with your host, David Pingree. This week's guest is brought to you by Yamaha, the leaders in the power sports industry. Motocross bikes, street bikes, adventure bikes, generators, side-by-sides, quads, boats. Yamaha sets the standard. Yamaha revs your heart. Today's guest is presented by Therabody, the world leader in human performance, wellness, and recovery. The pioneers of percussive therapy, Therabody changed the game with the Theragun device. Their arsenal has grown to include recovery compression systems, power.electric muscle stimulators, adjustable vibrating foam rollers, and a complete line of organic wellness solutions with their TheraOne lineup. Whether you are a world-class athlete or you are just looking to improve your overall health, TheraBody has the tools to help. Today's show brought to you in part by Method Race Wheels, the strongest, lightest, fastest wheels in off-road. Method dominates the off-road market, and they have the wheels for your truck, sprinter, SUV, Jeep, or van. SKDA Graphics. SKDA has turned the motorcycle graphic design world on its head by bringing a fast, fresh look into the sport. From outside-the-box designs to retro looks to a complete line of Whiskey Throttle show graphics, SKDA is operating on a completely different plane than the rest. With free global shipping on orders of over $100 and unrivaled customer service, right now is the time to freshen up the look of your ride. Troy Lee Designs. Built for the world's fastest racers, Troy Lee Designs blends elite-level protection with a history of industry-leading style and performance. From motocross gear to custom paint to bicycle protection, Troy Lee Designs is waiting for you on the next level. Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Whiskey Throttle Show. I'm your host, David Pingree, and joining us today, journeyman racer legend, Kyle Lewis. Thanks for, thanks for being on, bud. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to go through your story. Um, I'm always seeing you at the track, and I always go, oh, we got to get him on. You know, and I finally uh, reached out and glad we could make it work. Um, and I go through and, and do a lot of, I'll print out everybody's results, every race that they've done for their whole career. And dude, I knew you had a long career, but I, you owe me for printer paper and ink. I mean, it's ridiculous <laughs> how many pages we got here. A uh, lot of years. A lot of years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and the impressive thing is you were competitive for all those years. You never, you know. Grind, man. Yeah. Just grind. Very, very impressive. All right. Still well, grind with the Groms. I know you do, and we'll talk <laughs> about that. Um, we get started with our Method Race Wheels front end chatter. If you guys are in the market for wheels, go check out our friends at Method Race Wheels. Been a big supporter of our show from the beginning. And 20% uh, off using our code Whiskey Throttle. Uh, although that is changing, we're going to have an affiliate link where you'll actually have to click on the link. Hopefully in the next few weeks we've got that built and ready for you. Uh, but they make the lightest, strongest, fastest wheels for your truck van, sprinter, UTV, whatever you want. Uh, so go check them out. Awesome, awesome products and super cool looking. A um, couple of questions just to get us started here. I would say, and I was thinking about this a lot as I was printing out your thousands of pages, I would say the two most underrated or underappreciated guys in our sport would be you and Larry Ward. You guys were competitive for so long. You've got race wins under your belt. Um, Larry, Ward championship. Got, Larry Ward got factory rides though. Yeah, he did briefly. But you guys also he shared a lot with, of the same things. You were teammates, right? He was with Honda and then he was with Suzuki and then uh, Nolene. Wasn't, it wasn't factory, but then he went to uh, Cowie after that. 
Yeah, it's true. I guess he was at Cowhill. Mm -hmm. Well, at Honda, it was like a support factory deal. They had they were in the box bands in '88. Yeah, but I think their main guys were had a little bit better stuff than what those 125 guys did. I think it was a the 125 support program wasn't as good as like it was. Uh, I think Kadrowski then him because yeah. I I was I got overlooked. I was yeah. going what. I want to be in that van. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. Um, but I won the year before. So what do you think of that? Is there somebody else that you think uh, would maybe be in the running for that? Or is that pretty accurate to say? That you, you two would be probably the most underrated riders? Hmm, that's a tough one. I don't know. Well, I couldn't think anybody else who, had, who has been in it as long as you guys have, had success you know, in different spots. But, man, you raced for so long. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't look Probably back. Yeah. At, I don't look back at it that way. Okay. People ask me that. I'm like, it just says what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. I don't know. I wish I, thinking back, I wish I would have gotten a chance to be on a team and have because I know I, I, I did in Japan, mm -hmm. and, um, I, my bikes were awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean. When you wrote, well, we'll get to it, but when you rode over there for, it was Suzuki, right? Mm -hmm. Would Could you never bring any of those parts or bikes here and race them? They would get, they set me up with kind of my race bike, um, and I rode it at a National, 98, and I passed, I think it was Albie, Emig, McGrath, and was leading, checking out, and the bike seized. It, it, the temperature had dropped before the gate, and... Didn't have time to jet it and mm. stuck the front of the piston. Mm. That was screaming my helmet because I was I was in really really good shape. There was no way I was getting. Tired. Bike was running great right up till it blew up, huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they always yeah. do. It didn't it didn't stop though. It just it just detonated the rest of the moto. Uh, I'm just going up those hills, going. Come on, no. Uh, brutal. But yeah, that was the only time I had the uh, kind of a like works bike like those guys mm -hmm. and I, I was beating them and I'm like I know I can do it and yeah frustrating well we'll talk more about that season let me ask you something else aloha cross oh man you still mad <laughs> so no, I... let me give everybody a quick little backstory <laughs> this would have been what oh five four. six four four yeah I tried to help a promoter in Hawaii out. He, oh, he uh, got railroaded. He had brought me over for their little state championship race on Labor Day probably three or four times, and I always had a blast. He took good care of us. Well, he tried to put on a Supercross in Honolulu in the Blaisdell Arena. He had all this stuff lined up, and he needed help booking riders. So I said, yeah, I'll help you, man. No problem. So we, I got a pretty good collection of riders together. Mm -hmm. We had like a full gate of good dudes, and it was a little bit of start money and then this purse, which was... I didn't get any start. Everybody got like supposed to. 500 bucks or so. It wasn't a lot. It was yeah, supposed yeah, to be yeah. more. But anyway, something went sideways with the arena. So then we got moved to this stock car track <laughs> that was out of town. A bunch of the sponsors pulled out because they're like, well, that wasn't what we agreed to. And rather than pull the plug then and try to get the money back on tickets or whatever, he just said, well, let's just hope it goes well and we'll use the gate money to pay the money that we owe. So the first night... No one just, just no one showed up. It was a Friday night. Nobody well, No, there. the hotel, <laughs> we got there, I'm like, whoa. The hotel wasn't great. <laughs> but it was right on Waikiki Beach. All of them are kind of old. And yeah. there is the, what's that one really nice one right on the sand? But anyway, um, 
night two, there was actually some people coming and it rained and everyone turned around and left. And yeah. this guy got his, he just took a beating. I think he might not even be, might be buried in a sugarcane field at this point, but. Um, I won that. Yeah, but, and right, rightfully so, you were pissed off. Like, hey, what the hell, dude? You know, we agreed to this. And the guy just, he handed out every dollar he had. He, he did, he did make good for me. And I had a good season that year. So I, there was guys that literally went over there and put everything on their credit card. So I just divvied out the money to like the, I was a privateer, kind of, like we got yeah. help from Honda, but I, I couldn't do that. So I'm, I just gave the money to the other riders that kind of struggled to get there. Yeah, and, and I think pretty much everyone had their expenses paid at the end of the whole thing. And, and the hotel, if you stayed in the crappy one we were in, had their hotel paid for, the flights, all that. So it was like a free vacation. It wasn't what was promised. Uh, and it, it ended up being a debacle, but we also had fun. Sonny took us all surfing and... I didn't go. Oh, you didn't go? I don't surf. Well... I don't, I don't like the ocean. Did you get on the scooters when everyone rented scooters and went out? Mm, I, uh, I didn't stay at that hotel. I went, oh, okay. to, went to a different hotel. Well, we actually had fun, but... I know you were pretty unhappy about it all the time. Well, it was the first time I'd been uh, to Hawaii to race, so I didn't know what to expect. I went there yeah. for my honeymoon, but I wasn't born. Well, so, the original idea of what he pitched versus what we got. It should have been fun. It was tough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it should have been fun. Anyway, well, that's what helped. Little warning story, if, you, if anyone ever asks you to help them promote a race, it doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. Um, all right. Hey, go over and check out whiskeythrottlemedia.com if you guys haven't been there yet. Uh, we started our own media company. We've got all kinds of content. Ask Ping, my written column is back. We've got columns on different medical things related to motocross and riding. Uh, we've got a couple of a new vlogs coming up from Kalana Humphrey and Liam Olaf, which is going to be really neat for kids. People who want to watch kind of these young kids' careers as they go different paths. Uh, some some really neat vintage stuff we're doing with Rick Dowdy. All kinds of cool content coming. So check us out. And uh, also, I want to mention, we've got a cool promotion going on with Motorsports Curated. Uh, if you guys are not familiar with this, uh, we're partnered with them. We're going to give away, uh, or they're giving away, a Chase Sexton replica CRF450. Uh, pretty easy. Costs you nothing. Just go follow at Motorsports Curated and everyone there following. Tag three buddies. And... Uh, and you're in. So pretty awesome. You could win this fully pimped out CRF 450. Uh, pretty neat deal. So just go check them out and follow the rules over there at, at Motorsports Curated on Instagram. Uh, you could be walking away with a free bike. And uh, everybody likes that. Free stuff is cool. So, uh, all right. Let's get to our guest story. He's brought to you by Therabody. If you guys have not looked at their stuff, anybody that rides a dirt bike can use their products, whether it's the foam rollers, the Theragun, awesome stuff. So check those guys out, therabody.com. Kyle, tell us a little bit about where you grew up. High desert. No. No. Simi Valley. Simi Valley. Yeah. Honda, Val Honda Land. Correct. All right. Well, tell me about it. What was it like over there? What, well, what, actually, what were you born? What year? 70. 70. Okay. 70. Um, I, my parents moved from New York when I was one and a half. They oh, moved city or state? New York, uh, upstate New York. Upstate, okay. Yeah. Um, and they moved to San Fernando Valley and then, yeah, just, we went to Thousand Oaks and then ultimately Simi Valley. Okay. Was, did your dad ride or something or how did you get into dirt bikes? 
my dad was a mechanic. He okay. was actually a helicopter mechanic in uh, Vietnam. Oh. But uh, the, I don't know, dad, <laughs> sounds kind of funny, had this little remote control motorcycle on a leash and I loved that thing. And uh, one day my parents left me <laughs> at the house, <laughs> three years old, that she was next. My mom was next. Different door, times, folks. Right? Different times. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, no, my, they left the guard dog, Shotzi, my little. Oh, uh, okay. The guard dog. Yeah, the little uh, wiener dog. <laughs> but no one could touch me. Like if you, he would, he would bite people if they went near me. Okay. So anyway, that's kind of funny. But so I decided I had no, I had no idea about a, a track. You know. I, so I got some laundry soap and made a track through the house. Oh no. And. Did my bike on? <laughs> and so they came home to suds and uh, a mess. No, it was it was just the uh, you know the the powder. Oh, so okay. And so yeah, it looked yeah. like a track okay. around the house, and uh, that was. Uh, They're like, we better get this kid a bike, so he stops jacking up our house. Uh, yeah, and then riding bicycles, I I'd always I broke a bunch, snapped the neck off, j- jumping them, and I finally got a, my first bike when I was five. Which was what? MR50, Honda. Oh, oh, Honda MR50, okay. Yep. And then did you guys just kind of ride for fun for a while? Or um, did you start racing right away? Oh, no, no, no. I hmm. um, I would ride up in my backyard. Yeah. Um, you guys had a little bit of room there? No, it was just oh. a little backyard. <laughs> a little backyard? Yeah. yeah, yeah, just a little backyard. and. Uh, that's how I mowed the backyard. I just ride on it. That's how he kept the weeds down. Um, yeah, I made uh, you know the uh, the big uh, wire wheels. You know, they, yeah, like they're about this tall. I'd set up a board on that and ding, <laughs> just send it. Yeah. Did you do anything else before you guys started racing? Did you play other sports or like soccer and and uh, baseball? Okay, and I just. Team sports didn't gel with you. It's it's interesting. Like moto guys, well, team sports are a bummer. Getting you know? the ice cream or whatever for being the player of the game, right? And I'm like killing it, scoring goals and soccer, and the coach's kid gets it, and <laughs> I mean he's barely not drooling on himself. And yeah. I'm going, this is not fun. Yeah. So I just I don't know. He, we, my dad finally got a bike, so we'd ride up in uh, all through Newbury Park, which now it's a hiking area. Mm. Um, and yeah, you've probably seen some wild changes oh, in that area. Massive. It's kind of like what's going on in Temecula now, where we used to have such cool spots, and it's houses now. Everything's yeah, gone. No, it was where my dad worked. We could ride it in the street, and that it was endless. Open fields, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually was going through a stream and fell over on my bike. And th- those bikes have points. Not, so pulled the cover off, dried it, and, and carried on. Huh. But uh, yeah, my uh, one of my dad's friends, he, he goes, well, they would get a bunch of guys together, right? And my dad's all, don't lose us. We're not coming back for you. So I was just, was dad oh Was dad kind of a hard ass that way? I think he was just joking around, but oh, yeah. no, my dad was pretty serious. He was intense, but uh, yeah, one of his friends goes, yeah, this guy, uh, Bob Hanna, just signed a million dollar contract, and 
he's pretty fast. Kyle's pretty fast on his bike. Should go try out racing. And we went to Indian Dunes, and I got third my first race, and the way we went. Yeah. But were you guys hooked right away once you I, went? I forgot about one thing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, my dad was a hard ass. Um, when he would go to work, I wanted to ride my bike, right? So I stole some change and grabbed the gas, and, and this is easy. Put the gas in. Forgot to mix it. Blew it up, and my dad goes, uh, what are you doing riding? I told you you're not supposed to ride that. And he clipped me for one year, one year. And I was like, really? Nah, it's not gonna be a year. A year. That day, the next, that one year, it's gonna put the bike together. So huh. I was like, I was just like, wow, he's serious. Dad means business. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes you gotta do that as a parent. Oh, it's tough love. Ah, oh, my dad sold my bikes. We, I don't think it was a full year. It was, I had bad grades one year, I think uh, eighth grade. And he sold our trailer, sold my bike, sold everything. Oh, wow. Goes, when you get your grades up, we'll go racing again. I mean, he sold that shit. He wasn't messing around. I was like, wow. Yeah. He really followed through. Kind of um, had good grades, though, from then on. Right, right. Um, so then uh, that bike wasn't competitive. That was when the RM60 oh, okay. was I was going to say, what was the bike at yeah. that time? And This would have been like 80, 81? Uh, 79. Oh, okay. Um, then... Got, we went to the Suzuki dealer. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh. I was like, then <laughs> I don't even know what the salesman was thinking. Yeah, go ahead and try it. No helmet. I'm all real hard. Almost loop out. Almost hit, run into cars and like. In the parking lot or something? Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a lot faster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, we just went racing and started winning. They had a little mini track and then international on Friday nights. Uh And uh, then most of the time Sunday would be at Shadow Glen, which that place was epic. Mm. Did you ever ride? You didn't ride there. I never got to go to Indian News. It was was, closed just right before I moved out here and I'm so bummed. It just seemed like such a rad place. 600 acres. It was cool. Killer dirt looks like, kind of sandier in spots. There was, one track, well, both tracks went into the sand, <clears throat> the big, the main tracks, and uh, like you'd actually at Shadow Glen, it would get down into the water table, so you oh, was that right? And the whoops would be water, and uh, it was big, like you, it was crazy. The yeah. the, the amount of people racing that, yeah, know? hundreds and, then, and hundreds of people show up for a local race, yeah, a thousand maybe, yeah, it was crazy. crazy, and they but they also had. They had a uh, this TT track. They had flat uh, um, speedway. speedway track. That yeah. was fun trying to learn. Oh God, yeah. speedway is gnarly. My because many O's had uh, flat track. Yeah. So duct tape the elbow, duct tape on the hip. Slide your bike, bud. <laughs> I ate crap so many times. <laughs> Did they, would you put on a shoe? Like a no, metal shoe? No. Because no. okay. uh-uh. it's hard to really do it right if you don't have a shoe on. I just stood up. Mm. Just worked Drifted right. it. Yeah. Um, I, the reason, like that place looked really fun to me. Like I looked at Saddleback, the photos of it, and I was like, it didn't look great. Rocky and kind of sketchy, clumpy. 
It doesn't look fun to me. Indian dunes always look fun. Yeah, Saddleback was definitely a different animal. Like, it was hard, hard pack. Yeah. Probably, probably produced good racers, but man, it just looked yeah. like a piece of shit. But it's fun going back in the hills and goofing around, yeah. doing the hill climbs oh, and yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Now it was a neat place. So when did it start getting more serious? When you bought that RM? Yeah, I just started winning. Yeah. And my dad goes, well, you want to keep this? Because we went to Lake Whitney, and I think I, I can't remember what I got there. But the first day I got there, the locals took a fence off of a, this trail that led into a cliff. And I rode up, oh, and I fell 30 feet. Shut up. Yeah, I bent the forks on my bike. Nice. Yeah. I can't remember what year that was. So, I mean, it had to be 80, 81, right? Uh, no, it was, I think it was, no, it was, it was summer of 79. Oh, really? That early? You guys just went? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was, I was winning. In 79, they still had, uh, Whitney was going on? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, got in the, got in the, the waterway thing that, I don't know what it was, yeah. a lake or whatever. Yeah. Swimming and grabbed a stick. That's not a stick. That was water moccasin. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, you learn those lessons when you go to other yeah. states like that. Yeah. Who were uh, you racing with? Who was the fast kids at that time? Um, or kids you kind of grew up around? Uh, was like Johnny O? No, he was, he was, he was my hero. That guy okay. was, he had the Mugen Honda. That's right. Trying I think, to think he ran your was, number, 101. 101, he did, yeah. Um, and all white gear. Yeah, it was like. But he was from that area, right? Did you see him out in the hills? Oh yeah. Often, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd when we'd poach into Honolulu, he'd be there. Yeah. And pounding motos, or there was endless tracks. So there's gnarly, gnarly sand track, and it was off Erringer. Okay. And it was just like you, like heavy dudes would show up. Mm. I don't. I didn't know who they were then, but I was like, well, they're fast. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it, it just kind of took off really quick. And my dad goes, hey, we can't afford this. You got to win if you want to race. I'm like, oh, okay. And like Mouse McCoy, he'd have a fleet of Yamahas. And I was like, man, I'm going to beat him. <laughs> and I had, we were, our first our first race vehicle like was the um, Pinto wagon with a Duro trailer. <laughs> That's a hot setup. It was, Everybody it was, was, it was after that. It was clean. They, they were like, oh, he's got to go off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just made it work. We, like slept in the back of that. And, oh, crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, privateer life from the beginning, huh? World Mini camped out of that. And um, we stayed with friends that were, had a room at the Motel 6 so we could get a shower. And I okay. got fifth. My first world mini. What year was that? 80, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So when did you get off mini bikes onto big bikes? Uh, a clean like bike? 125, yeah. Well, I did 125 80s um, in 85. Okay. I remember, I, I vaguely remember, did you used to run black plastics? And like everyone, a black chest protector? Everyone, no. Was that every, Scott Brown, maybe? No, that was me. It was you. Okay. Everyone thought I was pissed at, because 85, I was riding for Honda. And then okay. 86, they didn't help me out. And a friend of ours bought bikes for me. And 
couldn't afford plastic. So I just sanded it down. Oh, and you painted it? Rattle canned it. And then I lacquered it, made all my stickers and yeah. Okay. I saw you at the, that was the first big race I ever went to was the World Mini in 85 out at Henderson. Okay. The, the black bike was 86. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I was there in 86 too. But I remember somebody hauling ass on a mini bike with black plastic and I could have swore it was you, like the yeah. name. Yeah. That, that year I rode. Well, so you'd been racing against like, was that Budman and Smoke no, and no. Emig and those guys? No, they, they were, were right behind. Right, uh, Emig, I did ride against, we heard of this guy coming from Missouri. He was, I, I didn't know, but he was Dirty Rider. That's what everyone oh, yeah? was saying. And my dad, go hit him and practice. <laughs> I, did. I like your dad. I don't <laughs> even know, but I, I like I, I'm like, uh, why? I don't know the guy. Like, He's, but um, find the biggest bitch when you go to prison and you hit him, right? Like, right, that's the deal. right. Well, I don't know about that. I haven't been, oh, no, I haven't been to prison. Um, but uh, I like Scott Brown was one of the guys, um, Lowell Thompson, maybe Lowell Thompson, Sean Wooten, um, Rick Simmett. Yep, okay, so it's that era. I'm trying to, yeah, it's been a long time, but okay. Chad Pedersen. Oh, yeah. Um, Damon. I guess Damon would have been in that window, Bradshaw? Too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was... My dad got into it with his dad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember... I don't know if it's still like this. I don't I don't focus too much on amateur stuff these days any, anymore, unless... Especially if it, there's drama involved. Um, but dads... I mean, I remember in, in that 80s window... Man, dads were fighting all the time. Budman's dad used to get in fights with people all the time. Like it was a, you know. I don't, honestly, I raced so much. I didn't have time to pay attention because I would do 10 motos a weekend. Mm. I was riding five classes. So I didn't, when I was done riding, I was like, whew, okay. <laughs> you know? Um, so I didn't, I, I heard about my dad getting into into it but i never never saw mm. anything um he did get into it right in front of me with randy bradshaw i think that's his name he called me a lot uh, a cheater at world mini and um my dad's like hey no more of that your kid's a cheater and then i'm like oh no <laughs> he not knew what he was and he was poking the oh, bear yeah, he he was he was hot yeah. like fish grease hot huh and that was that, that was the only time I ever really saw him get into it other than another time at Ponca with uh, Dave Jordan, the team manager. The pre-production, I believe it was uh, the 83 bikes. That's when the 60 first came out also. Okay. And I spent the whole season developing that with Cowie. But we went to just shake down the bikes and my bike, my 80, sucked some dirt. And they, uh, the head engineers wanted to see how, how long it would last at a national. <laughs> I'm like, we found this out after. And after I, it had sucked dirt, they wanted to see if it would keep going. Yeah, yeah. Great time for endurance testing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I was in the lead. I had just taken the lead and I landed. And you've been to Ponca, the bridge that got the yep. start used to go. Uh, 
I just threw the bike down and started walking away and uh, Dave got in my business about it, which he should have. But my dad, don't do that ever again. To don't you? That. No, to, he said to me, don't throw your bike down ever again. And he goes, don't talk to my kid yeah. like that. I will remove you. I talk to my kid that way. You don't. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, okay. So that's the only two times I've, uh, I'd ever seen that at a, out of my dad at a track. Yeah. He might have done it when I wasn't around, you know? Um, he did it to me a lot. Like, he got my, he got my business quite a bit. So you you won, and and of course the year gets boogered out right here. But your very first time to Loretta's, you went two one, sixty five and eighty five seven to eleven modified. Mm-hmm. Um, what year would that have been? Is it the first year? Eighty two, wasn't that the first the year? Very first, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good, man. You got two titles at Loretta's, one twenty five Pro Am, and then this uh, your your first time at eighties. Leading on the white flag, I would have won the championship. That same year? No, a previous, a later year. Okay. I think uh, 83, maybe. Okay. Or. You, you pulled off, completely off the track? Yeah, I pulled off. I'm all one. My dad's like, what are you doing? I'm all, oh, no. <laughs> I I caught them in that last lap, but I couldn't get Too them. late, yeah. But I. You never did that again? No. But and then uh, right before the finish, there were steep doubles, and I spun on the prey lap another class that i was going in low points and i broke the front lever off and i mm. i think there's uh larry ward actually sent me a video of lowell thompson and him passing me because i had no front brake i pulled the whole shot but i just couldn't yeah yeah huh. well you had good luck back there i mean lots of, you got a couple of three seconds two wins the third um so the last one was a sweet one because donnie schmidt had uh, just won the, the Supercross, won 125 Supercross Championship. Okay. And... So would this have been maybe 86? Like the year got cut off, I couldn't quite remember. Yeah. Uh, yes, 86. Or five, maybe it's five. 86. It is six? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure because, because the next year was 87 and that's when I won my first Supercross. Okay. So that's how I was able to get my pro car. Gotcha. Yeah. So but, you, um, you raced Schmidt and who else that year? Because you you went second Ty one Davis, class and okay. um, I think he I went two 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 I believe. Um, Ty won one. I can't remember who won the next one. And then I knew Donnie had blew up the the first moto, so I knew that he couldn't beat me in points. So he was leading, and I just I'm like, go ahead. Yeah, followed him through. Um, so yeah, good luck at Loretta's. I mean, you were winning, if you're winning there, you're probably winning championships kind of everywhere you went here and there. Yeah. I mean, my first real pro race was, um, in Salt Lake against my, one of my heroes, Johnny O. What uh, year was that? What, 85, at the end of the year. Oh. And, um, heat race. was like. Was it Supercross or what was it? Arena Cross. Oh, Arena Cross. Okay. Yeah. The. Jazz play. Yeah, uh, that's changed names. Yeah, time. whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, whole shot, and I beat him in the heat race. And I'm like, yeah, good job. And he's like, Rah! I'm like, <laughs> I think Johnny's mad at me. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> you beat him. 
<laughs> like that's your dad yeah yeah and whatever and then Maine comes and pulled the whole shot and I'm going through the whoops and I crash and dislocated my shoulder mm. so welcome to the pros right just like that so was he who else did you look up to as a kid like at that time were you it would have been like Wardy and like all those guys RJ Dogger Go Brecker yeah um, when I was testing that KX60, the first one that came to the country, I got to ride uh, Wardy's works bike. And they're like, don't crash that thing. 125? 250. Oh. And I gassed it, and same thing as that little Suzuki model. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to crash the bike. <laughs> Big old whiskey throttle loop Oh, out. yeah, fool. I didn't, I, I, it like almost pulled me off the bike. Like, I was like, what? That's crazy. So you're winning, you're winning amateur stuff. You're, you know, you're, you're clearly a uh, contender. Well, 86, I rode 80 expert and 125 pro. Okay. And I won. Oh, that's crazy. That I doesn't won, happen anymore. <laughs> I won both stock and mod in the 125 pro. And then I think I got second in the stock class and I crashed in the mod and the 105. I, I just remember winning the the big bike, yeah. and then I went back again the next year and won both. And I don't think well, anyone ever did that back to back. Back at Loretta's or where? Uh, World Mini. Oh, World Mini. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what? What? Who was supporting it this time? Were you Honda during all that or Cowie? Honda. Okay. Yeah. So you were kind of expecting as you transitioned into pro that Honda would continue with you. Yeah. Well, I, you won a lot of stuff for him. You, you, Suzuki approached us. We went and test rode the bike and. It was a big contract, and it was going to take me all the way to two years of uh, national on 125. Okay. And I turned it down. I'm like, mm -mm, I want to ride Honda. Do you regret that now? Um, like looking back, would you have taken the it? The money would have been a lot more helpful. <laughs> but you rode the bike. Was it no good? Uh, it just, I was, I, I was riding Cowies then, and... They were just better. I'm like, mm. no, I can't. I, no. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, you know, that time versus now. Like, I feel like now, even if Suzuki came to you, which they're, you know, they haven't changed their bikes in a while, a minute. But even if they came to you and, and, and let's say, you know, Mitch was doing the motors or something, you'd still consider, like, it's still a good bike. You could make it competitive. I mean, they're doing it now with Barax. So, but back then, it seemed like if, you know, there was just a bigger discrepancy. When, when Honda would come out with a really good bike, it was light years ahead of whatever was the worst bike. You know what yeah. I mean? I felt like the gap was bigger back oh, then. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, that's why it probably sounds crazy that you'd turn it down. But, but you know, like I said, it, if you've ridden a good Cowie or, or a good Honda at the time, you know, there was years the Yamaha was I mean, the worst R bike, then years it was the best bike. Yeah, R&D was building fire breathers, mm. but the bikes were just kind of dated, they didn't handle, you know, it was just, mm -hmm. I, they were small, which was kind of cool, because the Cowie was a little bigger and I, I was a smaller kid, but I just, no, I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think, it, I mean, I don't know. So you were Honda all the way through mini bikes. When did you get on the Cowies? No, I was Yamaha, because uh, Yamaha 60 came out and they were this, the th they were way better. Oh, okay. And then, we got a Cowie deal, so we put, we made the Yamaha look like a Cowie 60, 
with green plastic okay. and stuff. And, and they were okay with that? Yeah, they didn't have they a 16. They didn't have a bike, yeah. yeah. So then I rode for Cowie, um, 82, 3, 4. Then I went Honda, 85. And then they didn't, I don't know what, I don't remember why, but they didn't help us. I don't know what happened. I, I really don't. Okay. Um, but I stayed on Honda for 86, then got some help again, 87, and then... Um, so you were on a Honda your first year pro yes. with a little bit of support. Yeah. But but you said at that in 87, they didn't still have um, Larry Ward. He was riding... Larry Ward wasn't on Honda. At that uh, point, he was already gone, wasn't he? No, 88, I think he was on Honda. Okay. Yeah. So you were wanting one of those spots and it just didn't materialize for you? Well, let's back up because 87, uh, I went to my first Supercross and I, I believe I won the heat. And then, yeah. January 31, 87, you went to Anaheim and got a 19th. Yeah, I landed on Kudrowski. Okay. In the main. And then the next weekend we went to um, uh, Jack, Jack Murphy. Jack Murphy. Yeah, and I won. And then... My dad died 30 minutes after that. Tell me that story, because I heard that. I didn't, I mean, I, I assumed it was true, but like I've never heard that story. And what a, yeah, what I, the hell? I pulled off the track and he's just sitting on the hay bale. After the main? Yeah. You yeah. just won? Yeah. And they the they screwed up. I didn't get to, I didn't even get to go to the podium. Like it was a weird thing, like, because they jammed the, I don't, I don't know why. Um, they didn't do a podium, just ran right. out of time or something? Yeah, it was weird. Okay. Um, and I think they just, they called me over and it was really quick and then he was sitting there and I remember him, hey, go get the, go get everything put away. I'm not feeling good. And then all of a sudden the ambulance was coming up and then just didn't, I was confused. What, yeah, yeah. I was like, where's my dad? Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're going to take him to the hospital. I'm like, okay. And he's like, just get everything put away. And you know, it was how old were you? Uh, 16. You had a license to drive? Uh, yes. Probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was the day off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then uh, lots of craziness. Mike Craig and I, we were trying to clear cars so they could land a helicopter because they had cars in the heliport area, breaking windows, sending cars, and it was crazy. And we couldn't get all the cars so they couldn't land a helicopter. So they started transporting them. And then one of our friends, his, he was a plastic surgeon, doctor, was assisting. And I, we get to the hospital. Mike Craig actually took me there. And um, yeah, my dad didn't make it. He had passed by the time you got there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess his heart exploded. Mm. So. I was just a young kid. I was like, what? No, your dad, my dad's not gonna die. <sighs> that, I mean, like, what a, what a crazy, you're up higher probably than you've ever been mm -hmm. to like the yeah, lowest yeah. you've ever been in, in probably a two hour span. Yeah, it was insane. You know, there's something about Jack Murphy Stadium because I think, didn't Rhino's dad die the week before he won his first race there? I'm pretty yeah, sure that's true. I, I don't know. Something about Jack Murphy. I, it was a that place had a black cloud <laughs> over it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know about Rhino, but yeah, was, that's crazy, man. I was. Uh, Did he have health issues prior to that? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Probably did, but stubborn, stubborn old goat. Like, hey, old school, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need to see he was, he wasn't feeling good that day. Like he felt like he had a cold, and uh, um, I don't that's know. how a lot of cardiac issues present. Like people always think, oh, I'll have chest pain and my left arm will hurt. That rarely happens. Hmm. More common is, yeah, I just feel like not good, or I feel like I got something stuck in my throat, or I, yeah. Yeah, you probably see it. Mm-hmm. Crazy man, well, I'm I'm sorry that sucked. What a yeah. So then and Valentine's Day, yeah, <laughs> no less. Jeez. Yeah. So yeah. I you went racing the next weekend, dude. I mean, yeah. I guess it was two weeks later, but a friend of my my girlfriend at the time, her friend's dad, he owned a, I think it was America America Apparel. Okay. In Simi, like in the valley, but they lived in Simi, not far from Johnny O. Mm. And he took me on, like, hey, let's go. And um, my bikes went with, uh, I believe, I can't remember his name now, but uh, dang it. Uh, Rick Ryan was with the team. There was a small little team. Oh, um, Pit pros or something at the time, or was it that no. Wageman stuff? No, 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 oh. no, no. Um, oh, Rick Ryan. Ricky Ryan, yeah. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Anyway. Um, um, so then anyway, my bike was getting to the track. Like Honda made it, made it get to the track. Okay. And uh, next week. And that, so this was on a Honda. Yes. And was Honda not like at this point going, hey, we need to help this kid out more? Okay. <laughs> All right. Because nope. you went on to win two more races, uh, you know. First night, I think at Seattle was fifth. Okay. And then the second night I won. Okay. And then Dallas, right? You won Dallas. But in Dallas, too, yeah. um, I had to borrow a bike because in practice I tried to triple and buck me and bike just cartwheeled. I bent the fork, uh, forks. Just destroyed uh, it. Subframe was gone, smoked. <laughs> um, frame. So you won on a borrowed bike? With a broken tailbone. That was a good night. But that was a crazy win. Uh, I believe it was Tishner. So we rode 12 laps then. Okay. And I I think I passed Bader. Bader Manet? Bader Manet, yeah. I passed him on the... 11th lap, 12th lap, I should have got the checkered, right? Get the white flag. Tishner passed me, but he passed me on the 13th lap. So it was weird. Oh. Yeah. So then they just backed up the results? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but, okay, so you went 19 at the opener, 1, 11, 1, 1, 3, 7. Um, Seven, that was at Coliseum? Yeah, that was at yeah, the Coliseum. Passing second and I crashed. How the heck do you, you know, finish that strong, fourth overall in the championship, and you don't get some support for the next year? How are you not on a factory team? If someone wins three Supercrosses <laughs> now, Nothing. he's signed before the series is over. Yeah. You know. Um, well, then I went to, so I was still had 
I had to go to Loretta's and I had to go to uh, World Mini at um, Pon and Ponca. So Ponca, I drove with three of my buddies in motorhome. All right, mom, see you there. And she flew in, okay. 16 years old. <laughs> Roadmaps, like the old Atlas. Oh, no, I, I was sleeping in the back and my buddies are up front. Woo, almost to Vegas. I'm like, no, Vegas, we should, right? Vegas, we should be north. We should be on the 40. I'm like, what? So, yeah, we cut across the middle of the desert. Oh, my gosh. And then, so that rate, that Ponca didn't go well, bike issues, jetting, and just didn't. Who was kind of helping you? I mean, with your dad gone, who stepped in to sort of um, help with bike? So, uh, a guy named Daryl Hamilton. He was working at the Honda dealership, Simi Honda. So okay. in '85, we were there every weekend because I blow up, I blow up wheels mm. on the '80. So just became friends with him. Super cool guy, um, and he kind of helped me with the bikes. And we flew him in for uh, bigger races and stuff for Ponca. Okay. Um, at World Mini, I didn't have anyone; I just friends. Okay. Um, yeah, would your mom help or would you, you just get a buddy to kind of help prep your gate, hold your bike, help you with, you know, whatever? My mom didn't do that. Oh, really? <laughs> she actually worked for NMA and uh, the AMA for like the regionals and stuff like okay. that. Um, again, that's how we kind of Paid were able it. to do it. Yeah. yeah. They ran the mini cycle track at Indian Dunes, uh, worked for CRC and AME. So. Okay. Um, so at Ponca, didn't go good and we go to take off and the transmission broke in our motorhome. My mom's already flying home. So I call Honda and I'm like, uh, this is no cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck Come in to a pay phone. And... I, yeah. I'm like, I forget the team manager. He was so pissed at me because I'm like, I need to get to Loretta's. And I, I couldn't. Yeah. I was stuck in Ponca for four days while they fixed the training and then we just drove home. Oh, you did? Yeah, so Rick, I think, was his name. He, he's like, why didn't you call? And I'm like, I did. <laughs> I called, I'm like, what do you want me to do? So it was by the time it was fixed, Loretta's had already started? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, why didn't you rent a... U-Haul. Uh, I'm like, I'm 16, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so that um, that wasn't good for me getting signed for 88 when they launched their big crew. Uh, and yeah. Hmm. So what did you do for 88 as far as team and bikes? I got bikes from Honda and parts. And it didn't, did you get hurt? You must have gotten hurt because it only shows two races you did Houston Supercross and the Good Times National at, uh, uh, that would have been Whitney, right? No, it was uh, San Antonio. Okay. Um, yeah, my knee, um, shoulders, um, and uh, I just lacked a support. I don't know. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't that you got hurt, you just didn't have the money to keep, to do them all? You're kind of hitting local I, no, stuff I was probably? Getting, I think I was getting, I got, I don't know. I, 
I got hurt quite a bit in 88. I went to Ponca or uh, World Mini again. And I think Ponca and my bikes were crap again there. Um, Nothing to write home about. Yeah, and then I signed with Yamaha the next year, 89. For 89, okay. And another thing in that 87 season, one of the supercrosses you won was an east-west shootout, uh, Texas. So you beat everybody. Like you were the fastest 125 guy that night. I mean, I just don't know how that doesn't translate into some kind of better support. That's wild. <laughs> um, Remember you asked me earlier, what overlooked, I go, well, I think to answer a little bit of that, I didn't, I didn't have anyone going up to, I'm 16 years old. Yeah. I'm going, hey, Mr. Honda, can I have a ride or, you know what I mean? Yeah, if you don't, you kind of got to know somebody. It seems like they would have scouted you a little bit. It just wasn't happening. Uh, yeah. Hmm. And the 125 class, you know, was a little bit different back then. It was new. 85 was the first year they were doing Supercross, 125 Supercross, so... Maybe, I don't know, maybe they just weren't paying attention to it as much, or? I, I don't have any answer. <laughs> you don't have a good answer. If I had the answer, I would, <laughs> I would right. probably would have had a ride. I don't know. So tell me about 89. You did uh, Yamaha in 89. Oh, my goodness. And how was that? Terrible. No good? The bike. Hmm. Uh, I mean, there was Bradshaw's bike and then our bike. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, Who was doing his motors in house? In house, mm -hmm. they gave me like the second level, I guess. They say it was exactly. I'm like, oh, whatever. Went to the first Golden State and I beat him at Glen Helen, and uh, and I went to the next race up in Sand Hill and just came over. Did you, did you ride there? Yeah, but it's been it's been a long time. Just I remember it because I raced up there a ton to just go over crest top of this hill. The bike started dancing, poof, just spit me and. Again, the shoulder was um, 17 dislocations on it, two surgeries. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, but I did it right in front of Bones, and he dropped it in for me. Mm. Really? Bones did? Mm-hmm. Look at that, Dr. I'm, Bones. I'm just like, grab it here and do this. and Oh, thank you. Gnarly. Those hurt, huh, until they get back in. I've never done it. I just, I see people with their shoulders out, and it doesn't look like a good time. Yeah, it's no fun. So you put some good rides in this year. I mean, again, like the, I didn't realize a couple of things. I didn't realize the nationals were so mixed up back then with the Supercross series. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I started in um, 94, 93, I did one race, 94, there was just Gatorback mm -hmm. that was dropped in. And then once you did that one national, then you finished Supercross. You and burn back. your hands completely off your body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're a wreck. But here you guys went, Anaheim, Seattle, Hangtown, Bud's Creek, Anaheim. Oh, no, that's a different year. But that was 89? Yeah, this was 89. Yeah. But you, it, it, it actually bounced around quite a bit. You'd go back and forth two or three times in the, in the span of a season between Supercross and Motocross. It was tough. So take me through that 89 season. Um, it was weird. I just, again, uh, I rebroke my tailbone. I just moved a little bit more at um, Seattle. Okay. Came back. I don't know if you ever looked at old footage. The first turn, they had this double, but it, you're climbing a wall in the, on the first turn. 
But in the, mo in the actual, when you're riding, you kind of open it up and double, right? And the thing went, oh, and I'm like, threw it, landed right in my ass again. And I was like, God. It was just endless stuff with that year. Like, we tried this crazy Makuni carburetor. The test track used to be at De Anza, the Supercross. Yeah, I remember that place. We'd hit, sneak out there and ride. I'd, I hit that 90-foot triple. Oh, when I landed. Uh, McCooney carb guy, yeah, you missed tightening the bolt day. He, uh, the carb fell off. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, you're not touching my bike anymore. <laughs> jetting used to be, uh, that was another thing that was widely overlooked. Like you had to be really good at jetting back then. Especially step on, step off boltler. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, How many of those have you had? Plenty, plenty. <laughs> Um, so 89 was a kind of a tough season for you. You only did Actually, two supercrosses, two nationals. I, uh, well, injury. Again. Injury. Um, but I went, actually went to Keith McCarthy, McCarty and asked him if I could, uh, go to Europe to test a bike. Um, Benelli, um, had the first perimeter frame for 125. Mm, okay. And with a TM motor, um, it was a disaster. Oh, it wasn't any good. You went and rode it? Oh, yeah. I, I went through two sets of forks, bending them, because the frame was so stiff. Uh, broke a, a rear wheel, blew it up three times. This is in one week. Um, two transmissions, and then we went to Malpensa. Uh, it's, a, it's an international track back then. And Stefan Everts was, I think it was one of his first uh, international races. Okay. And uh, he was on a really good Yamaha, and I'm, I blew the bike up again in practice. I'm like, send it. Mm. So I came home and did local stuff, um, bounty hunter races, stuff like that. Just to, it was good money. Try to make money, yeah. Yeah. Um, the bike was good. I just that bog i couldn't hmm. on the 90 90 yamaha at this 89. point 89 okay yeah 90 so end of 89 rolls around i'm calling people and no one's answering and uh i'm like well hmm this is no good mm. <laughs> so i go get a job i lay in the hardwood floor okay for four days and uh, at the end of that week was kind of weird, weird. I, it was a friend of a friend, his dad owned the company, and we were literally, in, the lady that invented the rivets for Levi Jeans, Okay. it was her house in Malibu Colonies. It was $11 million pad. Um, and you're laying hardwood floor in there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just like, okay, well, whatever. The last day was screwing around. Uh, we are just... Being young kids wrestling around, and shoulder went out again. Oh no! Like, gosh, dang. So, um, yeah, that was the last day I worked, and I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so, I was in out in see me at dinner, and a guy. I barely knew him. You know, what are you doing next year? I'm like, I don't know, nothing. I don't, like, no one's answering calls. And what? You're kidding me. I'm like, no. 
So he got me a bike through Simi Valley Kawasaki and um, John, I believe, is the owner. Hooked me up with parts, killer deal, you know. Um, my chiropractor, which was like my second family, bought me a bike and just started grinding. Hmm. Um, but again, I had stupid things happen that year. This Le is for 90? Yeah. Did you get the shoulder fixed? In 90, yeah. Okay. And they put a titanium bolt in my, to create a socket. Okay. Um, but leading, I think it was uh, Dallas and Pasadena, the handlebars that year were bad. And to the tank and over the bars. Up. What do you mean they were bad? They would bend? I'd, break. I'd bend like three pairs, four pairs a weekend. Just landing, just push them. <laughs> but then the knurling <clears throat> on the clamp, he couldn't get them tight enough. Okay. So I just push them down. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that was weird. And then I mean, I, it wasn't a great season. You had a couple of top fives, Anaheim and San Diego, some top tens, but I think it was leading. Vegas and I crashed in the whoops that year. Did you get hurt? Because no, oh no, you didn't do any nationals. Is that just financial? Uh, I did. I went to Gainesville. Oh, did you? Um, and oh, Hangtown. It has show Hangtown here, but I don't see Gainesville. Uh, well, Gainesville first moto. I'm in third, front flat. Awesome. Yeah. Second moto came from near dead last. That was. 7th, 8th, and ninth were right in front of me, and the top of the piston, when you got the the ring, right? Yeah. Ha completely in half, popped off, two laps to go. Burr. <laughs> like, what? Unlucky. <laughs> That's why my wife called me Lucky. <laughs> Is that where the nickname came from? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, well, not really. It's... Actually, but sad. so I went to some Mickey Thompson stuff also in yeah that 90s. was big through there right like Craig was doing yeah, that yeah, and yeah. Um, I borrowed Larry, I borrowed Larry Brooks I borrowed Kenny Watson's uh, KX two fifty oh yeah yeah hey, um, what was he he was trying to he was what was he doing at the time he, he rode it I think twice and wrecked himself on the second time <laughs> he's like I'm not touching that thing ever again all right um, and then a, a, another friend. Oh, it was a, uh, Rick McCants and Bob Burns. They were helping me get to some races. Okay. Um, they worked at a machine shop, and one guy owned one. Um, trying to think who else. Um, but just really a little bit of Cowie support or nothing? This was all just uh, Simi Valley Kawasaki. Simi Valley. And then Mitch was helping me with motors. Okay. Uh, he hooked me up with part like uh, pipes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so same for 91? Uh, no, no. But I don't talk about 90. Like, we were out in the hills and see me okay. by that track that I said, Erringer had this. I, I tried to find it, but at 256 feet, we taped it. A jump out there? Yeah. Okay. So it was like pretty big. <laughs> and uh, 90. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> but uh, that was good. That, that was a fun one. Was that near? Um, so you guys would sneak onto Honda Honda oh, yeah. Land quite a bit, huh? That's I. I broke my wrist. I, um, had a pinhole in the gas tank, 
and went to step on, step off, and, and Renthal built better bars that they they finally, uh, John Michelle Bale and I were having the same problem. The bars were moving. So they put the crossbar up higher so it was lower, you know, so the, the it would not flex. Okay. Well, yep. Oh, and I just tagged it and I'm like, oh man, I broke my wrist. And my mechanic's like, you did not. And I'm like, no, I did. And the, the little bump right there. Yeah. Uh, seven places. Mm. So. Real. Um, and you guys would snuck out there to ride? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty common back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I knew the caretaker and he, he sometimes would be like, no, nah, they're not here today. So. <laughs> All right, so that heals up. You get through 90. What, what goes on into 91? I signed my contract uh, with Nolene in 91. Oh, it was 91 where you started with him. Okay. With the cast. Mm. Yeah. And how did that come about? Because uh, they were doing Mickey Thompson. Mm. And I, I think I got second or third, a couple, I think a second and a third, excuse me, in a, I don't know, I was. Put some good results in over yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Who was winning? Was it Mike, Mike Craig Mike at Craig. the time? And then Brooks was doing them around then? I don't know if Brooks, he, did he win one? I'm not sure. I just know like those early 90s, I know he was jumping in and doing those races a lot. Yeah. He was, well, we were teammates. Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go. 91. Um, Again, supercross on those bikes. Two fifty? No, one twenty-five. Oh, one twenty-five. Yeah, no good. No bueno. Well, uh, uh, they were. You had a bunch of top tens, a top five at Seattle, top five at LA, fourth at San Jose. I mean, you were. It was tough though. Yeah. I mean, peak bike really. Yeah. <laughs> and MX Yamaha. I, I actually, fast. I actually have that written in my notes, Pro Circuit bike, because that year. I remember just watching, going to the races, and I'd watch a Supercross, and you'd hear those bikes from across the stadium, and you go, whoa, what was that? <laughs> right? Try I mean, so as, a, as a guy who's competing, I mean, what, what was... I rode my grass bike at Hondaland. I went out there, and he rode mine like half a lap. He's all, I'm not, how do you ride this? And I'm like, can I have this? <laughs> <laughs> just unfair, ridiculous, right? They were good. Just really, really good. And they were—he said they were doing a lot of triples in second, like yeah. they just—they geared them that way. I don't know. I no. didn't ride them. Nuts. Um, so our main goal was Mickey Thompson. Okay. So if there was a, a race that conflicted, we had to go to Mickey Thompson. Mm -hmm. So that was—that was all the way through um, ninety-one to I. I left Clark at the end of 96, but I won two Mickey Thompson championships. Okay. Um, Did those pay pretty well at the time? Yeah. I mean, Decent. pretty good. Yeah. Way better than my first uh, Supercross win, $341. Shut up. No contingency or anything probably. Contingency from Honda, but the purse, $341. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Crazy, right? I think now we're up to like five or six hundred bucks. So. <laughs> so really kicking ass. You're you're gonna you're gonna at least pay for the gas. That's yeah. about it. If you Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Gas is expensive now. That's funny. The one thing I didn't love about the Mickey Thompson stuff was the way they staggered the start. Yeah, but that was how you made money. 
I know. So and my bikes were fast. Yeah, I oh. did one. I did one race. I did the uh, Sun Devil Stadium in '93. What place did I get in '91 at Daytona? Oh, let's look here. Right here, 14th. In the 250 class. Yeah, 250 yeah. supercross. So, Jeff Stanton, Jeff Ward. I'm 20 years old. I'm like, I know I'm going to get the start. I, and my bike's Just because it's a bullet? Clark built really good 250s. Okay, I wanted he to built, ask you about those bikes. He cause... built good 125s, but the, the just the base set, the setting was so tough. Mm. And the Hondas were that good. Mm-hmm. Cowies were good as well. Suzuki was good that year. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I pulled the whole shot and I'm like, and that's when the track was two minutes long. Yeah. And it was. And new, during the day, hotter than. No, it was, it was cold that day, thank oh. God. But, um, but it, it was a nine lap heat race. So 20 minutes. Yeah. Huh. I'm like, I made it out of the heat race. And it was kind of rainy, and uh, I was like, "Thank God," because I didn't want to have to go to a semi or a last chance. Yeah. But oh my, forty-minute main. Now people don't remember it. Like that place was brutal, um, brutal before they. Now it's a little more super crossy. It's at night, and it's, it's just twenty minutes. It's twenty minutes. Forty, and they, I don't, they didn't have the equipment like they do now. Yeah. So the there was no there's no grooming uh, between stuff. You're going cook cook trying to do yeah. triples and because they it'd go from their the normal their dirt into these clay mountains. Yeah. It would be a whole yeah. square edge right at the bottom. Yeah. I remember. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was... I led in '97 the main event for 13 laps, and that oh. was over over 20. It was like 25 26 minutes when we were done. And I was good for 15 minutes. <laughs> so I drifted to third, but that place was just, people don't get it. It's not like, it's not as tough as it used to be. Like even just the corners. Oh, ruts to your dragon bars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you had some pretty good rides though this whole season. Still 125 class. You did a couple 250 outdoors um, and you did a 250 in Daytona. Um, did you like the 250 better outdoors? The bike was more competitive. Yeah. The 125 is the yeah. Were you how much did you weigh back then? Like two? Were you? I was like 170, which is kind of big for yeah, a 125. 170. I would try like I would get down in the 60s, but it was just yeah. You didn't feel good at that weight. No, I just didn't feel strong. Yeah. Well, these guys, even today, like uh, you know Justin Cooper and these kids are 135 pounds. You know, tough to compete when you got a 30 pound weight strapped to your ass, right? You know, especially off the start. Um, tell me a little bit about those Nolene. Was it Nolene, Sizzler, Yamaha still? Yeah, because they looked. Well, uh, I think Sizzler came on in '94. Okay, but same same program, same team. Maybe yeah, '94. They always sounded good. They actually looked good. You guys got good starts. You know, you and Larry fast, both fast. Like, and and then the, he was doing suspension for you guys too. We had Olin's shock and then production forks. Okay. You guys were keep happy. Look, I keep looking at your bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're okay. I mean, I got involved with testing for Olin's. They would come to my house and we'd put all the um, Japanese brand bikes. Uh, I'd test 
125, 250, and we get them sorted out just for production, you know? Okay. So I, we got some decent stuff for inside, but it wasn't works. Yeah. Um, wasn't work stuff. Okay, so let's say your, your best no lean setup, right? Whatever, whatever of those years you were happiest with the bike versus like your Japanese race bike. How big of a difference? Massive. Unimaginable. Like, yeah. The motors, like, honestly, Clark built a really good package. Mm -hmm. His pipes were awesome. Um, but the whole package, it mm. just can't compete. You know? Weight, handling. Brakes. Mm. Everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. Suspension is massive. Yeah. Um, but Do you think I, it's still that way today? Like the difference between, let's say... Well, look at those guys now. <laughs> One shim makes a big difference. They're like, oh, I'm happy now. Yeah. Or, I mean, some of them probably, it's placebo. No, we changed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's way better. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah, if they don't, if a rider, even if you put the wrong spec matching the front to rear, you, like Bridgestone back in the day had so many different combinations. You know, you, mm -hmm. you could get the front overpowering the rear, the rear overpowering the front. So it's, yeah, it's a little bit more balanced. The tires, like they don't get too crazy. Like Dunlop's kind of just the 53 and 50, 33. 33, yeah. yeah. And now the scoop, which people are losing their minds over. <laughs> yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I, Big difference the, though. So you'd mentioned that staggered start, right? Mm -hmm. So when you win the heat race, you go to the ninth row, the, then there's two guys behind you. In some cases, I would get to third. That's just how, off the start? Yeah. yeah. I mean third in the first turn, that's how fast they were. Huh. People were just like, this isn't fair. And I'm like, yes it is. Fair for me. Right? <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I just remember the one that I did, I wasn't, I just did a one race. I did Sun Devil Stadium in 93 and MC was there, I think. Was he? I believe so. Uh, it might've been a different year cause I won. Hmm. I won the main event because, because of the format I, in my heat, I kind of laid up and got the last qualifying spot. So I was on the front row in the final yep. and I just took, I had to pass one guy. I can't remember who it was and just, I took off, but you guys were wanting to get points and money. Yeah. So you wanted to be further back, and then every person you passed, you got paid more, you got more points. Right. I didn't give a shit about this. I just wanted <laughs> to win. So I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad. It was just weird. The jumps were sometimes pretty big. <laughs> well, yeah, and they'd be, you know, yeah. straight up and down kickers. And hard pack because of the trucks. Yeah. No, just flat, slick turns. Mm. Yeah, it was different. Could be fun racing, though. Like, I saw some actually got to, you know, some of the racing was good. All right, so 91, looks like you did most of the whole summer and uh, had a good season, by all accounts, yeah? Um, yeah, okay. I don't know what I, I mean. I don't remember what I got, but. Well, I mean, just looking at your finishes, you had, like I said, a fourth, a couple of fifths. Oh, okay, yeah. You yeah. know, like a lot of top tens. And you, by, you know, the, by these days' standards, I would have had a factory ride. <laughs> probably. Um, 92, same thing, no, no lean program, and you were still doing ultra cross and then super cross mm -hmm. and nationals mm -hmm. when you could. Mm -hmm. And was he helping you? Like, he'd take the rig to the nationals? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, back then it was Box Fan, and I think 
We got the rig in 94. Four, okay. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you got, you got a third at Seattle yeah. this year in 92, fourth at San Diego. I mean, you started this 92 season went, went pretty well. Fifth in Las Vegas, fourth in LA. So again, that, pretty good I season. That was the year that I was leading and crashed and got fifth at Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah, caught the frame on, on a whoop and just, it just went down quick. Mm. Okay. Pretty good year though. Anything that stands out from that season? Mm -mm. Nothing. <laughs> All right, so looking ahead to 93 here, you said you're still with the Nolene team, uh, still riding 125 Supercross, but you, you mixed it up a lot this year because you were doing 250 Nationals, you did a 500 National <laughs> at Washougal, so you that were kind was, of... That was on the 360, though. Oh, it was, okay. Was I was going to ask about that. That was not fun. No? The Shot, roost up that shotgun hill? Shotgun the whole, the whole race, just shotgun hitting you. You'd need to wear like a jousting suit to protect yeah. against that. I mean, there's... You feel like you would just want to crawl behind your number plate. And like uh, guys like Wardy and Damon, they wouldn't wear a chest protector on purpose because they're like, ah, oh, it pissed me off and made me want to pass them. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Clearly your parents didn't love you enough. <laughs> there's no other excuse for that. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, the the after I won and then kind of had 87 went good the supercross and stuff yeah. 88 was not good 89 not that good just kind of got distracted um no guidance um well it's understandable your dad's gone yeah and... yeah um my mom she was she had morning time you know but then she was dating you know yeah um and i just didn't have any guidance, hundred percent. And there's agents now, but some of the agents are are no good. They just go ahead and spend your money, whatever. Did you have an agent back then? I mean, they no, didn't really exist. No, no, no. Dave Stevenson was the only the, guy. The only guy, yeah. That I had even heard about all the way until like mid nineties. Couple like the top guys had just had from hearing stories, good businessmen that guided them yeah. in areas. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I got on the path of uh, chasing chicks and I, uh, drugs weren't my thing. I tried it, tried it and I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't like not being able to think. Mm -hmm. So my friends were all high school, so they were all doing it. So every, sure, every now and then I'd smoke some pot with them and I'm, but I'm like, why do you do this? Mm -hmm. I giggle. Yeah, hungry, I sleep. <laughs> it didn't make sense to me. It just seriously did not make sense. But the, my biggest downfall, I think, throughout that period was just chasing the girls, and there was no Instagram, so you actually physically had to go. You had to go out and do it. You couldn't just swipe left and right. <laughs> no, but uh, but we would do these, you don't know, I don't know if you were driving areas, like you just drive your truck and yeah like cruising old you know where yeah. whatever street or spot yeah by the movie theater and i had a crazy sound system in my truck a little lowered truck mini truck i wasn't lower just oh. standard okay but i had a big system in it so and plus being in simi valley was a moto town like so everyone knew who i was so I, I, I that has to be what it was because when i hit the bottom in at the end of 89 and Danny Rubio was the guy's name. We were in Hudson's Grill, and he and made me 
and I just worked. Oh, worked all week, got my check, 200 bucks. I'm like- That was a wake up call probably. I'm huh? like, I make more than this in a lap. This is dumb. Yeah. So that was my claim to fame for a job. I had one, I racing as a job, don't get me wrong, but actually physically going to a place to work, yeah. that was four days. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was it. That was the I think that was my downfall. Maybe that's why, because I, I was in really good shape in going into '87, and because I raced so much, and that that level just started chipping away because I wasn't I wasn't at that level all the time. Yeah. So that that probably is some of it. And I had to earn my stripes again. And I went to work in, in 90. Mm. And then I met my wife that year and kind of cleaned up my program. Look, she wasn't, we didn't get married right away, but that's when I met her. Yeah, kind of stopped with all the distractions. Minimize. <laughs> Look, a lot of good men have gone down because of that expensive <laughs> little piece of real estate down right. there. Um, it's. It's pretty common, and um, I don't, yeah, I, I I don't know of a guy who doesn't go. Oh, I wish I could get those couple of years back or that time. <laughs> I yeah, I just I, again, when, and again, I didn't do. I didn't like the drugs. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even like pain pills. Like yeah, I, when yeah. I get, I got hurt obviously a lot. I I should be an opi opioid freak. I just I can't handle them. I don't yeah. like them. Yeah, I definitely. If you don't like your head being fuzzy. You're not gonna like that. It's not gonna be for you. But anyway, going back to ninety. So, yeah, ninety three. You you had. A, I mean, like again, you're not doing a ton of races. You did, you know, one, two, three supercrosses in the one twenty five. You did three two fifty nationals and a five hundred national, but all of them are pretty damn good. You know, fifth, sixth, and eighth, and then a couple of thirteenth. You know, like your finishes are good, and then you're doing ultra cross in between all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and then we go to Europe. So 90, going back to 91, uh, that was the when they started World uh, Supercross. Mm. And I did well over there. Um, I, I finished third in the world. It was MC, Stanton, me. Okay. Which races did that include? I forget. There was... There like was, all the European rounds? Was it like Geneva, Paris? Yeah, Stockholm. Mm. Um, uh, Genoa, maybe. Genoa. Uh, was Saporidis in that? I don't believe so. Probably not. Probably, not. Probably a standalone. There was a Netherlands. Um, huh. A few Italy rounds. And you were probably getting paid pretty decent money even to go then, huh? No. Not, not compared to those guys. Well, because I remember... Like five grand. Okay. Yeah. Because there was guys making... Lots. A lot of money back then. Like but, Craig. Yeah, he was making tons. Larry Ward because he was always did, so good over there. Yeah, ninety, I went to I went to um, Europe also quite a bit. Mm. Um, I I was using uh, one agent here. He lived in San Diego. I can't remember his name now. He was awesome, super cool guy. But then I got in with Catherine. The Catherine, she I used was her too. Yeah. she was the lady. Like so. <laughs> She was a piece of work, dude. Yeah. So this gal, Catherine, would agent for a lot of the U.S. riders to bring them over. She kind of acted as a broker. And uh, she'd get her percentage of whatever your start money was. 
But do you remember her little motorhome oh rig she had? God. It was like this, it looked like a little spaceship full of dog or cat hair or something. Melomaws. What was it? Dogs. Okay. Yeah, the Melomaws. And then she smoked. She was a chain smoker. So this thing was just. And her husband or something. Oh, it was a hot mess. You're like, I have to go get my money. Yeah. Everyone's all, good luck. Oh. <laughs> it was like Magda from Something About Mary. That's what she reminded me of. <laughs> she, she was just kind of <laughs> sweet lady. Sweet lady. Don't get me wrong, but they're a little bit of a mess. So anyway, um, but yeah. So I I did well over there in '91, um, and then world championship. Or no, you say you got third. Third. Okay. Third. Yeah. Um, but that the night I got uh, third. That was at Geneva. That uh, second night, I brain farted and, oops, I'm short on this triple and broke my ankle. Ah. So I went into 92. Um, uh, the Houston was the first round. I, I only had a month and a half. And I went to Spencer, Jeff Spencer. Okay. And he, got, he put me on a bone healing machine and I made it. And then going up the face of the... Finish table. Just off. I was good. I landed downside. Bike hit, started spinning, and it hit my leg like a inch above my original brake and broke it again. Ah, it's like what? What was this bone healing machine? Was it like a? It's called diothermy. Okay, someone just told me about this. Ty Davis told me about this machine. Mm -hmm. He said it was like any injury. Mm He'd hook you up to this diothermy machine and like, gone, incredible. Mm -hmm. Like he goes, I could come in and barely be able to walk. I'd be on crutches, and by I'd do two treatments, and I'm walking, running up and down stairs. Yeah, I would. I spent. 30, I didn't know whether or not to believe him. I'm like, well, that sounds crazy. Why haven't I heard of that? But I spent three weeks, four days a week, going from his couch to the office, couch office, and then I'd go home on the weekends, and like literally, I could touch. I could touch the walls and touch the walls like on the bed. It's like miserable. Mm. And then my mechanic put my motor together wrong, had an air leak in the cases. Awesome. Which is my stepbrother. Mm. You know Donnie. Donnie. Plouffe. Oh, yeah. From yeah. Uh, the pit out in Phoenix. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, All right. So tell me about this 93 season. Um, like I said, pretty decent results. I don't really Do remember. Do you remember how Ultracross went? Uh-uh. No? <laughs> I don't really remember 90. And you didn't do Glen Helen, because 93 was the one year they did that one 40-minute moto. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. They did some new uh, format and just did one 40-minute moto. Yeah, I remember that. It counted double for points, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first national. That's why I remember. It was oh, terrible. Oh boy, thanks. That was terrible. The worst thing I ever did. All right. So what about '94? Um, now you went up to the 250 class full time. Yeah. Which surprised me. If you're racing a 250 and ultracross, why were you going back to the 125 for supercross and Yamaha? Yamaha's that, deal. That was mm -hmm. the deal that Clark had set up. So by '94, it had just evolved. They grew. That was kind of when no, I remember. They had that no uh, fifth wheel. Yeah. It was. Um, or whatever it was. Like a trailer, right? It, it was a race trailer. It yeah. was a gooseneck. Okay. Yeah, gooseneck. That's what it was. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know why. Why did I think uh, DGY took over one twenty five? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Or there was DGY and then. Oh, DGY here, was earlier. But uh, NCY. NCY North County. Yeah, that might have been it. But okay. then, yeah, ninety four was a good year. I won the. Dude, you had a great year, and you did every you did every round. So you guys at this point were kind of done with Ultra Cross. No, we were doing ultracross. Oh, really? Because you made pretty much every every race, so must have fit into the schedule. Yeah. So you obviously like this 250 better. You podiumed at Hangtown. Mm -hmm. Got a third at Hangtown. You got fourth at Unadilla, sixth at Redbud, sixth at Buds. I mean, you had some great finishes. I got fifth that year. Yeah. Overall. Maybe one of your better seasons. Um... Yeah. In total? Yeah. Uh, no, O2. O2 would have better? Okay. Yeah. So, um, bike still really good? Really good. Yeah. O4. This was kind of when I, because I was racing at this point, yeah. so I was always watching the 250 class when I'd get done. And like I said, you and Larry was always second in Supercross, it seemed like. Yeah. And you were always, you know, right up there in the mix. And your bikes sounded good. They looked good. Yeah. They were good. Maybe we not a good... quite on the factory Honda level at that time, but yeah. nothing was. No. You know, but it was just what it was. Yeah. Uh, Larry made it work. Yeah. Yep. Um, what else stands out for you this year? Uh, the podium at uh, Hangtown was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one was like, whoa, I, I know the hard work's working, you know? Because yeah. Yeah, I, I had to rebuild, man. I, I told you 90, that was, that was crazy. But. Mm -hmm. It can get frustrating, huh? I mean, um, but I, I seem to always have good luck in Supercross where I, I would be like, okay, all that preseason stuff paid off. And I'd go to the Nationals and it was just, it was one thing or another, but I could, I struggled to consistently get results. And when that happens, man, it's hard to stay like, <laughs> it's just so easy to dig into a hole For mentally sure. and, and. For sure. Yeah. Over. But it, so I think that was the first, what year did Larry get second? Was it 90? It had to be 95 or, or uh, maybe 95. I think it was 95. But 94, when we got, he came on board when we had the trailer. Okay. And I want to say it was 94 that he was getting, I think he got second. It could be. It was but right in that window. That he's, you know what I have to say, and he'll, I'm sure he'll agree. Like, oh, we, we reunited at Triple X. Mm, that's right. It's every, like, you, even if you did shitty, you're he, just being around him, him and I just bouncing stuff. It was just fun. You haven't, you were enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just. Uh, so I was going to ask you about Larry as a teammate. He's, I, I actually really like Big Bird. Oh, uh, he's cool. He's got a sense of humor, like, he's super quick. You yeah. got to have thick skin around him. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> but, sure. But I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. guys had a good time. Huh? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Who else was on the team? Just Larry, you two riders or was it a third Larry one? Brooks. Oh, Brooks. Yeah. How'd he fit into that equation? Um, actually... Larry's a little intense. Once he... Yes, but then once he kind of... Larry would kind of probably... Bring that shell down. Yeah. He's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. He's a great guy. Um... Clark probably won't like to hear this, but we were back in New York, and this was, I think, 
this was 93. Um, we took the Kodiak, the, the truck, the, the tractor, tractor. Okay. and went down to um, the circle track. <laughs> No, you didn't. Yeah. We, we had like a two-week break, but we stayed back there at uh, one of the, um, the O'Neill reps' uh, parents' house. Okay. So we had a couple beers and yeah, decided to try to flat track the rig. We didn't do anything wrong. To, nothing happened to it. We got it. Did you side. get it drifting? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, can't, I woke up in the... No, that was a... Different time, '92. Uh, I think Smale was on the team, Lance Smale. Okay. And I was sleeping in in my box van or in the Nolene van, and uh, I wake up, and my bike's hoisted in this garage, duct tape, spray painted my practice bike. I'm like, cool, get it down. And I yep. and spray painted my uh, my tires silver. Oh yeah. I practiced like it. Okay. We're at uh, Binghamton. It was right near Binghamton. Okay. Yeah. Those are good times, though. That those yeah. those road trip, you know, stories are so good, and oh, so yeah. many people didn't get to. They don't hear them. Lance had this this Winnebago thing motorhome that he put a wall up, and literally, he yeah the dog had to take doghouse off of it. It's it would it would have caught on fire. Like the headers just. Glowing red while you're just going, oh, God. <laughs> Why? It was just an old vehicle. Oh. <laughs> just like just crazy stuff like that. That's funny. Um, you guys ever smash any rental cars? Um, I, at, uh, at Binghamton, um, Scott Myers, Yeah, he was with me. And it was it would just started raining. It was raining pretty good, and at the end of the moto, and I, I don't know if you remember the lake that was over on the side. Like you drive in, there's a little yeah, a little, a little pond. pond. Yeah. So trying to get out of there, I'm like, oh, there's a back way out, and I, and it had been raining, right? So didn't take into account the stream that was coming in. I'm all, whoa, 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 oh, I hit the brakes, and I'm, instinct. I hit the gas pedal, I'm thinking I'm going to wheelie or whatever. <laughs> Dink! Like, he smashes the windshield. I was like... Ugh. With his head? Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I took the car in and I'm like, well, this guy pulled us out with the truck and then we undid the air dam. Like it just pulled, it popped back. Yeah. So that was all fine. Drove a little crooked, like the steering was off. But I, I told the... When I brought it back, I'm like, man, you guys have some big holes on the on-ramps here. He's like, oh, yeah, they're, they're pretty. I'm like, I hit one, and the windshield blew up. And he's like, yeah, I've seen that happen. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> have you? Oh. Okay, cool. I was making that shit up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it happened to me. <laughs> I didn't, so I didn't have to pay for it. Um, but fast forward a few years. Um so we got, we'll get into the, I got to go in the Castillo jet. Okay. And uh, went to Dallas. So uh, I was part team owner in the triple X stuff. So everything was on, the cars were on my card. So we paid for the cars and they paid for the jet. So that was 
winning, okay? <laughs> but I, I, I didn't put it on the company car, I just put it on my car, and he was going to the track, Dave and I can't Dave who? Castillo. Oh, okay. And I uh, was going to the track and he was doing like 90 or something, almost 100, and his buddy goes, cop! And he grabs the e-brake, back, car backs into the guardrail, <laughs> smokes the car. And like, <laughs> of all the things to do when you see a cop, don't grab an e-brake and spin yourself into a donut. Um, yeah, but then a couple of days, a week after that, I'm like, hey, Dave, uh, yeah, they charged my card. <laughs> it was like 19 grand or something. Shut like up. 20 grand. Did he pay for it? Yeah, he just wrote me a check. But oh, they had hit my card, so I had to pay it. So. Sometimes your credit card will have insurance on it for rental yeah. cars. It didn't you didn't have that obviously, uh, or you just went like? Well, hey. we pulled up. The cars were already there. Uh, just red carpets to it, so we yeah. just hopped in. So hmm. I didn't. I just I just called. But just an FYI, on the rental car, you know your card has insurance. You buy the extra insurance. Yeah. But then you buy another insurance for, if you do get in a wreck. The downtime, they, they can still charge you daily if because it's loss of income yeah, on they that can't car. Yeah, they can rent it out, yeah. And with parts being so bad, just heads up, everyone, get that extra insurance because a friend of mine, the car sat there for three months and he had to pay. Yeah. Wow. For the loss yeah, of, I never the loss of use. That. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right, moving into 95. Um, again, same team? Yeah. And when did you start going to Japan? What years were those? Seven, eight, nine? We, um, they would always have uh, supercrosses over there. I mean, when you went over to do the series over there. Oh, 97. Just one year? Uh, 97, 98, 99. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Okay. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't. I thought it was those years, but. So 95 still with no lean. Take me through that year. What, what stands out? What Hang on, different? I just thought of another rental car. Oh, let's hear it. Punk City when I was 16. Okay. Going like 80. E-brake, boom, blew the tire off the rim. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone lights, it's dark. Did you guys change it to yeah. put the donut on? Yeah, but uh, I think that's the only other one that I did anything. <laughs> but go ahead, sorry. Good times. Well, uh, 90, I uh, love a good uh, rental car story, so I'm here for oh, it. Oh, I do have another one. Let's hear it. Uh, I believe it was 89, Seattle. We were with Todd DeHoop, and we are at a stop sign, and it was all frozen, and uh, he had a 5.0. Oh. We're sitting there doing 115 on, on and the, just sitting there. <laughs> not moving. Yeah. I might do when the, if the tires hook up, the tranny's going to blow apart. <laughs> um, Did you ever do the jump at Redbud? It was in Buchanan. There was a rental car jump at an old abandoned Walmart. Uh, I didn't. Ugh. I pushed McGrath, and I was in a caddy. I pushed him to like 110 on the freeway. Yeah? He, he was a little freaked out about that. I didn't like that too much. No. That was in Seattle too. All right, so 95. Um, again, you did pretty much every single race, as far as I can tell here, all the 250 class. Um, top 10s, you know, like especially later on in the season here. Podium at, at Washougal. Fifth in Vegas at the final Supercross. I mean, you had good rides. Huh? And at the time, you know, 
95 was really, at least in my mind, I remember it as being when sort of these satellite teams really started getting big. You know, you had Pro Circuit, where I was. You had Honda of Troy, No Lane, Sizzler, Yamaha. Um, you know, there was they were starting to get more prevalent. NGY? Yeah, there was NCY. NCY, sorry. Um, there was another couple teams. I just can't... Well, Bills? Moto Triple X, when did they come around? Um, it would have been 95 or 96. Because Deegan won in 97. <sighs> he won his one race. Yeah, I think it was 95. Chic. Or 96. I can't remember. Anyway. Um... Yeah, but we were, I mean, we we're like the B team for Yamaha, but never got called up. And they weren't offering, you know, th this is another thing where I just think it gets a little head scratchy to me. You guys are still developing all your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Larry's getting second in the Supercross series. Mm -hmm. You're finishing on the podium here and there, top 10 all over the place. And they're just like, here's some bikes, good luck. Well, they, they sponsored Nolene. So. But not, but not sharing any of their engine stuff. Mm -mm. Not helping you with any, just parts. I, I, as far as I know, yeah. I mean that was. Well, parts. you weren't running any works, any factory Yamaha stuff, right? No. Yeah. No. That just seems off to me. But yeah. it, well, that's how it was back then. You know, they were, they still are very secretive with their stuff. They're careful about who they give it to. But I wonder how that all works now with being the star. Yeah, I don't know. Of Yamaha is any... It seems like they're developing their own stuff. Yeah. It's my opinion, but I, who knows? Um, 90, so anyway, yeah, great season so in 95. 95, huh? I finished... That's when you actually had your national number. I, I finished 11th overall. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good year. Fifth fifth overall outdoors in that in outdoor the, championship. In 94? 95. No, 94. Well, 95 says right here, 5th overall. What is 94? 94, you were 7th. Okay. I mean, this is just the, you know, AMA rule book or AMA archives, but. Could be. Um, I, good, I good, good results either way. Yeah, I, I remember I got fifth in, uh, in one of those years. Yeah, and same, uh, so same spot in 96? 96, though we didn't have the rig, it was Shane Drew and I out of a box van. Okay, and he was just scaling down, costing him too much yeah, money? Or I, don't, I don't know what was going on with Noli. Okay. I would um, assume. Uh, but and I would tell you your results looked pretty damn similar. You know, you start looking through here: fourth at Glen Helen, sixth at Denver, seventh at Unadilla. A lot of top tens. Another great season, huh? Yeah, and then that's when I won the uh, 90, 95 and ninety six. I won Mickey Thompson. Oh, you did. Yeah. So you so you did all this, and you were racing ultracross yeah. and winning those championships. Yeah. And. Were you making more money with the ultracross stuff than this? Uh, yeah, yeah. See, that, that's, that doesn't seem right. Like a guy who's getting on the podium, who's making a bunch of top fives that, and top I mean, tens. Podium, you make good money, but 10? But then, you know, it's like, you know what? But a fourth, a sixth, a fifth, how are yeah, you not making But like, we're getting privateer money too, so uh, top privateer every weekend, you'd make a little extra cheddar, yeah, and then I think, Supercross had a It was 10,000 right? 10, to win outdoors for the championship for mm. the top privateer. Um, I mean, which is not that much, but it helps. Yeah. And you were probably, did you win that multiple times? A lot. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't see... Maybe Larry would be the only guy kind of fighting you for that, huh? Mm. And both Larrys. Brooks and Ward? Mm. Yeah. All right, so how did the... You know, you get through 96. Again, like I said, you're top 10 almost every weekend. You get to 97, and you put, you put a deal together with Suzuki to go race the Japanese National mm -hmm. Championship. Yeah. Um, but yet you're still over here doing rounds on your weekends off. So it looks like you're doing four or five a year um, um, on top of your Japanese schedule. Yeah. Um, like here's 97, 98. 97, I did two Supercrosses. And what else? You did LA, Tempe, and Seattle in 97. Oh, okay. And then... Um, I think it was yeah, LA 9th or something like that. Uh, 10th and a 17th, 9th in Seattle, yeah. 7th at Washougal the next year. Like, I mean, you know, you're having decent finishes. So tell me about that. How did that Japanese deal come together? Um, I believe my father-in-law was driving for Suzuki and, um, I had, Roger got a hold of me hmm. and I'm like, whoa, Roger D. Okay. And they just, I think I was taking over for Tishner hmm. and... I got there and it was, it was. RT didn't want to do it anymore. Or he was. I just, think he was just done. Yeah. Okay. Because he lived there and I didn't have to live there. Ah. Uh, I'd fly back and forth. Living there would be brutal, huh? I every year I'd have to do a month because we'd te do testing. Yeah. Um. They uh. Shut down for rain, believe it or not. Shut what down? Like racing. Hmm. Yeah. So we'd and. And a little bit of heat too, so the, the rainy season turns into the heat also. So, but the first test session when we get there, and we had to wait. <laughs> the track was frozen. Oh really? And I was like, whoa, okay, um, this is next level. Okay. And yeah, it was awesome, amazing. Um, my manager Ikeda over there was super cool. It was, I, I, when I got that, it sounds weird. Why didn't I do it all the time? But you, you, when you, when you get that kind of money, it wasn't even that much, but it was a bigger salary than I was accustomed to. And it just, your, your world just opens up. You're like, okay, I can focus just on racing i don't have to worry about flights i don't have to worry about yeah. this none of that. the logistical bullshit or nothing yeah. you can just go hammer and it just gave me a, a, a just fresh air like okay i'm gonna make this count you mm -hmm. know and, and then you how many races did you win along that that season in japan the first year chicken was right he was a oh so chicken was there during the he, same windows like yeah, same he, that first year, and then he left. Okay. Um, but uh, I think I he was like eleven point lead on me, and I and I crashed and broke my collarbone. Mm -hmm. And then then we, I, I think I'd won one. I don't remember. I've, I don't remember all the wins. Okay. But we battled pretty hard. Um, it was funny. Uh, one of the tracks there was a gnarly downhill and we'd tested at that place and they they brought me um i had a i had a pretty good front brake 
and rear brake and then I go here try this and it and during that when we were testing it was only like a minute minute five lap time okay and just putting the brakes on was just under two seconds is that right yeah and then the, they were it's it was amazing back then now it's I mean, brakes are really good stock right it's st still when you go to a good really good brake it's it's crazy how much confidence it gives you yeah. you can just go in so i wouldn't blown by chicken you also gotta have the suspension to be able to come in hot like yeah, that too, yeah, right yeah, for sure yeah. but we had tested it so i went blown by him and i passed him and after the race on the podium he's like how did you stop i go man these brakes <laughs> you huh. have no idea crazy nothing like you'd ever ridden before huh? no oh no the so, ebc's so the you guys brake pads they were yeah right <laughs> You guys only raced together that one year, and then he left? Yeah, they stopped his contract, I believe. Okay. So tell me a little bit. I know he talked about it when he was on the show. His tattoos were like a big deal, because it's in Japan. Yeah. That was typically associated with, with bad people. What what did you, what was your experience like with the culture there and the food? You're pretty durable that way. Like, I'm, I don't know, man. I feel like I'd have a tough time with it. They, uh, you can find food. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um... What about just the culture and just kind of all of it? It's definitely, it's it, it skewed when you're, when cause I went to Suzuka for road race, right? And get there and people, oh, Kailu-san, Kailu-san, sign, sign, sign. I'm all, what the heck? This is road race. And, how, and I asked my manager, I'm like, how do they know? They know, <laughs> like, mm. apparently, because there's like, Maybe a hundred people around me. I'm like, what the? Huh. So, they, I never had to go really interact. We, I go cruise around. Um, my wife and my daughter was a baby. She'd walk around, and they'd always want to touch my daughter. Like, oh, kawaii, like cute, and hmm. no, nothing bad. But there's, hmm. I don't know. It was, I didn't really have to. A, I'd fly in, race, fly out. Okay. So it was. You weren't spending lots of time there. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, How about that month? Was that tough? Not go, too bad. Get up, go run. If we didn't have, if we didn't have a, a test day, I'd go to the race shop and just check out all the cool stuff. And, mm. um, or I don't know. Just most of the time it was testing or training. Yeah. So it kept you busy for yeah. the most part. And then what about, how much money did you make? I mean, that's just over there in Japan. Like, whatever your salary was, bonuses, all of it together. What do you think you were pulling in? Uh, just ballpark it. With just Japan? Yeah, just Japan only. Um, I think it was like four. Okay. So pretty, you know, pretty, pretty good money. Decent. Yeah. That's with winning. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then going to... Europe also making money and then going to cashing in on the big AMA purses here too. Yeah, sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the first one I rode the Suzuki. We got into it in Mexico. Remember, I won. I won the championship. The Mex that boots whatever. Oh, I was like Monterey, um, Guadalajara, and something. That one. Yeah, and then it went to San Antonio and uh, Salt Lake. Okay, 
Uh, maybe I remember that. I remember Monterey and Guadalajara. And then there was one in like Acapulco. I didn't go to that one. Mon Mamazatlan? Uh, no, it was Monterey and Guadalajara. Yeah. Okay. We got into it? Yeah, you said I, I, uh, I didn't unlap myself. Or I didn't, yeah, I didn't unlap myself. And I, if I passed you. I don't remember. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. I just remember something like that. Something to that effect. Or there's no way you could have won. And, I, and I'm like, I passed you twice. <laughs> Maybe I do. Maybe that vaguely sounds familiar. I was an asshole when I was a kid. What are you going to do? We were hotheads. What about, um, what, so that there was one race in Salt Lake, like a standalone race with a big purse. That mm -hmm. wasn't part of it. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it was part of it, I think. Oh, it was. Jeremy won. He came up and won, right? Yeah. And then he blew all that money in Vegas on the way home, I heard. I was so pissed. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> I'm like, dude, really? You know, we're over here trying I think to I, eat. <laughs> I, think I, I think I got third. I think so. I got second yeah. at that one, and I think you got third. But I don't remember that was a series. I, I It was, huh. for sure. Huh. Those um, were, actually, those Mexico races were fun. I, that one, I, that series was good. I, I think I was 25000 to win. Yeah, it was good money. Yeah. Takati, right, was Boots the... Boots and Takati. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I got a funny story about that. I was, Chad Pedersen was down there with us. Yeah. And uh, way before I was married or even knew my wife, and uh, these couple of girls are cruising through the pits, and this chick, she's pretty cute, and her friend was all right. And she's in white jeans. And it, you know, it was hotter than hell down there. This yeah. is Guadalajara. And um, we start talking with them, and I say, hey, you know, meet us at the hotel. We're gonna go out and go to a discotheque after, you know, we'll yeah. have some fun. So we go home after the race or to the hotel. We shower up and get all ready. They come rolling in. They're in the same stuff they wore all day. And I mean, it was hot. Wow. And we went out dancing all, you know, pretty late into the night, and I'm like, I think I can smell her, like from, I uh, get into a five foot radius, this chick. Oh. Yeah, we called her a night, a little early. <laughs> who does that? Who goes to a dirt bike track all day and then shows up in white pants? Ah, oh, that place, there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> I was, one race, I don't know, I don't think it was part of that series, but this guy, he had, it had to been mafia. We, we get into his Suburban, brand new and he just mobbing through stop signs i'm like whoa guy yeah and we went to his house and it was up this hill there guard shack guard shack guard shack 30 cars in the carport and on this hill i'm just like okay he's not making an honest living so then we go mobbing and then pulls up to the um the discotheque Right into the line where everyone's standing. I'm like, okay, we're sure we're uh, doing this. Yeah. He gets out, grabs the cop's gun, and hey, rah, 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 whatever, Shut whatever, whatever. Up. I'm like, whoa. Apparently he had juice, but we go inside and they just move people and they set us down on a table at a table, all of it. It's like different. That's a little sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. Then we went to another one. And he got all quiet. He's like, hey, we gotta be calm. This is like some like higher dude, I don't know. Mm. And when and it, Cart probably cartel stuff. No, huh? it was it was the government. Oh. Because he had Which is cartel. He, okay. <laughs> sure. Um, but he had you and, and then I looked around and you could see all the uh, guards just in the shadows. Mm. It's like, ah, can we go now? Yeah, all, I'm sure, guns and... Yeah. Can we deal. go now? Yeah. I don't really want to be here anymore. 
Ah, yeah, that was fun. Those are fun races. Yeah. Sorry if I was a dick. I don't remember saying that or whatever, but I just remember those being pretty good time. Well, I, I think I sold, you could sell all your old gear down there. Oh, yeah. I think I came home with a couple grand cash just from yeah. like selling all my stuff. Yeah. I went to where uh, Fonseca was just coming on the scene and it was in uh, Guatemala, I believe. Okay. There's one road up to the top of this hill where the track was and there was probably 25,000 spectators. Yeah. And I won the first moto, second moto, I uh, crashed in the first turn and I won. I ended up coming from dead last and won. But I had a flight and there was one road out. So the Yamaha dealership that I rode through there, he flew his helicopter in. I got off the podium, helicoptered out. To like, the airport? Rockstar. I was like, wow, this is cool. I, I, <laughs> I could get into this. I'm big in Guadalajara <laughs> in uh, Guatemala. That's yeah, funny. That, that was cool. All right, where the hell were we? I lost our place. 97. Uh, 97. Okay, that was the year you won the, uh, or Chicken won that year, right? Yeah, you were second. I got hurt, yeah. No, I was third. Oh, you were third? Yeah, because when I... Who got second? Uh, um, Narita, I think. Okay. Really? He, even back then, he was... He was up. fast. He was so light, 110 pounds. Oh, man. Um, yeah, no, I... So, 98 rolls around, and they build me this new bike, and it's... Was, was the 97, that was the one that had the right side up forks, right? Conventional, but. Yeah, conventional. Yeah, but the, I rode, I rode upside downs there. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Um, but 98, this bike, I don't know, hand built cylinder, it was insane. Really? That was the best bike? Is that maybe the best bike you ever raced? Uh, well, you like that 450, huh? Satoshi 450 motor is insane. Yeah. Um, carbed. I couldn't even, I couldn't imagine with... Fuel injected? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Best two-stroke you ever rode, though? This one here? 98? Clark's motors are pretty strong. The motor, motor for motor, I think that, like, the 94 Yamaha was beefy. Okay. And this motor would beat it, yeah. I could do fourth gear starts. Fourth gear? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first On a two-stroke? On a two-stroke. Yes. I've never On concrete, I had, because they had concrete starts, I had to do third gear. Had to. Huh. Wow. Oh, um, it's concrete over there, huh? There was. And, yeah. and dirt. Hmm. Um, but the first race, um, the, all the manufacturers panicked. I was in the first turn by four bike lanes up this hill. Hmm. And so that year I murdered it. I, I don't even know. Um, Did a lot of winning. Yeah, I, I had an 80, 89 point lead and I uh, went, we were at Sugo and I spun and the bike hooked and I didn't, I'm like, no, I don't want to crash. And it pulled, pulled my arm out of socket. Mm. And it, I dislocated it, but it also was an avulsion fracture. So it was like a divot. Okay. Um, where the ligament would be attached, it pulled the bone off. Uh, and I don't... Yeah, it pulls a flap of the bone out. No, it was like it was, a flap. It was complete whole. Oh. And he put it back in and was like one mil off. We got lucky. 
mm. should have had surgery. Oh wow, no, really no surgery. You just no. had to let the bone heal again? Yeah, so I just went therapy and I got home. Luckily, they only had one race and then they take, they, like I said, they take, they have a hiatus. So Narita was, he was the next guy. So he was winning and so he won that next weekend and um no he um no that's the next year um he uh then we had that break something i don't know how it went down i missed two races with an 80 point lead is it, it points are about the same as us yeah, 25 yeah. a moto yeah i missed three races i believe and then the, then they had a weekend off I don't know, I went in the last round with um, a little over one moto lead. Oh, you still had a lead? Yeah. And okay. um, the first moto, my teammate takes me out. I'm dead last. I'm like, you got to be kidding. When I come come back, I went to Harp, Honda's Proving Ground track. Okay. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I just panned it and... Won the championship. You had to come back and win the moto, or just uh, no? Narita? Just I had to have enough points to. I think I was had a twenty-two point lead, and I just needed a, a number of points to. I, I think I won. I clinched it because I had twenty-seven or something okay. like that. Gotcha. But I was just uh, like, whew. Yeah, not lucky, but good thing you were so good early on. All our Mexican adventures. I forgot ninety-seven. Uh, I got food poisoning. Down in Mexico? Yeah, and I had to come back to the last race. Stefan Everts was there that year. And I'm like, finally, because I knew he was coming. I'm like, finally, I'm going to get to race him on a works bike. Yeah. And I Was he out. on a Suzuki too at the time? He was on a uh, Honda. Oh, on a Honda, okay. I believe. Yeah, he was on a Honda. Okay. Um, and... I I check out on him and I just hit the wall. I I, I had shit twenty. Uh, it was I remember it because it was twenty two times. So I was just like I had nothing at all. Your bunch was probably medium rare after a a day no, like you that have, too. No, you just sit. You have to have the holes. You just hang on to the <laughs> lever and drop it. <laughs> um, so did he track you down? Yeah, he got me. And then the same thing the second one. I was just so I drained. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't do it, but uh, was it so? When you would come back, like I said, you did a couple of the LA rounds, Tempe, Seattle, you know, a handful of rounds the next year. Were you riding? It surprises me they wouldn't send you over good parts. You they, said they did some stuff, but yeah, my, they were. It was close to my race okay. bike, but it was not like full tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so was it different? And you're probably I don't know if you're a little out of practice, having not ridden Supercross as much, but was it different riding it on that works bike? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, 98, I believe. I think it was Osaka. I got to race it against those guys, and I won. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Um, so, 98, you, get, you do get the championship. Mm -hmm. What about 99? Same championship. But that was a little tough for that year because they put a new bike together. Okay. And I couldn't, I couldn't win on it. Oh no! No, different cylinder and different components. And um, 98, 99, 
they kind of brought all that tech, all the stuff that we worked on to America. Okay. So Albie won in 99 and so did I with stuff that we had developed. Okay. It's pretty cool. Um, but that, they, they had to go back to my 98 cylinder. Mm. And then I started winning again. So 99, you won the title again. Mm-hmm. And then those were your three years and you were done. Mm-hmm. Is that when Japan said, okay, no more American riders? That's what I heard. I didn't hear that when I was leaving. That just but that was like, maybe it was an unspoken thing, but there's not been a, an American no. rider or that, any uh, any non-Japanese rider hired to do the whole series anymore. Mm-hmm. They'll come do a onesie twosie, but. Yeah, I think yeah. J-Mart went there. Yeah, know. Ernesto did a couple, developing the 250F. Um, there's been, you know, there's been guys pop over there here and there, but they wanted Japanese riders winning their titles. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool. Um, hey, let's take a quick break. This is your Troy Designs timeout. Uh, we'll be right back with more Kyle Lewis. Stay tuned. If you haven't heard already, it's smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escaped from pubes to bum. That's right. This summer is the time to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leader in below-the-belt grooming is making sure we have a ball this summer by giving our pant partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into Smooth Sack Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code WhiskeyThrottle. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your goodies. Their Lawnmower 4.0 features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch. Uh, you can engage a travel lock, which is nice, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Beach, lake, shower, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. That is gross. But it's true. Now that you have the most perfect haircut, use Manscaped's liquid formulations to keep that freshness even at the hottest barbecues. Most importantly, use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat. With a soothing aloe vera formula, it's the best in the business for below the waist freshness. And this clear drying formula will keep looking good while smelling good. Wearing sandals with some nasty toenails during the summer months? Take a look at the Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit. This kit includes stainless steel nail nail cutters, tweezers, and a grooming scissors. With the performance package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0. So, let's wrap this up. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code WhiskeyThrottle at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code WhiskeyThrottle. No spaces, no capitals. Over at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer, boys. Get on board or get left behind. Dunlop. There is a reason every AMA championship in the past decade was won on Dunlop tires. They are the best. Choose the best performing tire and a brand that has never wavered in their support of our sport. Choose Dunlop. Pro Circuit. 
Pro Circuit products are designed with one goal in mind, winning. Through passion and hard work, Pro Circuit has operated the most successful 250 team in the history of the sport. They use that same formula when developing exhaust, engine, and suspension parts for every brand. When only the highest level of performance is acceptable, trust Pro Circuit. Since 2009, Seat Concepts has been dedicated to making the best aftermarket seats. More comfort, more grip, more riding. For 10 years, we've continued to raise the bar. Innovation and American craftsmanship make Seat Concepts the world-leading manufacturer of power sports seats. Something from nothing. That's what Nihilo Concepts is about. It starts with a spark, an idea, a concept, which leads to a design and finishes with engineered excellence with the highest quality products created with durability in mind. All our products are made in the USA at our state-of-the-art facility in Stewart, Florida. Whether you are a weekend warrior, ride for fun, or at the highest level of competition, Nihilo Concepts offers innovative titanium, aluminum, and carbon fiber parts for your dirt bike. We offer a wide variety of products that you can customize to your liking. Browse our site for foot pegs, brake tips, engine components, specialty tools, frame grip tape, lever grips, carbon fiber components, motor stands, our secondary on-switch, plus much more. Head to NihiloConcepts.com and see for yourself why factory teams like Red Bull KTM, Rockstar Husqvarna, Troy Lee Designs Gas Gas, Orange Brigade, Club MX, KLM Gas Gas, and some of the fastest riders in the world choose Nihilo Concepts. Since 1987, Coach Rob has been dedicated to creating durable motocross, supercross, GNCC, and road racers through his complete racing solutions program, integrating performance, nutrition, functional strength, flexibility, and mental development. His proven system has world-class results, producing four AMA number one pro plates and over 270 national championships. The complete racing solutions program focuses on the fundamentals of human physiology and how riders interact with the physics of a motorcycle. Its proven process and system helps riders understand the why associated with riding techniques and how getting faster on a motorcycle directly correlates with strength, endurance, nutrition, and flexibility off the bike. There is a difference between a fast racer and a Complete Racing Solutions racer. Visit CompleteRacingSolutions.com and get on the path to becoming the champion you want to be. Specialized Bicycles Specialized leads the way in the world of bicycling. Whether it's cross-country racing, downhill, e-bikes, enduro, road, gravel, dual slalom, dirt jumping, or all-mountain bikes that do it all, Specialized has the perfect ride for you. The brand is synonymous with engineering excellence and innovation that steers the industry. Visit your local Specialized dealer for a test ride and see just how good Specialized products are. OGO Power Sports. OGO has perfected the carrying case. Motocross gear bags, helmet bags, boot bags, hydration packs, backpacks, and travel bags, to name a few, have all been meticulously engineered to maximize space and surpass durability standards that would make NASA proud. Simply the best, OGO Power Sports. Connected. 
Spanish intercom on. It's cool to be able to hear what they talk about and how fast they should go to throttle control, braking, really cool. Extend your leg out, there you go. Good job, good throttle control, Lonnie. That's a great training tool. It was a lot of fun to be on the track with them. Hey, Lano. What? Can you pull off, pull off over here when you get to me and your brother? Okay. With a rich history in motocross, ProX has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. Whether you're rebuilding an engine or just need a new chain, ProX Racing Parts aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. ProX has over 9,000 part numbers and over 60 different product types that are manufactured by highly reputable or even OEM suppliers and are offered at affordable prices to help keep riders on the bike instead of in the garage. Visit ProX.com to search parts for your bike or check them out at your favorite online or local dealer. The guys are just breaking in their race bikes, which will leave on the semi this Saturday to go to the first Supercross for our coast in Orlando. Uh, so the guys are just be goofing off a little bit, do some cool photos, do some cool videos. When you go racing, you want to do well, but a big key is keeping the bikes on the track. That's why we chose to work with Motul. Expectations coming in as a rookie is just to try and get my feet wet and uh, honestly just send it, see where I end up and uh, do my best out there, but just ride aggressive and ride like myself in practice and I uh, should have a good time. Challenges of this sport, I believe, is just simply staying healthy. Uh, with how fast we're going um, and what we're doing, your margin for mistake is really, really small. Stay sick. If you have little rippers, then you have had to have seen Stay Sick Bikes by now. We have created bike and experiences that allow kids to develop sooner and empower them to find their own ride. From learning to ride to sharpening skills, the Stay Sick promise is accelerated growth. Whatever path your family chooses, it's going to be the ride of your life. Stay Sick Stability Cycles. You ever heard the phrase that the harder you work, the luckier you are? Well, at Luck Apparel, they believe in an acronym that kind of sums it up a little more simply than that, laboring under complete knowledge. So it isn't just some random chance that determines what your outcome or results are going to be. It's being educated and working your butt off to get it done. And I think that that goes hand in hand with the motocross industry. You don't get lucky into a win. You work your ass off and you make it happen. So check out Luck Apparel. They've got t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff. And we're stoked to have them on board here at the Whiskey Throttle Show in 2022. Today's show is brought to you in part by ZDMS, the next generation dealer management system for the power sports industry. Designed for large and multi-rooftop dealership operations, ZDMS business intelligence harnesses the power of your data for better line of sight into dealership decision making. Pinpoint performance areas of concern where profit is being maximized and opportunities remain. Real-time data visualization combined with drill-down reporting means you can track up-to-the-minute dealership performance across all departments, unlock stories you never knew existed, and meaningful insights into your business. With ZDMS's intuitive, easy-to-use dealer management system, you'll streamline your opportunities and improve communication across your entire dealership with efficient workflows while spending less time behind the counter and more time with your customers. ZDMS understands technology is only as good as the team representing it. With ZDMS's unmatched top-tier support, rest assured your customer experience 
is part of the package. Every team member in your dealership will have access to a support team ready to assist in any way possible. Change is good. Say goodbye to your legacy DMS software and modernize your operations, minimize costs, improve efficiencies, and make data-driven decisions to increase profitability with ZDMS. Demo at ziidms.com today. I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, hey, All right, hey. welcome back. That was our Troyly Designs timeout. If you guys have not been over to TroilyDesigns.com, go check out everything they've got going on. Lots of new gear and stuff. And I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Luck Unlimited Apparel. Uh, it's fitting since your nickname is Lucky. Right. Um, we got a hat and a t-shirt for you here. Thanks. I'd like to share that. And, Appreciate uh, it. Their whole mantra is that you kind of make your own luck by working hard, and we like that. So... I like the I, thing. That's pretty good. I think you can. That resonates probably with you. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's jump back into your story Thank here. You. Um, 2000. This was your first year at Moto Triple X. Yep. And you kind of, you kind of sighed like, oh boy. So tell me, <laughs> tell me about that year. Um, it was cool getting involved with uh, Moto Triple X. Um, they were always kind of obviously known as kind of the wild yep guys i guess whatever which kind of as a show they're 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 they do crazy stuff like on the videos and stuff but it's not like that 24 7. no and, and you know they put together a damn good program and they you know not just with deegan winning that one race but especially i thought as you guys got onto the four stroke stuff well that's where um, well, 2000, uh, but 2000, you're on what? YZ 250s? Uh, no, our, uh, Suzuki is still sponsored. Oh, Suzuki, okay. <clears throat> Which I was thankful, you know, that, okay. that was cool. Um, just the bike was just a turd that year. Yeah. It was bad. And we tried everything. I mean, Bills was around that we were trying that and just couldn't get a handle on the bike. It was just uh, Ross uh, Miles was my mechanic. Um, we were cruising in a box van and um, was it motor? Was it handling? Just the whole package? Um, motor. Mm. Just couldn't get it right. Mm. Just just couldn't get it right. The whole the whole year we were chasing all kinds of things. Gremlins all year long. Uh, no, just trying to make it faster, and it was it was just really tough. Um, especially not having help from directly from the factory and they were helping with nothing no just bikes and parts just bikes yeah. and parts which was cool i mean i was thankful yeah it seems like you had some tents but like it was between oh and an eighth is now that's yeah eighth is still city really? those were the highlights everything else was between you know like 18th and 11th you were in there all year yeah but probably a little bit of a frustrating year for you huh coming off winning yeah yeah that's what i'm saying and having the equipment it's a it's it's it was hard for sure but i mean we still have fun we, um going racing yeah you know, having fun and trying to make the best of it were they paying you any salary or just no kind of just expenses and just just uh gear hmm. um they were just taking uh, motor triple x paying me no yeah, yeah. no no yeah, but they handle expenses and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. And Kurt and um, met with Kurt, uh, Jordan, and Eric, and um, just lined up the deal. Yeah. Um, 
Jordan was our giveaway guy. He'd throw the, everything out, and he enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Eric, he would, I mean, they, Eric and Jordan were both drummers, um, but Eric, he, he was more business. He was, and uh, Kurt, too. Mm-hmm. But they had a big following. They did, the company did well, so we just tried to, they brought me in to just kind of maybe have a different view of Triple X, because um, I was known as just hardworking race, you know? Yeah. And grind. And so then, yeah, then we got, the next year, we went to Yamaha um, 250s, and then uh, that 426 outdoors. Okay. And good deal. Uh, that was that was 01? Oh, one, yeah. Now, you were riding a 250, not 250F in Supercross. You were 252 stroke? 252 stroke. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that was a good bike. Yeah. Yamaha 252 stroke was. It was good. Really good, yeah. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, 2001, yeah. Uh, the guys, uh, Downers. Down, uh, DGY? DGY yeah, helped yeah. us out, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were ninth in uh, in motocross that year, thirteenth in supercross, and top tens. Like you kind of were back into you got seventh in Hangtown, ninth in Vegas, uh, ninth at Kenworthy. So you were putting in good rides on that thing. Yeah, it was the four twenty six though. Was uh, Yoshimura was building the motor, so Yosh actually sponsored me in Japan. They just put a sticker. Oh, was that right? Oh my. Yeah, uh, they were always awesome to me. Um, the guys over there were cool. Yeah, Brant Russell, he uh, ultimately ended up dying on his boat in uh, Catalina. He was coming back from the showers and brain aneurysm, I think. Oh, you're kidding me. Ran into a brain surgeon's yacht. Couldn't save him. You're kidding me. Mm. But, uh, That's irony. But, yeah, they... Uh, that just kind of started, we got with uh, WBR, uh, when Williams Brothers Racing, the, the guy out of uh, Bakersfield mm-hmm. for 01, and that's when we got our, uh, we had, um, 01, we had this motorhome toter thing. Um, Jamie Grosser actually lined that up. Okay. Um, then, yeah, 02, we got with WBR. Okay. With a with a toter style racing rig and that was cool. And that was, uh, what were you riding that year? Well, I was supposed to ride the 426 and that's when Honda came out with the new, uh, their CRF 450 and I went, what? <laughs> and one of my good friends, he was uh, in charge of the Red Rider program, um, Bill Savino. Yep. And I go, can I have a couple of these? Cause I want to race these. <laughs> And it was just. Did they get them to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it seems like those were. This was a good period for you. Like you, you got along well with that 450. It just. I had power. Yeah. You know, the the bike had power, and it, I, I could. I mean, I was always a good starter, but this just helped. Mm-hmm. And then Yosh, we they could tune the pipe, with. Everything, it was just so, it was like electric. It was just, whoa, go. Yeah. Um, 
but I started off the season kind of, I screwed up and I should have brought the DVD so you guys can show what happened. Just out goofing around, I think it was my third or fourth day on the bike <clears throat> in the hills and uh, Bean Canyon. And I, like I was fearless on this thing. And I don't know, maybe quarter mile, a little higher, a little longer. And I, at the top, I just wheelie, grabbing gears, grabbing gears. And this thing's steep, like it's no joke. Get to the bottom going maybe over a hundred and across rollers, yeah, about like this, this high. And do a few passes and there's like, I don't know, like 40 guys just out weekend warrior guys watching and they're just going, holy crap, right? <clears throat> and then ultimately hit a rock at the bottom, just completely yard sale. Jeez. And I damaged cartilage in my sternum and I started off, that was two weeks before the opener and I struggled a little bit just the beginning of the season. I was injured and it took, you know, right, racing always made it feel worse. So I was, I was dinged up going into that. I was looking forward to having a good season. Yeah. In 01? 02. 002. On, okay. the, on that 4.5. So tell me about that year. Tell me about that, that kind of season and bike and what stood out for you. Um, Seems like you said, you know, the second part of the season, you really dialed it in. Yeah, we came up with a package. Um, the bike was good, but the last round of uh, Supercross at Vegas, um, Yosh built me this motor. It was just stupid. I yeah. died last gate, whole shot, and that's a tight stadium. So I came in front of everyone, and it, it was just so good. Huh. Then I'm, I was excited about going into outdoors with that because I knew, I knew I'd. You were gonna get good starts. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of we had a little grudge because, um, Mathis was working for Way that year, and but he was in a, in the box end, and I think it was me, Larry. And I, I want to say Grocer. We were in the rig, but. Mathis, he, he always likes to poke at people, but he, so our, every time we see each other, we're like, ah, ah, but um, he's like, you're, there's no way you're beating Nick outdoors. And I'm like, nah, nah, I, I, I beat him pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the, Larry was doing good. He was on the 250F, right? Yeah. Yamaha. Mm -hmm. And he won Redbud, right? I think so. Yeah, I think he won Redbud that yeah. year. You guys... For Moto Triple X, that was probably their best season. For sure. You know, yeah. You, I mean, you had a fourth at Buds, top tens all over the place, pretty fourth, much every single fourth round. At the Wick, the podium. Third at Washougal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this was a great, great year for you. And I was looking fifth for, overall in the championship. Yeah, I think it was sixth or seventh overall, and that's how I ended up choosing my number that year. Twenty-three. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and in 02, you know, this is when you got Ricky and you got Wyndham and you got Reed. Like, this yeah. is a pretty stacked. Morocco. <laughs> he got hurt, but we had a battle at, at Bud's. Yeah. Um, first moto, I, I, Hamblin, I think, was second, and I passed him. And Ricky wasn't too far in front at that point. I'm going, hmm, 
this is weird. Like, normally it's like, where, yeah. where'd he go? <laughs> yeah. He, oh, he's winning. Yeah, he's up there. Um, but uh, my the glue on the grip on my throttle came loose, so I ended up falling back that first moto. And the second moto, I was in second, and the rock got me. And I'm like, oh, come on. And I, and we were talking about um, hard to pass. Yes, that's hard yeah. to pass there. Yeah. The going up that last hill to the because the finish line, I used to be at the top of the that hill. Sweeper hill, yeah. Yeah, and I was like that, and I ended up getting fourth, I think, overall that day. Hmm. But I, I went third the second moto right on, and I was just like stoked. And then the last race. Um, Rock, uh, Mike had ga he had gathered points on me, and it was getting tight, and I ended up clinching fifth. Um, but no, sorry, I blew up a motor at the last in in the first motor, so I actually got one of Nikki Hayden's motors, and they gave it to us. Hmm. It wasn't crazy, it wasn't like all built, but I ended up get, getting enough points the second moto to clinch. Lock up fifth? Yeah. Um, at this point, in 02, you had already been racing for 15 years professionally. Okay. Like that's, that's way longer than most people do it, right? <laughs> like there, we, you, you can look through, and I would tell you 90% of the riders in our sport, from the time they turn pro to the time they retire, it's, it's inside of a 10 year window. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's just physically tough, mentally tough. You'd already been going 15 years at this point. Were you like burned out at all? Were you having more fun than ever? I mean, we were having, well, like I mentioned earlier, Larry, we reunited yeah. at Triple X and it was just on. We were just every weekend just laughing and goofing around. Yeah. And it, it, when, you, when you're loving what you're doing, like, let me reflect back to 01. I didn't, I didn't, I just, I got to 2000, no, it was, sorry, 2000, I apologize. Um, I didn't, I was just done. I, this is terrible. I, I was kind of like, I don't want to do this no more. And I called my buddy up and I just wanted to go ride my bike, right? And I want to, I just, chocolate cake up in the des and, um, Call him, hey, let's go, let's go ride and do chocolate cake, let's go. And he, he's, he was a gunner at, on a, at a prison. So he basically sat in a 10 by 10 cell all day long watching the inmate. Wait, waiting to shoot somebody if they ran? Sure, whatever. <laughs> but he's like, fuck you. I'm like, what? He's like, dude, you have the best job. People think you're cool. You get to ride a dirt bike for a living. You make okay money, fuck you, I'm stuck in a 10 by 10. And, I, and it hit me. That was a one, that was a one, because that's when I got the new Honda. And at that point, I go, man, he's right, and I'm kind of taking this for granted. And that kind of just lit me up again, mm. like gave me a boost. And I, Never took it for granted what I what I could do on a dirt bike after that. Hmm. I was able to make a living and have fun 
and people wanted my autograph. Like, I think I have like five kids. Hey, this is little Kyle. We named him after you back east. I'm just like, wow, that's pretty cool. And I give him a full set of gear. Yeah. So I don't know. It just changed my whole perspective on it. So it never felt like work. I mean, sure, it's work, hmm. but it never felt like it. Yeah. After that point, you're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to get yourself into a, a, a rut, for sure. Yeah, like a rut where you just, yeah, you can get unmotivated, right? Yeah. I mean, at that time, things were just clicking. Like, my daughter, she was modeling, acting. She was doing well. She did, when the California Adventure opened, her for, fourth audition, she got called for it. And she was doing that. And then she ended up getting... Um, uh, or a music music video with uh, Pink. Mm -hmm. um, so just things were rolling pretty good, and we're just kind of having fun. Yeah. You know? um, I'd never gone to Havasu, and I did at the end of 2000. So I just started doing other stuff because I never really did other stuff. Right. You know? So did the Havasu thing and literally just sold my house there last year but uh just getting into boating and my family i didn't really get to do a lot with my daughter in the first she was born in 95 96 race 97 i'm japan so yeah. i'm traveling right so just new family still and um i uh i Bought my when I buy my first house, ninety uh, three, and then I we upgraded to a new home and just I don't know those things were just things were everything was clicking. Cool. Yeah, I, it's important to find I think a work life balance, right? And yeah. that's something as racers we get like really focused in on what we're doing. And if you don't disconnect and do some other things on your weekends off or your your time off, mm. it'll burn you out. Yep. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's important. If you like to golf, then you need to go golf, <laughs> you know, on a weekend off or whatever the hell it is you like to do. And the guys that don't do that, I think that's a big part of why we see such low burnout rates. I mean, Dungey and well, RV both retired at like 26 or something. Well, Crazy. Also taking the factor injuries. Yeah. It takes a lot of riders down because they get hooked. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, I don't want to feel. Man, I, no. I, again, I, I don't, I just don't like that stuff. I don't like that feeling. So you have kids named after you. You know, on an unrelated note or related to that, I'm huge in China. There's a lot of pings. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> All right. Um, bad Golf joke. Much? Dad joke award. Um, okay, so we'll move on to the next year. You have a great year in 2002. Yeah. You're stoked with the team. Does everything stay the same for 2003? Um, yeah. Um, Moto Triple X, Honda. Yep. yep. Um, you I, obviously had an injury, though. Oh, yeah. Um, I was on... I felt good going into 03. Okay. Uh, I was... Because Larry Ward, he always had my number indoors. I'm like, gosh. And he was a beast. He was good. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and I was matching him testing and maybe beating him a little bit. And I'm like, yes. And then we're at the end of testing. Bikes were where we were wanting it. And just goofing around at the end of the last, one of the last test sessions, 
um, went backwards on my track and spun, clipped, and, uh, and I broke my wrist. Ugh. And it was bad. Like, bad, bad. It was crooked. I, I got up and I'm like, spitting. I broke my teeth and I'd been in braces, but I just got out of them <laughs> like three months prior. And I'm like, damn it, I broke my teeth. And, um, and I'm like, I broke my wrist too. And no, oh, you didn't. I'm like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you did. I'm like, oh, crap. So we go and first night we get there and they put me in the Chinese handcuffs, the chain on your finger and they're pulling, pull pulling, pulling, pop. And he goes in, I'm like, oh, okay. So then I have to go back down the next day. They fix it, seven pins, three permanent. And I come out of everything and I, I could only do this. And I'm like, hey, what's the deal with this to the doctor? And he's like, yeah, that's all you got. And I'm like, this is my throttle. And he's like, your career's probably done. And I'm like, and I'm. It's heavy, man. <clears throat> it's kind of the RJ injury, huh? I mean, essentially. <sighs> My wife goes, fuck you. To the doctor. <sighs> it's pretty wild, the doctor. Is, is this a doctor you knew? It's not Murphy or something, is it? Another guy? <clears throat> doctor that um, worked for the galaxy. Um, anyway, so I'm just crying because my wife's badass. <laughs> she goes, fuck you, you don't know my, my husband. He'll, he's gonna race. And uh, now I just went to therapy, and I, you know what? How much did you get back? Oh shit! Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, but uh, I will tell you, I did take Vicodin on this one <laughs> <laughs> on the therapy because they would take my my arm off the end and just start pop, 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 and pop, breaking scar tissue up. And I was like, the first day I only took half of one because that's all I liked. And uh, <laughs> you worked your way up to that. I know, I went to, I went the next time too, and I would come out just drenched and, I don't mean to be a downer on the on the injury stuff, but that one, when someone says you're done, you're like, whoa. That's heavy. Hmm. And it's cool that your wife had your back. I love it. So, so you got back and you, you know, you missed the supercross season, but shit, that's only, you know, four May. month window. Yeah. yeah. And you're back. Um, yeah. And then, then it just, uh, Jeff Brewer got involved with him. All sport. Yeah. Uh, wrist brace guy. He, he saved me. Like I went fixed for a while and then it articulates now this way it rotates because I, you couldn't move the bike mm -hmm. and so he came up with that we came up with the design for that puck mm -hmm. and he's i mean he saved my career because like literally pounding it would pop i'm like ooh, i didn't break it and i come out and i'm like okay it's good and then that's just scar tissue popping yeah, yeah 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 and then uh just just struggled through it and made, tried to make it happen. And I mean, you didn't have a bad summer. Shit, you had a 
sixth at Washougal, ninth at Unadilla. You know, you had some good rides. Everything's inside the top 20, making points every weekend. So with a with a jacked up wrist, it's yeah. nothing to be. I mean, I have uh, good doctors. My Cairo, who's one of my best friends up in Lancaster, Tony Smith, he kept me alive. Um, Why did you go to that Galaxy doctor? Uh, it was Kaiser. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. They, but that was our best surgeon. Best guy. Um, That's the bummer. You know, this is. I do have to say one thing. My yeah. uh, the remember I told you about ninety. My Cairo that bought me a bike and yeah. it was like my second family. Their whole family took me in and helped me get to where I was, where I am even to this day, because of them. Like he kept me racing and. Robert McFarlane is his name, but <clears throat> I couldn't have done it without without uh, the help from Kairos. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, um, Navarro came on board with me. I think I want to say '03. Okay, we started. Um, that's when he came on the scene. So yeah, I just had I've ha always had good people to get me back going. Yeah, and you need that. Yeah, for in sure. This sport, but it's it. It, it's so important, and sometimes your insurance just dictates where you go. Like if you have Kaiser out here, I'm, I'm Kaiser member two. Um, but like finding an orthopedic, you know, that's why Ryman was so popular. Mm -hmm. He got it. He knew, you well, know, he, he would be honest with you, but also he knew him saying, oh, you're never going to race again. That isn't going to fly. <laughs> you know, and he'd be like, well, okay, if you, here's what we can do. Right. And, and, and hopefully we can get to this. You mm -hmm. know, he would be realistic, but he would also be like, hey, I know I'm not gonna, I'm, you're not gonna listen to me if I tell you no, so let's, let's <laughs> work, work right. out a plan. Right, right. And, and these traditional orthopedics, they just don't get it, they, you know. Well, they're not used to what we do. Yeah. And how much pain we'll go through. Yeah. But yeah, it was, that was a big one on that, but I just grinded through that season and then. Is that wrist buggy now? Um, once in a while. Yeah. Like I, I went, I, I don't know. Two days in a row, 50 miles on my bike, on my uh, trail bike, and it was cold coming home, and I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. What about the shoulder? Um, or any, is there anything, any part of your body that's just like beat up your back, low back? Both knees. Yeah. Um, my shoulder, um, it was bugging me, and I, I get nutrition from a guy, and, and uh, he's like, you should try these peptides. And... Couldn't sleep on my left side, no way. And I, he got me the, the stuff and it's dropped. Oh, it's amazing, awesome. My knees are good. Okay, I gotta ask you about that later. Gotta <laughs> 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 find out about those. Um, okay, um, what about? We just, uh, I don't. He just got me a new topical that has it in it, and I'm testing it right now, and it's good. Okay. Um, yeah, I always, you know, all of us are jacked up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen Pastrana walk lately, but it's oh, like man. Frankenstein. But, you know, this is, we all knew what we were signing up for. Right. right? No one said, hey, get on that bike. But you, you raced for so many damn years. I, I, 21 years total. I mean, we're not even done with your career. You raced for 21 years professionally. Mm -hmm. I, I, think it's, I think it's more years than Rock raced. I don't know. I, don't, he, I think he's got the record for most starts, but like, you got to be close. Yeah, man. I don't know. Um, all right, going to 24. Still with Triple X? Yep. Okay. And you I guys. Fin I finished on Triple X. Okay. Oh, oh. On the Honda 480. That was your jam. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh four. Um, you must have had another injury. Uh, yes. Because you've only got two Supercross rounds, then you did the whole Nationals. Oh four. What it says you did Dallas and Salt Lake, and that's all we got. But then you did like the whole summer, sixth at Southwick, fourth oh. at Glen Helen. No. Uh, that's correct, because uh, Portugal, in 03. Okay, what happened? We, we were talking about this off camera. Uh, Rich Swisher, <clears throat> a, a buddy of ours, operating as an agent, got yeah, us he, this deal in Lisbon to go. Yeah, he was, uh, He, we had a good four races set up, and they gave me a clunker, which he was not happy with, neither was I. <laughs> and uh, in the main, uh, went over this double and the clutch just didn't release and I stepped off the bike go and everything was good and it smashed me and it blew my shoulder apart and dislocated it and I didn't I couldn't breathe I was just going whoof man this is and then I, I don't know if you've ever been knocked out from getting aired, um, like taking the wind out of you. That happened to me at Daytona too. I uh, separated my shoulder, bike bogged, and I looked at. I was looking at the Daytona sign, and it just closed out. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been knocked out. Knock on wood, and not in any way, shape, or form. That wasn't from a head injury though. It was just yeah. no air. But yeah. I was doing that. I was kind of getting this, and I'm like, and Rich is there, and I'm like, you gotta call. You gotta call my wife. Gotta call my wife, and and. Uh, I'm like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then, Was this on the track after the crash? This is in, in the tunnel in the ambulance, okay. like getting ready to take me in the ambulance. And so they take me to the hospital and they could get my shoulder in. So they knocked me out, get my shoulder in. And, All right, you're good to go. And uh, I get to my doctor in San Diego and he comes out just sheet white. Like, are you okay, man? I'm like, yeah, we can't breathe very well, but my shoulders. You're just assuming it's something in your, you it's, know. It's not like pressure right here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Ooh. And uh, <coughs> he goes, you, you, you're okay? I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he goes, what's up with my shoulder? How's it look? He's like, no, <laughs> there's an ambulance on the way. I'm like, what? He's like, your heart's in 10 millimeters of blood. Look right here on the x-ray. I'm like, what does that mean? You, you should have died on the, both flights. I'm like, oh. Wow, that's pretty gnarly. I didn't die. Yeah, that's crazy. So your, your heart sits in a sack. Yeah. And as that sack fills with blood, whether it's a, a tear in something or some type of trauma, well, no, no, it my, fills with blood and creates my whole pressure. My cavity was filling up uh, pneumothorax. Mm -hmm. It was filling Tension up. Memo, yeah. yeah, it was all like you'd push on my skin, it would like pop, you know, yeah. poppers. It would go. And that's subcutaneous emphysema. Was it here? Like in your chest or where was that? What, uh, the, the poppy stuff. All, uh, all here, mm -hmm. like everywhere. And um, so they cut me in the um, CAT scan and stick me with the drain and, I'm, and I passed out. Chest tube. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, but is that, as your sack, if your heart fills with blood, wherever the injury came from and it gets pressurized, your heart can't beat anymore. Yeah, so I think it was the blood from the lung. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I popped my lung. So that was day, from the race, three days? Uh, I stayed, I couldn't fly the next day, so Alan Brown was our team manager, yeah. he was my mechanic that year. Um, 
he, we stayed there. I just stayed low, and I got on the first flight to France, and then France home, and I don't know how I made it, but it's um, crazy. So was that recovery from that tough? Well, or just took some time to then. So then I, uh, and again, I don't mean to <laughs> all injuries, but you refresh my memory on that. Um, Get the shoulder surgery, um, rotator, all four. Um, they were. I wanted them to video it, so they put the camera in the back, and it was just pure cotton candy, so they didn't even bother. What do you mean, cotton? Just everything just, every, shredded? It was just shredded. It looked like cotton candy. It was weird, the beginning, and then they just pull it out. <laughs> yeah, it's just terrible. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, okay, good. Um, get through that, and... Um, I was kind of acting as team manager, whatever, whatever, helping. And, uh, and no, but no income, right? Cause you're not really being paid a salary. Well, I, I set it up, we'd, we'd set it up to where I had salary. Okay. Um, so yeah, O2, same thing. I would just kind of took over as like, okay. Um, um, going for O3, but then get through all that start training road biking getting getting movement out of my shoulder and i didn't like mountain biking too much so I, but my but all my friends up in lancaster like, oh dude you should they have a new one that's pretty cool a smart shock on the sash works going downhill the shock got stupid it was not smart <laughs> <laughs> over the bars come on you get hurt again S- snap the handlebar and filleted myself all the way to there. Jeez. That, so that took me down. Didn't um, break anything, just cut cash? Yeah. yeah. But now I had to spend five days in the hospital. So <clears throat> then getting back, because you're, you, you know, you're moving your arm, that thing can open yeah, up. Yeah, so that yeah. took a while. So that's what the hiatus was. That was the that. pause there. Okay. Yeah. Well, when you pick back up, like I said, you did the last couple of Supercross rounds. First national hangtown was the 19th, but then you, man, like I said, sixth at Southwick and ninth at Unadilla. You were back on it, fourth at Glen Hill at the end of, to end the year. That was 04? No. Yeah, 04. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I was so bummed. At pulled out of it good? Wyndham. I'm like, why does Wyndham have to be behind me? <laughs> and I, I were you close to the podium? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that that motor, that one was a big one. Yeah. It wasn't a big oversize, but it was massive. They, I pulled the whole shot by, I don't know, two bike lanes, yeah. both motors. Yeah, I, I remember you being potent on that thing. Um, I took that motor to Montreal to yeah. race Supercross up there, and that, that was crazy. Clipped a, clipped a rock on the takeoff of like the step up finish in practice and I had to eject. And you I, ejected a lot. <laughs> I think you've told four or five stories where you jumped off. Uh, there's, um, what is it? Oh, five. I think. You need to install a parachute in the right? back of your jersey. Um, no, but uh, yeah, I, just, I, I think I got third that night or I don't remember, but I had to, I downsided perfect. Oh, so you got lucky you didn't get hurt? Right, right. Um, yeah, and then... 
did some overseas stuff and again just I don't know I was getting in I was getting more into I did mountain biking but I would just do I do short but hot, like 30 minute intense training okay then I got into the road biking and then a guy up in Lancaster on the bike shop up the a bike shop up there and we just started mashing and grinding and uh just I got into that so that kind of helped um I gotta say Lancaster seems like the worst place in the world to ride a bicycle way better than here really way better isn't it it's, windy? It's windy every time I've ever Oh, yeah, but that makes you stronger. <laughs> uh, yeah. Windy and either hot or cold. Yes. Those are the three weather conditions in Lancaster. Hot, uh, hot, yes. hot, windy, or hot or cold windy? Uh, you have a couple months. <laughs> Don't lie but, to me. No, for real, October is the best, but it's cold. It's chilly in the mornings, but it's, it's perfect up there. Yeah. All right, so 05, again, like, you know, some top 10s. You're, you're always in the points, it seems like. The 05, had a, I had a good moment at uh, Indy, Indianapolis, the Dome. We were on carved bikes, and the thing hiccuped. Oh. Yeah. And jumped off again? I had to. <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. We got, we got time here, right? <laughs> you going to pull it up? Yeah. All right. So as we, I mean, you, you kind of, your last couple years here. Uh, but this one, I damaged the cartilage that holds, um, you have cell service, pull up Kyle Lewis crash on YouTube. It's a good one. That one scared me. That one, I'm not going to lie. I was yeah. like. What about going into 06? So you kind of get through that 05 season. Same, you're on the same program, 06. Tell me about that year. What stands out for you that year? Um... I was I was kind of battling uh, setup on the bikes. Um, okay. Suspension was a really big factor. Um, I, I feel like the, that Honda 450 was getting better though, because the 08 Honda 450 maybe yeah. one of the best bikes production bikes ever made, at least to that point. It was the gold standard, and by 06 they're definitely getting there. Yeah, the but we had a we had a team sponsor. And had to use their parts. had to use their their stuff, and it, I was just not driving with it. Mm. I could not could not get through the whoops. And when they were big then, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah. just what it was. Yeah. I, I tried other people's stuff, and when I did that, I I went better. That's frustrating. Yeah. When you when you're on a team and you don't have a, a choice. I mean, I've had years where I had to wear a certain boot, mm. and I'm like, I can't shift. I can't feel the pegs. My ankles are getting twisted, and they're like. Yeah, you're just stuck. It's that is really frustrating. So, like the, the I think it's oh five, six and seven. I think that's when, or yeah, six and seven. We had just massive bike issues with the suspension, mm -hmm. and it frustrated me. And I kind of got to a point with Alan Brown, my team manager, where I we almost lost our friendship. Oh, is that right? Because I knew whether I knew other stuff was going on with other teammates' bikes, and I'm like, I'm part of this company, and I don't want that on my bike anymore. <laughs> and it was a it was a chore and a battle. Well, and 
And look, this, this happens where, you know, if it's suspension, you could take some stock production stuff, go have it done somewhere else and just put their logos on it. Um, I've seen that done before, right? When this them, is, but he's saying no dice. No. no. One particular race, I, would, I uh, was testing for a company that was thinking about buying a, a building, a 450. And they had outdoor stuff and uh, Supercross stuff. And it was just shelf stuff from another company. And it's actually a FC that, that I got to ride with. And I, I rode on my Supercross track testing. I'm like, huh, can I, can, can I take this to Seattle this weekend? And they're like, yeah, sure. So I, was, I qualified, I think, seventh. And I was qualifying 1420s. Okay. And then I get second in the heat race behind Villeman. And then go, I mean, I think it was just in third or fourth. And uh, one of the bolts for the hold the, the mounts for the bars f came out. And I went into a turn, the bars turned them all. Oh no. <laughs> Did you eject? <laughs> I had to. And I didn't eject, I but I just, <laughs> I just talked and, but it's just stupid little things like that. All like, but even after that, they, they wouldn't let you keep it on. Hmm. Yeah. That would, that would definitely start a fight for me too. I mean, I mean, it's not like it, I didn't just do it, you know? So yeah. anyway, we got through it. We're, Alan and I are good friends again. We, t we had a little hiatus after I retired. 07 wasn't fun. Washougal. The 07 or 06? I think this is 06. Okay. 06, I broke my thumb at Redbud in the rollers. Um, bike just swapped suspension. Okay. And I got up, my thumb was like that way. And I'm, all, I'm like, ooh, okay, I just dislocated it. I tried a couple more laps and I'm like, eh. And I ended up breaking it. Um, that's motocross guys. Oh, my thumb's going the wrong way. Oh, that, that feels better. Let me try to keep riding. Um, but Washugal come down the drop off the left and that right. Yeah. They had a pole, right? Car tire, car tire, car tire, moto tire, car tire, car tire. Come around the corner. Pinky finger? Yeah. Snagged it. Oh yeah. Can, but I, Put it back and I'm like, ooh, okay. And they x-rayed it and it said, well, there was a, it was broken, it wasn't bad. So I just buddy taped it and rode. I rode a bunch of races after that. Ah, good times. Um, still had some top 10s in 06, despite the drama. Uh, eighth at Spring Creek, ninth at Unadilla. Ninth um, at Unadilla, I think uh, my teammate got Eighth, and we battled the whole day. Larry? I, no, Ferry. Oh, Ferry. I, I want his practice suspension. And I was not even close to him, and I battled with him that whole day. Is that right? I mean, it, yeah. He, he was, uh, I would, again, we, it was, it was, that was starting to get not fun. Yeah. Yeah, look, you're, you know, you're spending so much time with, your teammates and your crew, if you aren't happy there, if you guys aren't driving, it's going yeah. to the races is brutal. Mm. 
And conversely, if you have a really fun crew and team, even if your results aren't there or your bike sucks, at least you're having fun. Right. You know. All right. So your last season of a full-time competition was 07. Yep. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more sporadic with the results, but still some top tens. Washugo, ninth. Spring Creek, ninth. Um, what do you remember about that last year? Struggling. Still kind of struggle bus. Same issues with suspension? Yeah. I think, uh, what was Red Bud in 07? 14th. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, again, just struggling with suspension. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say the company's name because I don't need, they're cool, like super cool people. I just did not work for me. Yeah. Um, Were they testing with you? Would they go out and try? Oh, yeah. Endlessly and just no progress? I just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it there. I, was, yeah, I could not get it. I could not... Maybe it was bad input from me. I don't know. I just... I could not get it together. Yeah. All right. So, you in 08, you did a couple of races. You did uh, Glen Helen and Millville. Yeah. What was that about? Just... To keep my point. Shits and goes. Oh, keep your number. Mm -hmm. I did it at Glen Helen, but I just went back to Milbo because a friend lived back there. And okay. That was cool. Cool. So, 21 years you raced. I tried to get keep my number in 09 because I wanted to do a 40 tour in 2010. And that's when they the merged with MX Sports and... They had the mechanics area right before the finish, and we were missed. The guys would miss the. It was weird that guys going back to the mechanic were tripping the time. So in the second practice, mm -hmm. and um, one of my old mechanics, Kyle Bentley, he texted me like a week and a half prior, two weeks prior, and texted me, "Hey, good job, uh, Lucky and I'm all, What's up?" He's all, "You were matching Villapoto practicing," and I'm like, "Oh." Cool. I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention. So going into Glen Helen, I, I was thinking, okay, you know, get my point and still keep my number. And first practice was mud, just complete disaster. And so I just cruised. And then second practice, I'm in front of Villapoto. So I'm like, he's behind me somewhere. I lit it up three, three laps. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. So let him go, and I sat on him. But they didn't allow the times for the second practice. Why? It was too jumbled. Oh, because you, you couldn't tell which was a fast, slow. It was all messed up, and so I had to go to the last chance, and I started last gate. Never lifted going into Talladega, and came out fifth, and then stalled my bike. Uh -huh. And that was pre-electric start. Yeah. And then I called AMA, hey, can I get my buy year? Because I want to do a 40 tour and I'd, I'd tree turn at, um, at a Mammoth. I mm -hmm. was riding the vet class. And the front end stepped out and my good shoulder fell out. Mm -hmm. And I, so then I called AMA and they said, yeah, you're good. And then the numbers came out and they were. They gave it to Nick or who got it? I forget. No, I, Nick had it before me. Um, I forget. I want to say it was. Uh, oh, uh, Plessinger. Nope. 
Didn't he have 23 for a while? No. Um, dang it. No, anyway. Uh, yeah, um, he was at, um, he was at, um, JGR. Um, Sumi, Grant, uh, Josh Summy, he was on my team, he was teammate. Again, like Larry Ward, laughing every, yeah. that guy's awesome. I don't know him very well. Good oh, he's know. cool. Huh. Yeah. He, just the stories he'd tell and yeah. like he's, um, I think he's head dog, one of the big dogs in his riding club, motorcycle club, uh, Southern Gentleman. Southern, uh, Southern Gentleman. Huh. Um, but to knit his initiation into it, I think he had to ride through snowstorm on the bike naked through his town. Yeah, <laughs> I, I won't be a member of that club. <laughs> so you guys have a good time. I'll buy a t-shirt. Non-stop, non-stop. That's funny. Um, so how hard was it for you to say, all right, I'm done? I mean, that's a long time to race. Um, it was... Well, I got involved with, um, right when I retired, I got involved with CalGuard, okay. um, which I was the first mini rider to be sponsored by them when they were down in um, San Fernando Valley. Fast forward to 07, when I'm retiring, the guy that worked there, he had an aerospace company and brought me on board. And, and okay. then it was, I was still involved. I was testing the oils, I was testing all the product, and then I was going to the races. Um, Did you still like that? Or are you I was, just like, I tried oh, traveling again? I tried works and that just, I'm like two hours plus a lap. And I'm, I just, yeah, those guys are beasts. They're beasts. Yeah. yeah. So they don't get the credit they deserve. No. And then just beat your bike up. Like I, I was passing for third at, um, at a uh, house and that track's brutal. Boing! I bounce off up into the desert, <laughs> and uh, I blew my shock an hour in. Wow. I'd never been so tired on a dirt bike. I literally you finished. I finished. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on a pogo stick. Yeah. Uh, Did they have the little turn that went into the water, the rut? Uh, by the water, and then the water jump. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did it one year. There was a bush you had to go around. It got a big old rut in it that filled with water, and they were standing there with a bucket. They'd pour water. If you nodded your head, they'd pour water down your back while you're in the tunnel. Uh, it's uh, only they kept me alive. That's why I remember it. I was it, so that high. track's rough, huh? Rough. Yeah. I I did a story there. I rode a factory cowie, and <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, to answer your question, I was kind of burnt out from the whole ordeal the last couple of years, just not being able to ride like me, mm -hmm. and then. Um, yeah, I still stayed with it. Like I, I was working with kids and oil company and had some other companies. Just I was busy and going to the river, hanging out, and, um, just, just trying to find something I wanted to do. And the oil company thing was good. And we revamped the look and everything, and then boof, downturn. Oh, uh -huh. Yeah. And we were launching in 09. Mm. So it was like bad timing. Um, and then I, my number went away because I really wanted to, I really wanted to go just. Were you going to do all the nationals as mm -hmm. a 40 year old? Yeah. 
I was just gonna have a fire breather built that no fun to ride on the track, but go get whole shots and then back her down. Yeah, <laughs> cruise around and get a 20th. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Um, so how were those, you know, what, those next few years when kind of the oil company went away, what did you start doing? What did you kind of fall into? Was, it, was that the academy that um, came next or what were you doing in the interim there? Yeah, just kind of doing that and then figuring out, I had some business, uh, I had partners in a couple of companies, Calgard I was, I was owner of too. They went away and I lost some money quite a bit, but um, potential money as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just, one big one at the end, guy ripped me off for half a million. Um, Yikes. I moved down here, like, so this will be, December will be six years. And I, when I retired initially, before CalGuard was even a thing, there was, property that was designated in Lancaster for racing all type street and dirt okay and it wasn't really that expensive and I had a couple people that were interested in maybe opening up a, a really nice park okay and I wanted to do training facility and just do that route and then the oil gig came up and I'm like that's gonna be a lot of work a lot of time and this can be lifetime like if just keep you know yeah so I chose that and then that kind of went aside and everything kind of fell apart and I just had the reset and went to doing what I originally wanted to do and I'm here now yeah now um, how's the how's the training Academy going thankfully I'm blessed like I don't I've never advertised. I just keep gathering more and more kids. But from beginner to, well, one of the things that kind of set me back, um, I was working with Tickle and he came up and first day, you know, I was just goofing around, I hadn't just warming up and I over jumped this triple and it had a pothole and click my foot fell off and I'm like whoa what's that all about so I hit the next double and foot I'm like look down is the foot peg even there pull up in the turn and oh boy fire I snapped my Achilles oh you're kidding me I was just like oh this is no fun ow <laughs> my left I just rode over my truck get the boot off now I don't want to deal with this when it so my buddy pulled it off and then the pain went away no pain. What did your muscle knot up into a ball in your calf or anything? Or it it, it was yeah, it balled up. Yeah, but it I, didn't hurt after you pulled the boot up. Nope. I was like, whoa, this is weird. So I like I literally went, got it uh, looked at. Yep, it's torn. Scheduled uh, surgery for the next day, and because I guess it, you need to have it done right away, and. Tickle was done riding, went to my house, and we went through a workout, and then I didn't use my leg very much, but then the next day I had surgery. <laughs> How could you even walk with a torn Achilles? You can, you just can't have just no, you can only yeah. heal. You can't, yeah. you can't push. Yeah. There's no power. Brutal. Yeah, so, um, 
That one kind of took the wind out of the sails on riding. So do you ride much anymore these days? No, no tracks. I have no desire to no. be. You don't miss that, that, that at all? I, Glen Helen I'll ride. The jumps, there's not yeah. any big jumps there, but these tracks have so many big jumps and it's like, I get it, but I don't get it. Like, it, it should be a little bit more moto and then obviously supercross. Now it's like a hybrid almost. Yeah, it is. I agree with you. And like, we're going into uh, Ironman. Those jumps are no joke. Yep. Yeah, I don't love it. That's just the way it's going, though. I but I, I do I do trail ride. I have an awesome trail bike. Um, I wish Honda made a two-stroke. Sorry, Honda. I'm still, <laughs> I bleed red. I do. Um, but Honda, uh, they they gave me a, a bike this year. I didn't get to ride it too much because I had a, um, a ventral hernia and a hole in my ab. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you ever get it patched? Or like uh, yeah, mesh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I haven't been able, like prior to that, every time I go do activity, it would kind of tear and get a little bruising. So taking a little lazy on that. Well, it just leads into not a lot of activity. So, well, like, what about when it rains up in the, you know, out in the hills in the wintertime? Tell me you don't go out and still hit the chocolate cake tracks. Um, not the tracks, the trails. Really? Yeah. Right. I'm, I have a Husky 300 that is just. Trail machine. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, and have it uh, like the setup that Schmidt did for me. It's just Cadillac. Mm. Tell me this: we just, you know, Loretta's just wrapped up here not too long ago, and you're coaching a lot of these younger kids. What do you? What advice do you give them on that whole amateur motocross journey? You know, from setting expectations to. Loretta's itself to expectations at Loretta's or nah, just in general for these kids. I mean, it's such a hard sport to make it in. I mean, you almost want to go, really? This is what you guys want to do. Huh? I, mean, I, I do say that I do, but on the same token, I know what that passion is. Yeah. So it's a hard, it's a fine line. You, you want to help them cause you want them to be good the best they can be and keep them safe, you know? Um, that, that's a tough one because I don't, I, ho I hope I don't get fucked from this, but I just think it's a big money machine, Loretta's is. Um, what do you get out of it? Like, really? You, there's no rides being handed out anymore. Like, when I was doing it, I was getting we'd get paid to go there not paid like salary but expense money like i mean sure deegan's making money but the the, the other the families they're yeah that thing had to have cost 10 grand oh the, the expense and the time i just i don't know how people do it i don't know how they do it it's crazy to me and if there was an end for it i'd be yes go and i'm working on something to have for these kids that, okay, you don't want to, you're not going to go to all the nationals or you can't, you're not a top 40 guy, right? Or, mm -hmm. and we're working on some stuff for women's cause they have, they're, that's terrible. They have nothing. Mm -hmm. And two of my girls, one got first, one got third. 
where do they go? Where do they go That's to really make money? It's really the pinnacle for them. Yeah, where do they go to make money? They can't. So I'm working on stuff. I partnered with a, a guy from up by you. <laughs> up in Montana? Montana, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called Dream Chasers 2-3 uh, Racing. Okay. Um, we're working on scheduling and we want to put on some races and try to get... I remember back when I was coming through the Golden State and the Trans Cal, Stu Peters did a really good job providing a place to make money for pros. Yep. So, and I made money even through sponsors uh, on 80s. So, but just building a platform and then getting some sort of streaming or TV behind it, that's, we're looking at three to five years, but that's funny you asked me about that question. I, I really, really get upset because I love this sport, that there's, there's, there's just no, no end use yeah. unless you're a top guy. And yeah, it's, it's this very, it's this funnel that comes down to just a drip at the end and only the small, small handful of the guys get a chance and then only a fraction of them go on to have lucrative careers. I mean, they just announced that they're partnering, they're finally merged and they said there's $10 million in purse for both series. Sounds like a lot, but the top NASCAR guy gets, what, $15 million at the end of the year? Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> that's one golf tournament. Yeah. You know, winner of one golf tournament makes more than that price. So, um, so what do I tell them? I, I go, you know, if you want to do it, let's go do it and let's work. You know, I don't, I don't discourage it, but I go, this is, I went to the very first one, like literally parked next to the Coombs. My dad helped Davey's dad put Tim's bike together till like three in the morning mm. to get him on the track. So my opinion is probably not the best because it just, I've watched it grow, but when it first was there, there was so much for you. Rides would come out of it. If you won Loretta's, you would get mm. help from the factory. Well, it was a different time. And this was, you know, Dave Coombs was really instrumental in trying to get these East Coast riders some publicity. Mm. Because if you didn't live in California back in the 80s, you didn't exist. Right. You know, it was very hard for those East Coast guys. They had to come out West and beat everybody and get in front of, you know, some of these manufacturers. Well, now... It, it, it doesn't matter where you live, right? Between social media and, you know, well, everyone Social can... media is kind of bugs me too because you can be insta-famous and get deals. <laughs> I know. Well, that's a whole other topic I don't want to dive down. But, the, the, you know, it's definitely changed. And um, I think as far as having to go to Loretta Lynn's to get exposure, not necessarily the case anymore. Um, if you're competitive to win a championship, okay. Maybe make the trip, but I, I tell guys, go back there and try to create a memory. Yeah, Ex for Enjoy sure. that experience with your family. For sure. Work hard, be, do everything you can to do the best you can, but don't feel like if it doesn't come out with a win, right. or it doesn't go the way you want, that it's, well, that was all a big waste. You know, that that's the wrong way to look at it. For sure, you definitely want to create memories. Yeah, that's, that's the stuff that'll matter. Whether you go on to be Ricky Carmichael, 
or you do one year in pro and burn out. Right? You'll, you'll say, hey, that was fun. Remember when we went to Loretta's? That was awesome. What did, I wonder, I, it was weird because Justin Cooper, oh, and he gets second. I don't, did he even go to Loretta's? I'd have to go back and look, don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall. I mean, Dungey went one, once, right, and one, and then. He won one title there, I think, or went one year, yeah. I mean, you don't, there's guys that never won titles that went on to be great. Yeah, so. I mean, so is it necessary? I don't think so. Um, but like you're saying, if you want to go create memories, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. Per personally, I think the fact that they have C classes is absurd. Like, make some more classes for competitive classes. Like, if you're a novice, why? who cares if you're the novice world champion? Or why, don't they champion? Do, why don't they do any... Um, novice intermediate expert in 65s it's just age and 85 it's just age so when I was mm. I was doing it it was you you had pecking order mm. so yeah you can be a champion and then move up and be a champion move up and gradually do it rather than racing with the you have the the 40th slow kid in the nation there <laughs> and 40th uh, and the 40th fastest yeah you know you know what i mean like i just think 250c and 450b are like the most ridiculous classes because who gives a shit you're the 450c champion awesome it, but if but it, here's where you can look at it differently they look at the times so if you're matching if you're a c rider matching b times right Okay, let's give him some help, groom him on the B, and then see if his times are with A. Yeah, I which, suppose. I just think it's silly to me, you, you know. If it's supposed to be to, I guess, what's the end goal, like you're saying? Is this because these kids want to eventually become pros? Of course. Then why do we have vet classes? You know, those guys aren't going to make it pro. So, so what is, I guess, what's the end goal? Well, there seems crazy. To I me. guess if, <laughs> yeah. if you look at it through Loretta's, the, I mean, the, what Loretta's is, they're creating a memory for people. So that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. And that, that's why I tell people, make that your focus. Yeah. So, but they're, they're creating this and it can't be done just off of pros. So if everyone but my point I'd rather see to your point like some maybe some of those mini classes be split into a B or however they do it within the age groups add some more vet classes like I still don't think it's right that Mike Brown goes back and wins the 40 plus like <laughs> come on man like I, I get it nothing wrong with him going but there should be a class for that vet yeah. uh, you know super senior or something. super senior yeah. <laughs> super motocross but senior. he's gonna be the only one in there no, I mean, I mean there's Carson, I, Carson, Kiefer. There's that um, Kevin. Or, yeah, there's dudes. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think if you had a class specifically for that, you'd probably get more guys. I mean, you tell me you can't come up with forty guys across the nation. Maybe if they had a pro card, you're in this class. I think that's that's you can only ride two different. If you have a, if you've had a pro card, it's you have that to forty plus. Yeah, and, or pro sport. I think right isn't the other one. No, um, it's like the plus 30. Okay, whatever it is. I think. Anyway, we could rant, rant on that all for all day. Um, oh, tell, me, tell me what uh, else you've been up to. Oh, wait, I forgot. They, if you go to Glen Helen, doesn't show it, but I only rode the Vet Worlds once. 
and I won that in 08. And on the placard thing, on the Walk of Fame thing, mm -hmm. shows Duwok. I'm like, hey. They juked you? Yeah. I think I raced it the year you won it. Uh, uh, Rhino should have won, but he had a failure, hit a mechanical. Mm. And he was kicking my butt, but I had, I had Carl build me a, a really good bike, but it was just too much. The motor was too much. Oh, and I couldn't hang on to it. Yeah. Got the starts, but I couldn't hang on to it. Um, what else are you up to? What do you do for fun these days? Hmm. Good question. Lately, it's just been grinding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're a golfer. I mean, you said you had a place out of Havasu. Um, and I didn't use it much though. So that's why I got rid of it. But, uh, uh, Got a place for um, in Canyon Lake for my father-in-law. He has a ski boat. Mm. Um, that's what he his thing was. Um, driving tournament for tournaments like um, show skiing, like oh, pyramids okay. and stuff like that. Oh wow! Um, but he got in. He drove. Uh, he drove our first rig at in '94 for mm. Nolene. Mm. Um, then he got into that, and then he he worked for. Uh, Feld for, I think, well, it was Clear Channel, then Feld. Like, they used to keep their trailers at my Supercross track. Mm. All, all the Supercross trailers sat there because um, my father-in-law drove. But um, got him a house down here because he was living in Oregon right by Washougal, and we didn't get to see him much, and he's getting older, so we were hanging out with him. Um, kind of weird I got into cooking. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, it was weird when I racing, I... I didn't eat, I didn't like the smell of food in my house, so we'd um, eat out all the time. Barbecue and eat out. No mm -hmm. cooking in the house. I didn't like huh. it. I no food smell. Weird. That is weird. <laughs> now you enjoy it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. What about your kids? Um, is your daughter still acting? No, she, uh, um, she stopped to go to college. She did, she got her business degree. She did that her four years and three she just hammered it out um and then got into the real world working and she she works for a company in, down in el cajon um she's teaching uh line dancing um oh, cool. and djing she likes that um i don't know why uh, she was at she is a little lucky she was at route 91 and she oh. called me and people were getting hit around her. And then uh, I'm like, just run, get out of there, right? And then- you, well, you, She was on the phone with you? I was on my way home from Dodge, the amateur national. And uh, she calls me and she's like, I just, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. And I'm like, what, what, what? And um, so I'm like, just keep running, get out of there. And then she's in Tropicana and the windows get blown out of there. And I'm like, where are you at now? <laughs> where are these bullets going? Yeah, so a little crazy story behind that, but I don't feel like getting all political. Um, but You mean how this guy walked up that much ammo and stuff into a room and no one caught it, no cameras were on? Uh, yeah, we, I can dive into that rabbit hole with you all day. But, Something's um, real weird with that. I well, had a, one of my fireman buddy was there, tried to help somebody, and he got shot right through the bicep. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was arm up pretty good. She watched people get hit. But uh, then she, her group at, uh, at her college, um, 
Calutheran, they reintroduced line dancing and they had a big group of... Like country line dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she was DJing and teaching at uh, Borderline and we get a call like 11 o'clock, pop, pop. And she was that Borderline DJ. Oh. And her friend got her out the window, but she lost eight of her friends. You're kidding me. No. When um, was that shooting? Who, three years ago? Yeah, four. I vaguely, the I, next day the fire started. I vaguely remember yeah. that, but. Um, but uh, wow. so, so that's, this gets crazy. Um, you just keep running because she was going to go back and help. No, keep running. And so my wife gets on the phone and calls Borderline. And I'm listening. It's on, vo- on a speaker. And a guy picks up the phone. She says, hello? Hello? And the guy goes, hello? He goes, oh, hey, you're, you're open. He's like, what? You're open tonight. Uh, yeah. What time, what time do you close? Click. And we he know this. The shooter? Yeah, and we know this now. The timeline, he did himself right then because the FBI came to the house. They saw the call or something? Yeah, yeah. They, well, they, yeah, they did the timeline. And then right after that, a year after, I think, she's in Nashville when the Levi's store gets shot up and she's in it. <laughs> like, whoa, no more country for you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, country places. So I don't, maybe, maybe she's just facing her fears. I don't know. I don't get into it with her too much, but I'm happy because she's really good at it. Like they do a big country line dancing, I don't know it, it that uh, Staples. Okay. And they bring in 52 uh, instructors from all over the country here, right? All every state. They had her come in as a guest to teach. So and every and she goes to uh, um, not Coachella, but uh, stagecoach, and she leads the dancing and the honky tonk or something there. Hmm. But you have to win a competition and every year to go in for free and she wins. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so. That's cool. Does she just have one kid? Yep. Um, what are your what are your long-term plans? Like, do you think the coaching academy, like is that your sort of? Right now that's kind of what I'm liking doing. Um, I've, could I? <laughs> Few of my friends have, hey, come do this. You can make way more money. And I'm like, listen, it's not about money. I mean, I, I everyone needs to make money, right? Um, I pay my bills. I'm good. Um, but when you get like an old guy, I worked with um, during COVID. He's like, hey, I want to, I want some riding lessons. And comes, we went out to him at Supercross because that was one of the only tracks open. And. Uh, and he gets on the bike and I'm like, whoa, how long have you been riding? Like five years or whatever. Mm, okay. <laughs> and he could barely circulate. The, and it wasn't on the Supercross track. It was on the outdoor track, right? And I just gave him tips and movement and guiding him. And we did seven, I think seven sessions. Then we took him to Glen Helen. And... uh 
he like literally came up to me crying. You've changed my life on the bike. That's cool to see the progression. Well, he went from yeah. dead last, like beginner, and he got fourth in the novice. Hmm. So, was, so that kind of stuff you really can't buy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Hey, you got to be passionate about what you're doing, man. That sounds like sounds like you are. I love it. Well, our last question we always ask everybody is is how you want to be remembered in this sport. Hmm. It's hard, hard working. Hmm. It's hard working. Um, and hard working, and I never gave up. You know, I could have. Yeah. I didn't get a ride. Hey, screw this. Hey. I didn't. I created paths with like the guys at, well, to begin with, uh, my chiropractor when I was down. Um, mm -hmm. And the, Danny, he helped me, Danny Rubio and, and 90, and then guys like Clark Jones putting the team together and just always grinding and then Working with Triple X at the end there, we had a good run. Yeah. Um, uh, Kurt and Alan and me and our sponsors. O'Neill's always taking care of me, you know. Um, just just being around good people mm -hmm. enabled me to never give up, you know, just work. Well, you got, what, three Supercross wins to your credit? And three or four. AMA. 125, yep. Three, AMA. You got a third in the World Supercross Series. You got podiums in the big class inside and out. Mm -hmm. Japanese national champion. And 21 years Mickey professional Thompson racing. Champ. Yeah, yeah, Mickey Thompson championship. Multiple wins outside the country, too. Yeah. Supercrosses. Dude, that's a hell of a career. <laughs> I mean, you, you don't have those kind of numbers without being hardworking and being very... Uh, Stupid, I guess. <laughs> I was gonna say stubborn. <laughs> I was gonna say stubborn, but no. Anyway. So, sometimes I was just like, "Wow, what am I doing?" When you're sitting there, just another injury, or <laughs> or another delayed flight, or canceled flight, or just you're just going, "Oh, yeah, what is this all about?" But the cool part about Moto Two, you meet a lot, a lot of good people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you've made a hell of an impact on the sport, and, and I love to see that you're still doing it with your academy. If people want to find you, where do they go? Kyle Lewis 23 MX Academy on Instagram. Okay. Um, my Facebook, my wife takes care of that. I don't, so, okay. but I, you can find me there. Instagram, best place, all right? Yep. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks I, for having uh, me. I'm stoked we got to go through your story, and like I said, I'll bill you for the paper and the uh, printer ink. <laughs> all those, uh, all the years I had to print out, you son of a bitch. Hey, uh, thank you so much. All right. Thank uh, you. Stay tuned. We'll be back to wrap up the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back. I am here with Rich Swisher in our sponsor spotlight segment uh, with Motive. Rich, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Always awesome being here. We've had you on before, and... Um, you know, you're you're a very unique partner with us in that um, what you're trying to promote is is a company that's going out and doing uh, charity work essentially, uh, and and trying to create a whole new uh, 
business model. Uh, it's just very unique for us. And as such, it intrigues me and I'm very interested in it. I love it. I love the concept of it. And you guys are funded through Bitcoin. And in fact, your partnership fees were paid in Bitcoin. And so uh, that shows you that I believe in it for sure. And uh, But I want to hear an update about what's going on with Motive, what you guys have been up to. So let's start there. Tell me what's new. Well, I mean, a couple things right off that you'd said we're, we're a company that does charity. That, that brings up a response I got to my last episode that I did with you. So charity for us is, is a cuss word. Um, and it's not by definition, but so many people, um, when they are looking to do good and looking to help, they want to give. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of the most damaging things you can do to a society that's troubled. Think about, think about permanent welfare and how great that works for everybody, that sort of thing. And um, feed, some, a, feed a man for a day versus teaching him to fish, right? Like, right, exactly. I, I got you. Um, I didn't mean to swear at you. No, it really. says, hey, <laughs> I like cuss words. Um, the, I use them plenty, uh, just not that one. Um, the, I got a response back, and I don't remember exactly what it was. We, we took that episode, and we put it out on our social media, and somebody uh, sent back, like, wow, I bet Rich just feels horrible for trying to help these people and doing such a terrible thing to them now that Bitcoin has... You know, the price, oh, those poor dregs. I hope they didn't have to try to buy their clothes with this Bitcoin. And I, you know, my first response, of course, was like, oh, yeah? Um, you know, I got a, little, got a little defensive. But I was, when I thought about it, he thinks we're out just buying things for people with, or we're giving them, stacking a bunch of money on them so they can buy. And that's not what we do. We, we have our five E's. And the first three are educate them, then equip them, and then empower them. Um, for me personally, that's what Christ did when he came. Yeah. First he educated us, and then he equipped us with the word, and then he empowered us to go out. And, and for anyone trying to get a leg up, that's what they need. They mm-hmm. don't need a hand yeah. up, handout. So um, that, uh, you know, what we've, what we've been doing leads me to kind of the update. Um, we've been expanding. We have 16 small circular economies now. Bitcoin circular economies, circular Bitcoin economies, whichever way uh, people say it, different ways, down there to where people are earning money um, in Bitcoin. They are able to buy their necessities in Bitcoin. Um, And the, the retail establishments they buy from, the services and products they buy from, they're buying, they're able to buy in Bitcoin. And now, I think I was talking to my uh, co-founder down there in Peru today, 117 different establishments um, of, of all size. Many of those are micro businesses. Some are good sized businesses. One's a shoe factory. Um, and then they, those, those places receive pay out of that Bitcoin. That's so they're being paid. So they're going out and spending in it. And then we've worked on getting their wholesalers so that that, that business can actually spend some of that in Bitcoin, that's a trickier level to get to. And now we're even working on some producers. Like we're working on some really cool um, farming initiatives. Um, nutrition and complete lack of knowledge about nutrition is a big thing there. So we're able to, we're able to um, really kill a lot of birds with one stone yeah. at each step. So hitting that full cycle where you have, I'm earning my money in Bitcoin, I'm buying my, I'm, you know, I don't think we have places that they can pay their rent yet, but their utility bills, their cell phone, um, food, they can get clothing, they can get shoes. Necessities. Um, yeah. And 
than um, that business being able to get goods in Bitcoin um, has been helping. So now uh, I was surprised that it's up to 117, um, which is pretty large. And we're in three different regions in Peru, um, but heaviest in like the Cusco, Sacred Valley area and um, all throughout the Andes kind of with that one. And then Lima, various municipalities in Lima. It's like 11 million um, people city. So they operate in little hubs. So it's yeah. not spread over 11 million. They try to focus them. And the economies aren't pure Bitcoin. Um, they still, you know, goods are denominated in fiat currency. It's not like, I, I want that hamburger for, you know, uh, a million Satoshis. You, you still, it's going to be a number of down there. It's soulless, and, but you can transact in Bitcoin. And one of the things that, like this, this guy that responded, what he didn't understand, and I don't know that I really hit this well when I responded back, but is that these people can't have a bank account. They cannot have anywhere to store money. They have nowhere where they can go they to... They don't have ID, do they? Like a lot no. of these are just, they're ghosts, yes. essentially. No, I mean, the massive part of their population has no birth record, no record of their existence. When the government is trying to help them, they can't because they don't know how many people there are. They don't know who they are. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's um, now because of this app on their phone, they can bank. They can have a separate account where they can tuck money aside, um, which is really important when you're when you're operating heavily in Bitcoin. You've got to have reserves out there. Reserves, um, the more you can build them up, when you get these spikes, they talk about volatility. Volatility, and everyone talks about the dip. There's also been some massive yeah. upshoots. I mean, we started, and Bitcoin was in the seven thousand range, and then it went up to seventy thousand. So there's a lot of people that did well like that. That's what helps them ride out the storms if they operate correctly, um, if they have reserves correctly. Um, they, can, uh, they can transact, they can receive money from overseas with virtually no fee. Like, you know, you send 50 grand down there and it costs you a dollar, um, which is unheard of. Um, the, uh, they don't really get to, a lot of people say, oh yeah, you're getting it and you're cashing it out. You know, a lot of, a lot of the places that are um, doing similar types of um, similar types of work, it's, it's infusing that economy, like maybe a tourist location, it's infusing the economy with Bitcoin. Um, then to make that into a circular economy, you really got to focus, um, really got to focus on getting those parts that I talked about. Make people earn it in Bitcoin. Yeah. Have them be able to pay for their goods in that. And some of the places are doing a great job with that. Um, with ours, they don't have a bank account. It's not like they can cash it out for an exchange. Some of them could, and I don't know that any of any of the people we have so many people. Um, I don't know if any of them are trading it, selling it for cash. Like, okay, I'll give you some. I'll give you ten dollars for the Bitcoin. Give me fifteen bucks. Um, but they could do that. Um, so it it brings them a completely different understanding, along with all of the all of the educational classes that we put on, and that's yeah. a big heavy part of his education. We teach them what it is, and we have to, you know, and it, it's tough to take somebody with, uh, many of them with zero education, some of them with elementary school, junior high maybe, to teach them what a central bank is. You talk to most people in America, they don't realize it. <laughs> Government don't print the money. Government don't have the money. Central bank does. Central bank has control of this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, this year we've seen some of the benefits to that in being able to sanction Russia. But Russia was able to overcome those sanctions in large part now. When they, when, when you, uh, recent um, uh, interviews and polling and stuff shows that 
Russians aren't really feeling the big giant pinch from that. Maybe the oligarchs are. Um, I don't think Putin is. He's still doing pretty well on energy and whatnot. But um, the so it, there's that kind of benefit to fiat currency, but it's actually not not playing out, not panning out. Mm -hmm. You have the giant war between you know China wanting to become the world reserve currency, U.S. needing to stay in that position. That's a huge battle. Well, what if finance was taken out of it altogether, and it was just in a in an an asset or a currency or a store of value, whichever you want to consider it, it's all three. What if um, none of them could control that because they've all tried to control, well, the U.S. hasn't, but uh, Russia's cracked down hard on Bitcoin or tried different things. China has tried to stop it and they can't. Um, what if finance got put into that and taken out of the equation? And there's arguments on both sides. Well, then sanctions, you can't really hurt them that bad. Okay, well, then they also can't, uh, they can't hide things as well. They can't. They can't steal yeah. as yeah. easy. They can't seize. Um, so we've we've expanded to a lot of different businesses, and it can't be corrupted. Yeah, it, that, it, that's the part about it that I really like. It can't be manipulated. Yeah. It can't be withdrawn. Any other coin can be can be seized. Can be taken back. They're all owned, except Bitcoin. They're owned by a company or a nation, and the right pressure goes on them, they can pull it back. Right. Um, Ethereum had to do that. It was, they were correcting a theft um, or, or a fraudulent thing, but they were able to turn the table back and remove that transaction and they had none, which is cool when you're looking at theft, but when you're looking at, no, I want sovereignty of what I hold. I don't want, uh, gold is a good store of money, uh, store of wealth. I don't want the government holding my gold. If I'm holding gold because I know, okay, no one can come and take it from me, well, and I have to have custody of it. I have to store it. And that's really cumbersome. Yeah. Not easy to transact in. Bars of gold are yeah. a little tough. Yeah, I have never tried to buy anything on Amazon with bars of gold, but I don't think it'd go well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're teaching, um, teaching that. Um, and we've certainly been teaching it through uh, very interesting times, through, through all the Russia stuff, through uh, this recession and financial crisis. Um, through inflation um, and thankfully we had thought about uh, when we saw the big upsides the first thing I think about is okay well things go up they fall down um, and we had set up good reserves um, for our people a good reserve plan um, and uh, so that's been exciting and now we're introducing we're going into sports um, and reaching out to a lot more youth um, through sports and sport leagues um, and we've got some we've got some amazing opportunities in Argentina that I'm just kind of waiting waiting on the right time to pull the trigger um, to now branch and, and double into Argentina and um, and then in Peru where we're already at we're gonna go big onto onto those kind of things because it catches everyone's attention the other side is most of our programs really pull the moms in for the most part, uh, the moms are running the family and the dads are three sheets to the wind. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, that's kind of, that's the culture down there. Um, things go bad, the dad's out. And uh, it's not, not all their fault. The moms look at, sometimes looking at, um, well, this is how I'm gonna secure an income. I'm gonna have kids by a moto taxi guy because moto taxi guys make money. Um, and so we're really trying to help put that family back together again or set it up well and it's so hard to reach the dads unless sports then the dad's there 
their boys playing their boys playing soccer i'll be there well now so we're getting more reach with them so we're getting the reach with the dads in in business um with some really cool uh, vocational um programs but now i think sports will bring a lot more in so well that's awesome um you know, I, I love seeing what you guys are doing, and, and you're you know you're about action, not yeah. just well. Here's what here's what we think would be great. It's like you guys just get your hands dirty right away. Yeah, I love that. Um, tell me a little bit how this you know as the economy has continued to nosedive here. Uh, there's been a inflation spike. There's been a dip of everything, whether it's residential, um, gold has dipped. I mean, everything's dipping. Bitcoin has dipped as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that affected you guys, first of all, and then explain like why, why it's dipping. And is that normal? Is that something to expect? I mean, the stock market does this, but ultimately it's a, it's a net growth. Right. And I got to imagine Bitcoin's going to be the same way. So you got to, you want to buy the dip, ride out the, or ride them out, you know, don't panic and sell. Right. Um, but explain, just talk to me a little bit about that, how it's affected you and why you think this happened. All right, well, it affects, so. It affects our company, and then it affects the individuals who have who have put together companies that are running it on that, and individuals that are earning in that. Um, a lot of that, they're what they're earning is denominated in you know in their fiat currency anyway. If if uh, they're not um, earning necessarily a number of satoshis per month, um, the employees of my company are. So personally, we take a hit. Um, but we do that going in. When it goes up, you know, we know it's got to balance out. Um, for those companies, all of them, we we made it really clear. Like it's really important to start stacking away reserves because it's going to ride. It's going to ride a wave. And sometimes it might go high enough where it's time you make a key purchase that you can expand your business. Then you got to rebuild those up. Uh, other times you're going to have to dip back into that because it's taking that dive. Yeah. Um, our company had to do the exact same thing and we had to get, we had to get lean and trim. I could have done a better job in, in holding reserves. I kind of, we, we were doing so well with things that I, I was backing off on the fundraising side of it. And I realized, oh no, I, I need to have going. these reserves too. Um, the, but the reason why it's going, I mean, it's right now it's following, it's following the stock market pattern. It's also following monetary policy, um, you know. And I'm I'm no financial wizard, and please never take anything I say as any kind of professional financial advice. I'm not that guy, um, but I do understand understand uh, Bitcoin and its underlying technology and why it it does have intrinsic value. And most people, though, that are into it are into it as an investment tool. They're into it as um, okay, well, I can make money with this. Let me grab it. Let me see it go up. And people fall into fear cycles. They also get overextended on what their credit is and have to sell at bad times. Um, and with most people not realizing that the most important thing about it um, are these, these underlying principles um, that really show its highest value would be as a store of value or as a currency, not, not as an asset. Sure, I mean, money's an asset if you have it all tucked away. It's a liquid asset like Bitcoin would be. But really, you look at money as something that you spend. Um, or you look at gold as something, okay, I can, I can store this value here. But most people are looking at earning money off of it because um, it's the developed world that, is, that has all the Bitcoin. So in the undeveloped world, they're looking at it like, no, this is a store of value. This is my money. 
this is how we do this. So they view it very differently and they look at this ride and we have to explain to them that, well, all the wealthy people, all the wealthy gringos up here, um, we're trying to make a ton of money off of it and that's why we treat it like Apple stock or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and other coins like a penny stock. Um, it's one of the reasons why we would never use any coin other than Bitcoin in helping these people out because those can just be chopped to zero. Yeah. Bitcoin will never be chopped to zero yeah. and, unless, you know, uh, all computers worldwide are shut down permanently. Yeah, then, then it's not going to have any value. Um, but that's, it's impossible for that to happen. And what do you think is causing this dip? I mean, is it just any number of 10 things going on in the global economy? And Our nation changed its policies. I mean, we, we, we were energy independent. Now we're, now we're hurting, you know, gas prices at my town were up close to seven bucks a gallon. Oh. Um, the, uh, we, it, it, when it comes down to that policy, yeah, if you're going to elect the people that will run the economy into that situation, you're going to deal with these things. There's other negative things that can happen. I mean, it, it's when they, when the big housing bubble that then resulted in um, the fear and the panic that resulted in the 2008 crash. Um, but it's, it's policy and people's reaction to it and people's limited understanding of finance. And I'm no, I'm no wizard on it either. Um, but that's what, that's what makes people move this way. So I personally have, for my own self, have dug more into what is a currency? What, you know, what is an asset that I can store wealth in that I think in the long term is going to be good? And if long term is five years, um, I don't know what Bitcoin is going to do in five years. Long term is 20 years. We're very confident there. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that's where I put the vast majority of all of mine. Yeah. And I mean, you know, <clears throat> inflation is, is, the, is the one thing that collapses um, societies, right? The Roman Empire collapsed due to inflation. <clears throat> you know, you can go back to all of these major powers in the world. They all collapsed because of inflation. Inflation is caused because you printed more money. You either tax or you print more money, right? Those are the only two things causing inflation. The largely the two things. The great thing about Bitcoin, they cannot produce more. Right. So therefore it has a certain firewall against inflation. Now it's gonna follow the, the stock market or whatever the current financial trends are, but those are the things causing inflation, right? Well, it won't necessarily follow that. When, when people have a, when, when, the, when the masses, and the masses that own Bitcoin have a better understanding of what it is. They, they really are clueless to what it is right now. Um, that's why it follows that way. They look at it as like a stock, a stock with nothing behind it. What the heck? It's just digital. It can be erased. They don't understand. So it's the buyers it. and sellers that kind of caused this, yeah. this going on, right? Yeah. And, and Trying yeah. to make money with it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I've got, I've got friends that buy the shit coins um, and they're trading it like penny stocks. Some people know how to do that and earn money off that. I, I don't know how to do it. I'm not gonna, and I'm not a gambler. I don't go to Vegas and drop yeah, money. I yeah. drop money at the bar, not at, not <laughs> at the tables. Um, but the inflation, um, should, it should be a solid hedge against inflation because inflation, printing the extra money, but inflation is more than printing the extra money. Inflation, a small bit of inflation, be argued to be a really good thing and it should slowly rise. I mean, you can look at Bitcoin's price as, oh, it had, it had inflation. Did it go too high? You know, I, I don't think we've come anywhere near to being able to determine what the real value of one should be, of one Bitcoin should be. Um, I think we're a long way from it. Um, but when 
you know, like right now, big problem is we have inflation shooting up because of really asinine policies uh, that the majority of the country was all for. We just, we just threw another giant chunk at the Inflation Reduction Act that they've already, the media waited until it was done to come out and say, yeah, this really has nothing to do with inflation. This is a, this is a Green New Deal mm-hmm. thing. Um, but it's a big success. We, we tricked everyone and got it in. Why that doesn't anger the entire country, left and right, I don't get. I don't understand why, oh, you hoodwinked me, but you're on my team, so that's okay. It, you know, it, so that, that uh, if Ferrandis came and took Eli out in this next round, <laughs> I cleaned you out. Yeah, but you're on my team, so that's okay. No, no, it's not okay at all. Yeah. So that, that does that, but the real problem right, that we're having right now is we have inflation soaring and our interest rates are at zero. The way that you typically bring in, bring the inflation down is you start um, dropping, 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 and dropping taxes, lowering taxes, and and that's where that's where it's it's hurting. We're already really low. Uh, Dropping interest rates can't go below zero, so they're having to raise them. They're having to actually cause more pain to then cause a little bit of relief. Um, And and then the other thing is you would lower taxes. This thing they just passed and what they've done all along, what they're promising to do is raise more taxes. It, it, it's, it boggles my mind that anyone would ever be okay with or go along with anyone that is saying, A, we're mismanaging the shit out of your money, your tax money, and we don't keep a budget and we can just print more whenever we want, but we need to take more of yours. We need to take it away while prices are going up and they shouldn't be. They're only going up because of our policies. Maybe a little bit because of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, but not, not really that much. And they'd be okay with that being pressed forward. Kind of blows my mind. Um, what, what I believe is at a point in the future, um, if we take money out of their toolbox and they're not able to manipulate it like this, now they don't get to play that game with us anymore. They can still play horrible games with us. It could turn to more physical violence. Some people say, look, let them, you know, let them, let them make us poor. Let them, let them make us you know, have a really hard life. Don't, don't make them you know, throw us in the gulag or, or work camps. Um, I, I don't think it's going to go there. So I would rather them stay off of my money, quit, quit ruining the value of it. Um, so that's uh, not to go on a rant about that, but... That's what we're looking at. And I think just because of political cycles, we have a little ways to go. And who knows what's going to happen in the next one. We have, we have two parties that can't find their ass with both hands right now. <laughs> yes, so. we do. We certainly do. Um, so, all right, that's kind of the why. So give me an update on where Bitcoin's at. You know, it was at about 50 or 60 it, it, or its peak, it peak was 69, but okay. it really, it, it held right around 60 for quite a while. And it's down to 25-ish, 26 uh, last time I looked. It was like 23 a couple days ago, 21 now. Yeah, so okay. it's it's low low 20s right now. And so I'm sure there's people freaking out about that. I mean, what do you what do you say to those people? And what what are your thoughts on that with Bitcoin? I hate taking advantage of the ignorant, but that's what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm I'm still quite bullish. And yeah, right now is the time to buy. If you look at it, and you think based on the knowledge that you have that this could completely go away. Well, sell, sell now and call me. Um, <laughs> I will if, buy. Yeah, if I had any more money to buy, I would right now, but I, I've 
I've put it all in. Um, the last several paychecks, all in. Um, the um, where? Let's see what what the price floor can go to. I don't know. That's I mean, stock traders and whatnot would know that because really, right now, it's based on fear and panic. And you see runs on banks in China. China really not um, honoring um, their guarantees. Um, I've heard they were locking, you saw the news, they're locking people out of banks, not letting them get to their money. Yeah. And, and a run on a bank. I mean, a bank only has to hold 10%. And that's if they're following the rules. And we know banks don't really do a great job at following those rules. Um, but I would imagine, for the most part, they'll hold about 10% of it. The rest, they're going and investing. They're earning money. Like when you put your money in a savings account in a bank, if it's going to be there for a couple of weeks, okay, whatever. If it's, if it's going to be there for any length of time, put it in something that earns money. I mean, um, when, when I was, when I had um, an investor who was handling my money, I would get about a 10% return. He was really good. He got me 10% even during the 2008 timeframe. He, he did a fantastic job. Um, so that was between 12 and 15% usually each year with money that was sitting there. And I hear these people that have money sitting doing nothing. You could, I mean, I'm not giving financial advice. Put it into something that could grow. Either either buy something um, that will earn you more money, buy an item um, that will earn you more money, um, or invest in a company, whether it be a stock or you go in with somebody on something, um, but don't let it sit in a savings account that earns you less money than you're gonna, you know, it's Cost gonna- Cost of living rises. Yeah, it's, it, it goes above. You lose money by putting it in there and letting them make money on it. You can do exactly what they do. You've got that money, go invest it and have that, have that come back. and. With Bitcoin, for those looking to use it as a store of value, man, when it's at when it's at a really big low like this, it's nuts. Not the I I really went all in when it hit thirty. I just dumped everything in. So yeah, right now I'm down. I ain't gonna stay down. Yeah. Um, now if if I were to, I'm I'm dealing with my medical condition and dealing with my bills actually haven't been that bad. But let's say it gets catastrophic, and let's say I can't work at all. Um, I might have to sell at a bad time. Well, it's the way. What else, What could I put it in that wouldn't be? Put it in cash, you know? Um, a, if I have it in, in cash and it's in the bank, I could, if there was a big run, they can limit you. Like in Argentina right now, I think you're only allowed to draw $200 out of the bank a month. Not allowed to take any more out. Hmm. They, they own your money. They have your money. I'm a little bit more into autonomy and, and sovereignty and freedom than that. If it's in gold in my house, I'm just limited in how, and it's very limited to be able to transact in that. Yeah. Um, whereas Bitcoin is quite simple um, to be able to transact in that, to, to trade it over to anything else, um, if, to, to cash it out, to do whatever. But I really look at it, now it's, um, it, it, it's got, it has way more to do with being a currency, being the money, and being a store of value than it does an asset. One of the things that really, kind of hit home with me was when we we talk about if you own real estate you've still got to pay property tax you got to upkeep the, the property if something breaks it's on you to fix it um you know th there there's taxes there, there's expense with everything else where you put your money to store it right gold like you said does hold its value but where am i going to put a bunch of bars of gold <clears throat> that's the great thing about bitcoin is is i i like the store of wealth uh component to it where you can put money into it. The government isn't going to be able to reach it. It's safe. Uh, you just have to kind of 
play the long term. It, and, it, and it's liquid. Yeah. If you do end up in a pinch, it's easy yeah. to move it at that time where I, I'm a believer in real estate for sure as well. That too. Down markets. Yeah, yeah. that has that. And it's just a lot harder to sell it when, um, it, depending on. Sometimes it's quick. Yeah. Um, other times it, it, it'll take longer. Um, but so anyway, not to go too far off on that. It, one of the things you talked about was um, that, that we like to push. The reason we're called motive is about getting out there and taking action and doing things. Um, the, um, rather than sitting around talking about it and pontificating. And one of the things I didn't respond to this guy, I really didn't want to roast this guy. I think he had good intentions. I, I looked at his YouTube channel. He takes his family on vacations into like third world places. Um, I think that's great. He's taking his kids and showing them, Hey, we live in a wonderful bubble here. Not everybody is blessed like us. Um, but, uh, I don't know, it didn't see, and maybe he does do a bunch of things, but one of the things we like to do is, yeah, yeah, we go there and we show our kids, but then we show our kids that you are blessed, so do something. Yeah. Um, just because you're blessed, don't go like, woohoo, glad I'm not you, sucker. You know, like, yeah. okay, what can you do? That's how we started, and it's another, we just put out a, uh, we just started kind of raising our awareness. We had to make these circular economies and our programs work before we could publicize it. Um, where a lot of people in our space, they actually publicize to make their thing work. So we, we start from behind the eight ball and uh, one of our press releases missed how we got started and why we're doing this. And it was something I, I hope this guy would, would understand better. Um, me and my co-founder were building a playground and we saw, saw a tragedy unfolding in front of our eyes. And we saw that uh, 5% roughly, in the one village we were in, but there's tons of very, very, very similar villages all over. 5% of the kids were dying each year because of medical conditions related to exposure to cold, especially in their feet. And we decided we had to do something. Both the organizations we worked with, it was, it was outside their scope. No ding on them, wasn't their thing, but rather than sit around and talk about it, we figured out how much it would cost, we got the money, and we started uh, the program where we would get a pair of like athletic hiking boots, uh, seven pairs of socks, two visits by a podologist per year, and uh, we've not had a death in one of those villages related to those things yet. And we have thousands of kids in the program now. That's um, awesome. So you can add that up and do the math there. Um, what, we, what we've learned since then, we didn't realize is most kids weren't making it through, well, not, I shouldn't say most kids, many kids there were not making it through the school year because their walk to school might be 10 miles and round trip and, and maybe worse in other places, but their footwear wears out, they can't make that walk. They ain't going to school and you, you can't ding their parents for it. The kid will die, you know, they're yeah. getting these diseases. So yeah. it, it has, by jumping in and doing to help one problem, saving lives, um, those that were suffering from crippling uh, conditions due to having poor circulation in their feet, we're, we're eliminating that and and come to find out we're also keeping kids in school and bringing them through that while giving them an education in healthcare a little bit like foot care those pathologists it's an educational program as well as a medical checkup um, educating the, the families on that um, and the and we're educating them a little bit on basic economics true um, and I don't know that economics is even the word for it but understanding what money is, what currency is, um, who, who controls it, who sets the value, 
um, and a little bit about why it does things. And these kids have seen, you know, that among a few other things that we do change their lives. Um, they're getting a big leg up on those that we haven't got to yet. So we hope to keep expanding. Um, anyone that wants to help, go to uh, M-O-T-I-V, motive, with no E on the end, dot N-G-O. Um, you can donate there on the site. We are a 501c3 um, tax deductible. Won't cost you anything. If, if, if you donate correctly, it'll, it'll be a wash for you in the taxes. Um, and the more, the more we can expand it, um, the more lives we save, the more lives we change. And hopefully, you know, what, what we do, we, we want to teach these people how they have taken knowledge and been able to apply it and raise themselves out of dire situations. When that level of society comes out of a dire situation, all levels of society benefit, except for those trying to take advantage of the ones at the bottom. And I don't know, I'm happy with them being my enemy. Yeah, that's just fine for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. you guys are doing awesome work, man. And um, I'm just stoked to have you guys partnered with us. And anyway, we can shine a light on what you're doing and hopefully help promote that. We're all about it. Right on. So I'm, I'm stoked to stoked to be back around the, the moto community. It's yeah. cool. Um, we just got, I got to sit in and watch um, a good friend, uh, Kyle Lewis's interview and just hearing you all talk brought me back to back in the good old days. So it was cool. Yeah, uh, you were an agent. I didn't realize you probably put my deal together for that Portugal race we were talking about. Could be, man, I couldn't, I, I'm getting old and I, I don't know, I got it's been a long mush time. brain, yeah. but yeah, it was, um, I bet it was. Uh, if you got paid out of that deal, I put your deal. I together. didn't go unless I got paid. Because well, everyone else, everyone else got. I remember everyone got stiffed at that one, and I got into a big, big shouting match um, with the promoter. It was kind of a kind of a scene, and then Kyle getting hurt, and it was a uh, yeah, lots of overseas stories were they were fun. Yeah, they sure were. Well, come back and see us again soon. Keep us updated on what's going on and um, motive.ngo. M-O-T-I-V, no E on the end, doesn't make sense. Um, so <laughs> motive.ngo, and yeah, and follow us on uh, Instagram, YouTube, or anything. It's um, motive.ngo.global. Awesome. Yep, Thank yep. you so much for coming on, Rich. Thank you, It's sir. always a pleasure to see you. So. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up the show. Stay tuned. I want to be bad with you, girl, like we're All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in to the Whiskey Throttle Show. We appreciate you swinging by. Uh, I want to thank Kyle Lewis for taking the time. An amazing career. I don't know a lot of guys that made it 21 years racing professionally uh, and still can walk. It's impressive. And um, he accomplished a lot. Definitely a different career path than uh, what we would typically see out of a guy. But uh, it just shows his tenacity and grittiness and uh, his willingness to kind of continue to race no matter what. Uh, so anyway... Appreciate it. I appreciate you guys watching and uh, please support our sponsors. They're the ones that keep this show coming to you. We'll see you next week. The Whiskey Throttle Show is brought to you by Yamaha. Join the Blue Crew today and take advantage of all that Yamaha has to offer, including amateur racing trackside support, awesome Yamaha contingency, Jason Rain's demos and instructional classes, and frankly, the most high-performing motorcycles available on the market today. Whether you're looking for a four-stroke, a two-stroke, a side-by-side, -side, a quad, a boat, a generator. Yamaha prides themselves on absolute top-level quality and reliability. Rev your heart with Yamaha and join the Blue Crew today. Sore necks, aching legs, tight backs. Our bodies aren't designed to be constantly tense, but what can we do about it? 
Help your body relax with TheraBody. TheraBody creates effective, natural solutions to take charge of your daily wellness. By combining education, innovation, and over a decade of pioneering technology, TheraBody makes wellness more accessible for everybody. A traumatic motorcycle accident led TheraBody founder Dr. Jason Westland to create the Theragun for his debilitating pain. Now the Theragun, the only physician-created percussive therapy device, uses a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power to relax and release your deep muscle tension. Recovery Air is TheraBody's world-leading pressure compression therapy system that flushes out leg soreness so you can bring on peak performance. Most electrical muscle stimulation is ineffective. Instead, TheraBody's sleek PowerDot takes away the guesswork with an intuitive app that customizes intensity and placement so you recover faster. Regular foam rollers hurt. TheraBody's Wave Series delivers powerful vibration and pressure to help you recover with less pain. Don't settle for mystery CBD. TheraBody's TheraOne range of topical and ingestible full-spectrum USDA-certified organic CBD products are redefining high-potency CBD for wellness and recovery. 250 professional sports teams exclusively use Theragun and other TheraBody products to take recovery into their own hands. Method Race Wheels, bringing you the lightest, strongest, fastest wheels in off-road for your truck, van, sprinter, UTV, or SUV. They've been dominating the Baja 500 and 1000 and every major off-road event around the world for years with high quality and performance. They also look amazing. They come in a bunch of different styles and colors for your rig, so check them out. You can get 20% off a set of wheels using our code Whiskey Throttle. No capitals, no spaces. 20% off using our code. Check them out. Also, coming soon, the R1M Project. Method Race Wheels makes a dive into the motocross world. Stay tuned. Troy Lee Designs is the leader in off-road motocross apparel and style. So whether you're looking for a cool new paint job for your helmet, maybe your name and number on your helmet lettered on, you're looking for new gear, you're looking for mountain bike gear, off-road gear, they've got the brand new Scout line and GP and SE models. Troy Lee Designs has it all. They've been leading this industry for decades, and they're going to continue to do it. Check out TroyLeeDesigns.com. SKDA is a moto graphics and seat covers company with several offices based around the globe. For too long, bikes and graphics have all looked the same. They just start to blend together. SKDA is working to change that. With super clean and unique design work, a bike with SKDA graphics stands out in a crowd and adds a touch of art to the world of moto. Hey, we need that. SKDA prides itself on providing premium customer service both before and after the sale is made. Visit SKDA online to view the current product range and get in touch with their team to get your bike refreshed. I want to just make a, a mention here that these guys, not only is their design way outside the box, very, very cool. They'll work with you on custom things. The, the products are incredible, okay? They'll speak for themselves. But what's really awesome, and you'll notice this the minute you order one of these, man, they give you an email saying, hey, the product's been shipped. Uh, hey, the product is here. It landed in this spot. Hey, it's coming today. Hey, your product's been delivered. They, they're just so good about staying in touch with you and letting you know where it's at. Customer service is 100%, and uh, that's just something that's rare these days. Check out SKDA. Here at the Whiskey Throttle Show, we're all about supporting brands that support our sport. And there's one tire company that has never walked away from the sport of motocross and supercross, and it's Dunlop. When times got tough and the economy took a crash, Dunlop stepped up and stayed with our sport to support it and the athletes and individuals that love it. Their MX-53 line and MX-33 lines absolutely dominate this sport. Every national championship at the pro level has been won in the last decade, and nearly every single amateur national championship at Loretta Lynn's has been won on a Dunlop. So if you're looking for high performance, you're looking for 
amazing quality, and you're looking to support a brand that never turns its back on our sport, there's only one choice for you, and it's Dunlop. Pro Circuit is the leader in aftermarket performance and quality. Whether you're looking for a little more horsepower out of your engine, some quality hard parts to improve the way your bike feels and looks, better handling through suspension or linkage or linkage arms, Pro Circuit is where you need to stop. It's your one-stop shop. You can go in there and get everything you need to make your motorcycle go from average to exceptional. Pro Circuit's got enough number one plates on their wall to side an entire home, and there's a reason for that. They're very, very good at what they do. Uh, the highest quality products with one goal in mind, and that's winning. Check out ProCircuit.com. Nihilo Concepts is leading the way in aftermarket hard parts. With their secondary on-switch device, something that was much needed in this sport, they've been innovating and bringing new products to market. Their latest is the new Nihilo Run-Cool Brake Pistons. They're designed to be stronger than stock and provide exceptional cooling performance with less brake drag. Most OEM caliper pistons are made from aluminum that just can't hold up to the heat and extreme demands of serious racing. When they get hot, the aluminum will distort, causing loss of hydraulic pressure and brake failure. Nihilo's run-cool pistons limit the area that boiling hot hydraulic fluid is able to come in contact with the piston, leaving two-thirds of the piston volume in open air with breather holes to enhance the cooling ability. It's made of a proprietary stainless blend, which is better at dissipating heat. You have issues with brake fade or brake failure, check out Nihilo Concepts among their many amazing hard parts and carbon fiber parts and titanium. NihiloConcepts.com. Senna is the leader in motorcycle helmet communications. There's really two prongs to why this is important. One of them is safety. If you're a dad who's watching your kid out on a track, being able to communicate with him about a rider down or a track situation is imperative. You don't want him coming over a jump and seeing a rider down and getting himself involved in that. So from a safety aspect, it's huge. You can also coach them. So if you see them taking a line, doing something that they could be improved, it's very easy to just click a button and speak to them right in their helmet in real time. This has been a proven coaching technique used by many motorcycle coaches. There's also just the simple fun factor. Being able to chat with your buddy while you're out on a ride, share music between one another, answer phone calls, it just takes your riding experience to another level. So whether you're using the 50S or 50R connected through a mesh network in your helmet, or you're using a Tough Talk headset connected with one of those, Senna is the leader in quality and performance in motorcycle helmet communications. Check them out at Senna.com. Seat Concepts is the leader in motorcycle saddles. If you're looking for a new cover or a new seat entirely, Seat Concepts is the place to go. They make custom seat foams catered to your height, weight, riding ability, riding type. They also have waterproof covers and, and foams that will not break down if you ride in a lot of inclement weather. And they pride themselves on being much more comfortable than OEM or any other aftermarket company. If you're looking for a new seat or a new cover, Seat Concepts, there's nothing better. Need to replace something on your bike that's worn out? Look no further than Pro-X. These guys aim to make everything OEM quality or better at an affordable price. And they've also got some new products coming. So right now, chains, sprockets, anything inside the, in the engine internally, air filters. If it wears out, Pro-X makes it, and they make it at a quality level that's OEM or better. And they've got some new things coming that are awesome. A complete engine rebuild kits for the Polaris RZR 800s. Need to replace something on your bike that's worn out? Look no further than Pro-X. These guys aim to make everything OEM quality or better at an affordable price. 
And they've also got some new products coming. So right now, chains, sprockets, anything inside the, in the engine internally, air filters. If it wears out, Pro-X makes it, and they make it at a quality level that's OEM or better. And they've got some new things coming that are awesome. A complete engine rebuild kits for the... If you've got a little Grom that's looking to get started in the motorcycle world, the best way to get them going is on a Stasic bike. They've got multiple sizes, so from your very young Groms to those who are a little more grown up, you can start them safely. They've got controls that allow you to control the speed so he can't get going too quick. They can touch the ground. There's not a lot of noise to distract them. It's the perfect way to get your child involved in motorcycling at a very young age. And if you've got a kid who's already out ripping, there's series popping up all over. For those of you in Southern California, go to www.ameminicross.com and join their local series. If you're outside of this state, contact your local track and ask them about starting a Stasic class at your local track. Get over to Stasic.com and check out all they've got going on. Motul USA, uh, we, we lean hard on these lubricants to keep us uh, on the track and on the trail. And Motul has proven their quality over and over, uh, most recently with their Dakar win with Ricky Brabeck. Uh, they're sponsoring Supercross teams. They're diving into our sport again full full throttle, and uh, we're stoked to have them on board. Amazing products, top to bottom. Motul USA, go check them out. OGO is the leader in motorcycle storage solutions. As motocross riders, we need a gear bag, we need a helmet bag, a boot bag, a backpack, a travel bag, a hydration pack, maybe a toolkit to wear around your waist if you're on an off-road ride. OGO makes all of that, and their products are absolutely top of the line. I've got stuff I've had for several decades, just to give you an idea of how long this stuff lasts. If you're not sure, ask around, talk to folks who've had some of this stuff, and they will confirm that OGO's quality is absolutely second to none. So go check them out, OGO underscore powersports.com, and look at all they've got to offer right now. You ever heard the phrase that the harder you work, the luckier you are? Well, at Luck Apparel, they believe in an acronym that kind of sums it up a little more simply than that, laboring under complete knowledge. So it isn't just some random chance that determines what your outcome or results are going to be. It's being educated and working your butt off to get it done. And I think that that goes hand in hand with the motocross industry. You don't get lucky into a win. You work your ass off and you make it happen. So check out Luck Apparel. They've got t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff. And we're stoked to have them on board here at the Whiskey Throttle Show in 2022. If you're in the market for a toy hauler trailer, car trailer, cargo trailer, look no further than Custom Outfitters, one of our new partners for this year. Uh, these guys do an awesome job, even so far as to dial in the inside of Sprinter vans, which have become the new standard moto transportation for moto. Uh, these guys can handle it all. Uh, they use ATC world-class trailers, uh, top-shelf service, and performance in their products. Uh, Custom Outfitters out of South Dakota doing an awesome job. We're stoked to have these guys on board this year. So whether you're looking to just do some camping with the family, uh, looking for a trailer that can fit all your toys to go out to the desert or wherever, uh, look no further than Custom Outfitters. And finally, last but not least, Specialized Bicycles. If you are in the market to start pedaling, this is where you want to start. Uh, they've got great entry-level bikes all the way up to the Cadillac, the new Levo um, e-bike, uh, any, anything in between, man. It doesn't matter what kind of riding you're doing. Go check out and start with Specialized. Don't waste your time on something that's going to break. The derailleur's not going to shift after a couple months. Get something quality. Uh, these guys make it. Specialized leads that industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of MPH, Moto E Performance and Health with Coach Rob Beams. 
Welcome. Thank you, brother. Uh, so interesting topic today. I want to talk about hydration. Um, whether you're a high-level amateur guy, pro guy, or weekend warrior, uh, or you got kids that are in sports, sure. hydration's a key factor. Yeah. And there's a lot of confusion about what's better, an electrolyte like a sports drink or water, how much of each, uh, what are the differences in sports drinks? You know, you go to 7-Eleven, you got sure. Gatorade and Powerade pretty much. Uh, those are largely garbage mm-hmm. um, based on the ingredients. So talk a little bit about that, the the difference between electrolyte drinks and water, why why which are necessary, you know, which ones, and the difference between those. Well, I like what you said. You know, hydration is something that, unfortunately, a lot of us don't think about it until it smacks us in the face. You know, we're dehydrated. We're cramping. We have all these issues. Think about the body's number one goal is to not die, <laughs> whether it's for freezing or heating. We call it thermal regulation. So when you look at that, you know, we we grew up in biology 101, homeostasis, right? Finding that little sweet spot that the body's always striving for. Then we throw athletics in it and throw a ton of curveballs at it. Heat, humidity, intensity, sweating. So when you look at the need for hydration, hydration is very, very simple. Snack on fruits and vegetables. They're loaded in water. They're loaded in electrolytes, which we'll talk about. When you look at how much water you should take, and I want the listeners to write this down. Take your body weight in pounds, divide it by two, and that's how many ounces of water you want over an eight to 10 hour period, depending on how long you're awake. So if I'm 150 pounds, that's 75 ounces over an eight to 10 hour day. So what that does is, and I want the listeners to think about this, you have two sides of hydration, what we call basal metabolic needs, what you need to stay alive, and then what you lose in sweat. That's the side of the coin that people tend to mess up. So If you are drinking half of your body weight in ounces of water over the course of a day, you're hydrated for what your body needs. When we get into athletics, we need to know what your perspiration rate is. So stepping on the scale before you exercise, stepping on the scale afterwards, it's going to give you a number. Just like your motorcycle, every time you let this thing run, it's going to drain fuel, right? So you should lose some water weight every time you exercise. So if you're gaining weight during a workout, you're overhydrating. It's pretty simple. Mm. The reason why I want to bring that up at the beginning is being overhydrated is more dangerous than being dehydrated. And here's why. When you're overhydrated, hyponatremia is the technical word for that, you never quench thirst. And the dangerous part is you'll start to have symptoms as if you're inebriated, slurred speech, loss of balance, blurry vision. The problem with that is you still haven't quenched thirst, so your body still keeps prompting you to keep going. Unfortunately, it can kill you. Mm-hmm. If you go the dehydration route, there's, there's several phases. Skin stops sweating, cotton mouth. You may start to cramp. It'll give you enough stop gaps to the point where your head feels like you've got a frying pan on it. Usually there's enough indicators that you'll stop doing what you're doing. Very rarely do you see somebody kill themselves with dehydration. But even in Atlanta, they did that radio drink, excuse me, a radio station in Atlanta did a radio drinking contest and a lady died. Hmm. Okay, so when you look at the, the dangers of that, someone, you know, maybe the listeners will go, what, what, how, how big, what does it really matter if I'm hydrated? It can kill you if you overhydrate. Now, when we get into this, because that's the most important part about understanding hydration, how to do it, how to measure it, how to stay in balance. Then you look at the, you brought up the subject of electrolytes. That's where sports drinks come in. Electrolytes play two significant roles. One, it helps us absorb fluid. That's why you urinate more when you drink a sports drink, because the electrolytes help you pull that in causes you to stay hydrated. That's a good thing. Electrolytes also play a significant role on the contraction of the muscle. 
So when somebody tells me they're cramping, we have to look at three things. Is it a dehydration issue? Is it an electrolyte imbalance issue? Or are you simply just pushing the tissue too hard? Mm -hmm. You know, if all of a sudden, you know, maybe you and I don't, uh, I'm from Florida. So if I all of a sudden we're going to go do a run in the rolling hills out here in San Diego, my calves are probably going to pay a significant price because it's not used to that much load leaving the ground. So when someone says they're cramping, that's what we immediately want to understand. How much have you lost? Is it a true dehydration issue? If you, if the sweat rate's within the right range, you should, when you exercise, you should have a loss rate of one to 2%. More than 2%, you're dehydrated. Anything less than 1%, i.e. you stayed the same weight, you're overhydrated. Hmm. Dangerous place to be. Interesting. Okay. But the electrolytes is what I want to, because you'd mentioned that earlier, electrolytes play a role on the ability to absorb fluid, stay hydrated, and then athletically perform. So like when somebody takes a, a sports drink and they cut it, they say, hey, buy this bottle of whatever drink, cut it in half. What is it you've cut in half? Calories and electrolytes. That's why I have a real problem with a lot of these products that are going to zero calorie. That's the stupidest thing you could ever do because during exercise, you need calories. Yeah. Now we can get into the subject for the first 60 to 90 minutes. You can go because you have stored sugar, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, you know, you, you want it, if you're going to drink a sports drink, it's to fuel what you're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the listeners may know I own my own sports drink business. I own my own supplement company as well, but I don't want you buying supplements and I don't want you taking sports drink until we deem it necessary. And what I mean by that is if you're eating fresh fruits and vegetables on a daily basis, your electrolyte levels are probably pretty dialed. Yeah. But I think you, people overestimate the, their need for sports drinks. Absolutely. Little Johnny does a 20 minute soccer game and they're handing him a big bottle of Gatorade. Right. He doesn't probably need that. No. Um, and just to clarify that when you eat a normal meal, your body stores glycogen in the liver to feed your brain and the muscles to, to feed movement. Well, if you're eating properly, you've got about a 60 to 80 minute gas tank, depending on your body size. So let's just what water it down to an hour. If you're properly eating during the day, you've got enough exercise to go an hour. If you're going longer than an hour, then look at bringing something in. Sure. Now what gets kind of out of context is the junk that's in the drinks. You know, when you look at these, you know, you go to a refrigerated case and it's whatever color blues and greens and oranges and green, those aren't normal colors. Well, that's a coloring agent. <laughs> that's not lime juice in the green. That's Gatorade right. That yeah. Turned green. And, and we have a mantra in our office. We say, if you can't pronounce the ingredient, your body certainly can't digest it. Hmm. And so w when I developed energy fuel, we did quite a bit of beta testing. We, we did it. I think it was a total of eight years with all three flavor or all three. We have four formulations. Um, I think it, the, it ended up being a total of eight years of beta testing because it's not just about throwing a concoction of ingredients together and go, oh, yeah, we have a sports drink. You have to look at the formulation. You have to look at the complexity of the carbohydrate. You have to look at its ability to break it down. And where this is going to be important for the listeners is there's an inverse relationship between food complexity and intensity. Mm -hmm. So if you're peeling the ears back on the dog and you're really hammering, you can't be having a lot of complex stuff in your stomach. Yeah. It's the, not going to break down. And we talked about this in a prior show. When, when you are working hard, you've got that flight or fight or flight response. If you're fighting, your body is pushing all the blood to your extremities. There's no blood in your core to digest food. That's right. why it's going to be very difficult to digest heavy foods. Not even heavy foods, just slightly even complex because the blood is going to the working muscles to deliver oxygen. The water is going to the skin for sweating, shuts nutrition, it shuts digestion down. Mm -hmm. And again, we're back to that hierarchy of needs. Die of a heat stroke or digest food. 
the digestion of food. And that's why you see on race day, people are nervous. They end up with diarrhea or vomiting. It's because the body wants it out of the system and it's only got two holes to get rid of it. And it's going to find a way to get rid of it. Yeah. And so if you put it into an executive decision, you're not going to like the executive decision yeah. that the body's going to make. And we've Code all Brown. Been there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We've all been there. Um, and there's also, in terms of the electrolyte balance, you know, I, I think back to medic school, the uh, sodium potassium pump. The I balance. mean, your, your heart functions That's right. on proper electrolyte balance. So I've always been told uh, a lot of cramping is more electrolyte imbalance than it is dehydration. That's right. Necessarily. So those are very important, but they're not all, all made equal. So continue on with that because I know your product, I've kind of helped you as you guys have gone along the way, tasting those Absolutely. different ones and giving you feedback and the new lines. Awesome. I love that. There's no color to it, yep. which, which is a big, essentially poison. Yeah. Um, so if you're drinking red Gatorade, that red 40 or whatever it is, I don't give that to my kids right. because I can watch them just spin up mm -hmm. when they get on that stuff. Uh, so tell me about those differences there. Well, the, the, the thing that I want people to understand is when you look at the formulation, uh, as I teased earlier, if you can't pronounce it, you certainly can't digest it. And when you start looking at the elements of what's in a, an isotonic drink, that's a sports drink, stop and think about the ingredients that make up all those different colors first and foremost. Now, I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence. When you see it on the shelf, it's referred to as an RTD, a ready to drink. Well, if it's on a shelf, it has a preservative in it. That's why you don't see ours in a pre-liquid format because I don't want anything artificial in there. Yeah. Not because I'm, you know, uh, I, I eat foods that some people would say are not good. You know, I'll have wings and cold beer occasionally. So again, I don't live in a glass house. I don't want to give the wrong impression, but I don't want to put an, a preservative in there where I know your body's going to struggle to break it down and probably cause some gastrointestinal issues, diarrhea and things cramping. So why would I want to put something into a drink? And if it's in an RTD, it is guaranteed to have a yeah. preservative. Otherwise it would have mold in it. Well, again, a preservative is not a normal thing that we were designed to eat. So you've got to look at these. And again, we don't live in a glass house. I mean, if you're I, w I wish I could say I haven't had to have Gatorade, but there's been times Michaela and I, you know, we go on a, f a long bike ride and next thing you know, we're running through a, a convenience store and, you know, we're getting ice cold Gatorade and potato chips. Yeah. You know, um, we've sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Well, <laughs> and it's funny because for those of you that like to watch the tour de France, um, if you watch those guys in the tour, you'll notice in their feed bags as they go through the feed zones, you'll notice they'll reach in their satchel. And the first thing they'll do is grab a small can of cola. Because when you're under a lot of uh, the three elements of stress, heat, you know, intensity, and, you know, take all of those dynamics of racing, high heart rate, high temperatures, high stress, those three things are going to beat hunger down all day long. The reason why they put the cola in is because the phosphorus in the cola will reactivate the digestive enzymes. Mm. But if you notice, they're not doing it on the most difficult part of the stage. They're doing it usually at the top of a hill where now they can let the heart rate come down. It allows them to bring the food in without it coming right, hitting up the rebut. Mm. So when you, I'm not advocating Coke. I want people to understand what they're looking at when they watch it on TV. Then you'll notice when the race is over, those guys are, are hammering a Coke because they know that the recovery window is pretty tight. And if you put food in and you regurgitate it, that doesn't help your recovery yeah. window. Yeah. Uh, Michaela and I do a lot with triathlons and there was a big showdown between Jan Ferdino from Germany and Lionel Sanders and the goal was set to try to break the world record for the Ironman distance, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a marathon. And they did, they went to seven and a half hours. But my point is this, as soon as John Ferdino crossed the finish line, his agent gave him 
a big glass of a co- liter of cola cola straight oh, and Farva would have been he's proud sit, he's sitting right there drinking it and it was funny then he went to go up on the podium his agent took it back away because he's not getting paid to be on the podium yeah. with it but i just want the viewers to understand what they're looking at and why would, they're doing that. why yeah. would somebody hit yeah. a cola because they know the recovery window has got to be engaged and when you've suppressed appetite we've all been there all of us it's hot, it's humid, and someone's yeah. telling you you should eat, and you're like, man, I'm going to throw up if I put that in my mouth. See, I always thought it was just to get sugar up, because there's so much sugar in soda, but it's actually... Yeah, it's a little bit deeper phosphorus. than that. Wow. Yeah, it's a little deeper than that. Well, tell me about the products you have, your uh, energy fuel. There's three different... Yeah, there's a total of four formulas. If okay. you go from the, we call it the left to the right, we have what's called energy fuel light. For those of you that have, um, we call perfuse sweaters, you know, electrolyte imbalances, you go and you get blood work on a regular basis and you see your sodium potassium pumps out of line or calcium is, you know, out of whack. Um, we, we recommend that. It's, it's just an easy way to keep electrolytes. I think it's got 70 calories in it. So it just keeps your water flavored enough, but you're not getting jacked up on a bunch of sugar. Um, the next product is our regular energy fuel, excuse me, energy fuel boost. Um, it's got a slightly simpler carbohydrate formulation because it's designed for high intensity less than an hour and that's what i want everybody to realize is when we created the sports drinks they need to be designed based on intensity and they need to be based on duration so there's an inverse relationship if you're racing for a long period of time you can't go out there at sprint mode so the heart rate has to come down which allows us to make the molecules a little bit more complex so there's an inverse relationship there and then in the boost we actually have what's called an alpha lactate it's a poly a lactic acid buffer is probably the easiest way to say it. So for those of you that when you're out there and you're going guts to the wall and you just feel your body loading up, it's the backing up of lactic acid. So we put a buffer in there. Then we have our normal energy fuel, which is designed to go between one and two hours. Again, carbohydrates are designed a certain way. Uh, We do have a lactic acid buffer in that as well. Then we have our long distance. So like with our GNCC or anybody that rides off road, it's designed for three hours and above. So it's a little bit more complex because you're bringing the heart rate down and we put a dab of protein in it. Uh, have you ever had that hollowed out feeling when you're at the track and you're drinking fluids, but you just want to bite your arm because you're just hollowed out or a long bike ride? Yeah. That's why we, uh, there's only two macronutrients that satisfies appetite and that's protein and fat. So you put a little bit of protein in there. The reason why we say a little bit is if you put too much and you're obviously your core body temperature's up, you throw protein on, it could ferment, and you could end up with all kinds of GI distress. Yeah. So just, again, more sports. There's more science behind the drink than people realize. Yeah, and you guys have done a great job. Uh, if you get over to completeracingsolutions.com, he's got a full uh, list of different things on there that are free, to, free of charge, menu options, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, and they also have a membership available. I highly recommend it. Great stuff over there. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more MPH videos. Thanks for watching the Whiskey Throttle Show, now available on the Spot Network, an independent standalone streaming platform live now on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Google Play, Android TV, most smart TVs, and all phones and tablets. Look for future live shows and specials only available on Spot Network. Download the app today on your favorite device. And don't forget to like and subscribe and click the bell to get alerts for all the latest content. Follow us on Twitter at W underscore throttle underscore show and on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at Whiskey Throttle Show.